welcome to Whatever Show, episode number 63. Uh, yeah, for six, it's 63. Um, there's a story behind that, but we'll get back to that in a second. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. We have uh, two pay-per-views, uh, two WWE pay-per-views to go over. We've got Survivor Series we're going to cover. We're, we're going to cover tonight. We're going to cover TLC. parts of Survivor Series. We're not going to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we have a mega crossover event from 3.01% of the uh, four DC TV shows on the CW this week. We've got all kinds of news in the Marvel Universe, uh, Andrew Garfield and some amazing Spider-Man stuff. We've got video games. We actually have a lot more video game stuff to cover than we usually do. This is a very video game heavy episode, which I'm ta- excited about. And we're going to finish up with some uh, music talk where um, two, two out of three of us did um, most of the homework, and, and one of us did, I don't know, maybe a quarter of the homework. Yeah, I listened to it all. I think they were just about the lead. Hey, you guys know I have really, not really given away the lead here. The spoilers, it was me. I didn't really listen to everything I was supposed to. All right, let's get to it. All right, so um, first of all, I guess we should, we should talk. Um, we did record a show last week. Yeah. You guys are never going to hear it, though. Yeah, you're probably not. <laughs> so here's it was, the thing. It was kind of bad. We we thought it would be fun, and it was fun. Uh, it just wasn't listenable. It was fun for us. Yeah, we thought it would be fun to, uh, while Survivor Series was going on, we would actually have that going on a screen, and we would do the podcast while Survivor Series was going on. Here's the thing, though. We don't have an attention span between the three of us. The, so The uh, problem really lies here. We had stuff to talk about that wasn't wrestling related, which is really hard to do when you're watching people do things that normal people can't do. Yeah. So we the, could be in the middle of talking about something and all of a sudden we're like, ow. Yeah. <laughs> and then we would just do that for about a half an hour. Like, yeah. oh, did you see that? Sometimes, Dude, sometimes that. we just forgot we were doing a show. Yeah. Which were probably the, actually the most listenable parts of the show. <laughs> so anyway, that that's probably never going to make it out. But um, it was a lot of fun to do, and I'm a little bummed that it, it didn't turn out be- better for the listener. But uh, we, we like you, so we're, we're not going to subject you to that. Eddie and I have talked about um, possibly not doing entire pay-per-views this way, but maybe um, on non-pay-per-view weeks, we, we pull out a, a match from the classic Attitude Era, uh, which is when Eddie actually watched wrestling in earnest at one point yeah um and watching some of those matches and maybe maybe um doing commentary for the match and uh but just one match not an entire pay-per-view not an entire episode of raw or anything like that yeah we're gonna hit a little bit of that maybe even a storyline kind of arc yeah yeah we could we could maybe pick like you know watch the rise of stone cold or watch eddie drop his ipad (laughs) that Um, loud thump brought to you (laughs) apple folks yeah um if only they made this thinner and lighter, it wouldn't have made such a loud thump. <laughs> it's an iPad Air, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, that that's the in-joke. If you follow anything with Apple, they keep making everything skinnier when we just want more battery. Yeah, we just want it to... Or a headphone jack. Or two. Yeah. I don't right. give a fuck about the head bu- headphone jack. Quit quit crying okay, about the headphone jack. I do. Jack. All right. All right. So let's go off on a tangent. We're, I'm pissed we're four about seconds. the headphone I'm pissed about the headphone jack, and I don't even have an iPhone. We're, we're, like, we're four seconds into the fuck thing. fuck off. Right. So, Both of you. Come first on. First Listen to me backpedal for a second, because if you go back, I don't know, three or four episodes, you can hear me piss and moan about how the iPhone 7 got rid of the head fit phone jack, and I'm going Android, and I'm sure Matt was sitting here like, no, you're not. And yeah. I never <laughs> believed it for a second. Here we are. I, I did pick up an iPhone 7 a couple weeks ago, um, but actually, no, I'm totally pissed off about the headphone jack. It is really fucking frustrating, and I really wish I just still had the goddamn thing. Why uh, don't you just buy yourself a decent pair of Bluetooth headphones? Okay, so number one, I use uh, my phone in like four different places 
where Bluetooth headphones were not a th- like not an option. So I use it in my car all the time. My car does not have Bluetooth. I have no intentions to spend the money to upgrade the deck. I use it next to my does bed. Does your iPhone night. have Bluetooth? Yeah. So what then what's say? the problem? My car does not have Bluetooth. His car doesn't have Bluetooth, okay. so it can't link up But to you your can car. get Bluetooth headphones and so, link it to your iPhone, and it still works. Well, I know, but when I'm in my car, I don't want to listen to headphones. I want to listen to my, you know, like You listen actual... to headphones in your car anyway. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Usually Every I time don't. you walk in my door, citizen. you have your earbuds in. That's because I get lazy. I go down to the store, I buy our sixer for the show, and then I come back, <laughs> and, and while I'm in the store, I listen to the headphones, and it's not like I'm going to take them out for the three-minute drive back over here. So yeah, of course I, I'm listening to headphones when I walk in the door. Okay, so that's the thing. Um, I've got Bluetooth. Uh, what I did actually for both of those is I bought like this ten dollar little adapter on Amazon, and for Bluetooth it works just fine. Uh, but that that big caveat is for Bluetooth, it still sucks. Like it still occasionally skips. It's still you know like, and the Bluetooth thing is sitting you know does literally your, less than a foot does away. Does your from iPhone the phone. seven not come with an adapter that plugs into the Lightning jack? It does, but I also want to be able to charge the damn thing because the other primary way that I use my phone, especially when I'm in the car, is like for nav. So like I, I turn it on the GPS, which you know kills battery, and then and I plug that in during those times. Or how you know, many, like how many places I, do you go that you don't know how to get there? Uh, it's not that many very often, but the, these are the woes of, of people who are overly uptight in about my things. defense. I used to be in a band, so I traveled a lot of different places that I had no fucking. I mean, clue I'm not, I was I'm not trying to bust anybody's balls here, but. The lack of a headphone jack is not the worst thing that could happen to a phone. In fact, it's it's oh, it's the wave of the future, my it, friends. Well, it is. It's just the future is not. It's just not quite there yet. Like we need uh, we need a little bit more time because what's frustrating to me is like Bluetooth isn't all the way there. Like there's still some annoying <clears> things. <throat> like um, sometimes I'll get out of my car and, and when I come back to my car, while well, I'm still listening to my. Well, this happened to me. I was walking back in from the store yesterday and my car picked up the audio. So all of a sudden my headphones cut out and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" And then I realized it's because my car decided it was just going to take over and, and steal the the stream from my um, headphones while I was still listening to it. Um, but yeah. It, and Bluetooth just isn't nearly as reliable. So what I miss is just, you know, I got in, I plugged the thing in, and it never worked. I never lost a single second to skipping audio or anything like that. And I've also had to buy Bluetooth things all over the house now. So I, I think I bought three of those little uh, um, Bluetooth adapter things um, and just stuck them all over the place. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little obnoxious. It, it, it is. If it worked 100%, I think I'd probably be okay with it. Here's, but as it is, I'm still just kind of frustrated. Here's by the biggest problem with Bluetooth, and this is like straight up IT tech speak this is the problem with bluetooth bluetooth uses the same frequency as most in-home wi-fi's so everything does it's 2.4 gigahertz everything does because if, it, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be 2.4 but there's only a certain regulated amount of bandwidth uh um actual you know radio bands that you can use for consumer devices because that shit's all very heavily regulated if, so if you actually have invested in newer equipment over the years and and everything supports it you can switch everything else in your house to five gigahertz and you can use your Bluetooth and there's no interference. It's just like... Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, in the fucking car. Like, it's not yeah. like I can be in the car driving through a field, you know, in Nebraska and I still lose uh, lose audio sometimes. Like, Bluetooth for me, I've used Bluetooth before, um, you know, through headsets and stuff like that. And, and it's never worked 100% for me. I bought, I bought one of the um, Bluetooth deals that plugs into my cigarette lighter. Yeah. And uh, it it's an FM transmitter. And I use that. And aside from the fact that I have to turn everything like almost all the way up to sound 
decent. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't. I I don't get the skips and the pops and things like. See, once in a great while, I get a pop. But I, th- I think I'm just way fucking snobbier than you about this shit too. Because like the other thing, like I cannot deal. Like FM transmitter is not allowed anywhere near me because I can't deal with the loss in audio quality. So I, I think the thing is, I'm probably just a lot prissier about most I, of this shit. Than you, you are a prissy bitch. It's I'm not true. gonna lie. I'm fancy. Sound wise, I can't stand like anything that sounds subpar. Like no. I have to have my sound be. And I get it. But I also listen to radio a good portion of the time, too, now. Like, I listen to KZL when I go to work in the morning. <laughs> and then I'm like, mm-mm. But, no. but that's uh-uh. only because I'm, I'm really lazy. And sometimes I just don't care. See, that's been the thing this last week. I've listened to more radio in this last week than I have, or the last couple of weeks than I have in, like, the previous three years. Because I just hate radio. Like, first off, it's not even the quality that's so much that drives me nuts. Although it is disgustingly bad. Uh, uh, especially when you're used to, like, never, like... The, the worst the worst mp3s that i have you know are probably no that's not even true anymore because they're all up to, up, up to date through itunes match so like the worst quality music i listen to is 256 uh, uh mp3s and i know there's some other snobs listening that are probably like no flack 256 really, really? fuck you what a bitch yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah, radio is just awful, and I cannot stand commercials. Just like every five seconds, you know, when I get into the car too. The other thing I I can't stand is all the rock stations died in Oregon lately. Like I listen to KZL. KZL is the only station I, I listen like to. Is KZL like the classic everywhere. rock yeah. one? Yeah. So that's what I listen to. I listen to KZL ninety six one. I think. Yeah, and yeah. I listen to like one oh six three or something nine, and then there was one oh one five. Oh, 101.5 just Back sounds like day. 101.5 just honestly sounds like a college kid just threw up his indie new record that he you got to listen to all over the radio. See, every I'm, time I turn I it on, it's like, like yeah. just horribly disappointing. Or anything like that in probably a decade. Yeah, here's my thing. I listen to KZL classic rock most of the time, and they do play a little bit of contemporary stuff, but mostly it's classic rock. And the reason I do that is because I can't stand to listen to new music a lot of the a lot of the time. We got old folks. Um, and it's not that I don't like new music, but when I listen to new music, I have to be able to just like grab the record and listen to the whole thing because it's usually not the single that grabs me from the record. So I kind of need, you know, like some of the musical challenges here, I should participate in a little bit more because I was just thinking about this last week. One of the things that I've noticed about myself anyway, is that I don't really listen to new music hardly ever, unless it's like an established thing that I know. Like if, when Radiohead came out with a new album not too long ago, of course I listened to that and I've, I've really enjoyed that album, but it's not very often anymore that I discover like this new band, new thing. Um, and, yeah. and you know, especially like listening to the radio, I was just like, who the fuck listens to this? And, and you told me a new Radiohead came out. So of course I listened to Pablo Honey and the Benz. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh yeah, I like thing. those records quite a bit. I, I did the exact same thing. You told me to listen to the new Metallica record. I listened to three or four songs and I was like, fuck it, black album. And and then we're going to do Master of Puppets. Uh, <laughs> and I, so I've listened to both of those albums, but I haven't actually listened to the all 100% of the new Metallica album. Which, do, do all three of us agree, though, that Master of Puppets is probably the greatest Metallica record ever made? It is the greatest Metallica record Yeah, that's they fair. Made. Yeah. Totally fair. Okay. Like, hands down. But I do like the new record. We'll talk about that later on in the show. But Yeah, definitely. Well, what was the challenge this week? Metallica... Avenged we were all supposed to listen corn. to the new Metallica, the new Avenged Sevenfold, and the new Corn. And I yeah, listened you know to all of them. I listened, listened to two of them. I listened to two of them. Since and he that, listened to fucking four songs, apparently. Since that happened in the episode, though, that didn't so, come out. 
Challenge canceled. I, I got a freebie this week. <laughs> we got an A compared to him. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it, a, a D minus isn't that difficult to beat. Like, don't pat yourself on the back too well, hard. I mean, I'm that, just saying. Well, if you're in criminal justice. They're all available on Apple Music, too. Like, you have them all for free. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I did do that, too. I, I signed up for the trial, finally, of Apple Music so I could listen to the. Dude, the I love the it. I like it better than Spotify. Like, I know you said that you, if you had to do a paid service, you would do Spotify. But I like Apple Music, like, a lot. And I, I, like I, Google, I like Google Play. The only thing that I've heard that Spotify has so far is the fact that it updates you when you, the artists that you follow or listen to most frequently that's in your lists, they come out with something new, it'll notify you so see, you can listen to I it. I don't like that. that I don't want my phone to tell me shit. Like, <laughs> I don't mind that because there's times where like Lamb of God, for instance, I love Lamb of God. They came out with their new song, eh, don't really care that much, but... My buddy was just like, you know, they came out with a song. Have you heard it? I was like, dude, I didn't even know they were making a new song. Like, He's like, yeah, Spotify notified me and said this, so I listened to it. I was like, what the fuck? So, Yeah, I, I don't know. I like that, but uh, the I get so incessantly annoyed by all of the um, – like notifications this through my phone like almost any time like i get a notification or a spam email it's like well i'm turning that off like they're, they're not i mean spam's obvious but like every time i get a notification from anything it's like well i don't need to know that right now i i have one service that notifies me about things on a regular basis that i actually don't hate and you guys are going to think i'm a terrible person and a drunk for this but <laughs> it's the is so, that our, is so, that our is it untapped? notification yeah. so i use untapped for for checking in new beers and whatnot Madonna. and um i I follow the Schmitza public house here in town. Nice. Um, and for those of you listening at home that aren't familiar, Schmitza is a chain. There are Schmitzas and there are Schmitza public houses. The difference is, is the Schmitza public house has a smaller menu than the reg- than the full size chain, and it has thirty six taps instead of a full bar. Yeah. Uh, which I am not as much of a liquor drinker, so I'll take the thirty six taps over a full bar any day of the goddamn week. And every time they tap something new, untapped notifies me. And I'm like, oh, well, that sounds good. <laughs> I love it. That's actually brilliant. Like, uh, I, I actually noticed, like, Facebook. Facebook is probably the one that everybody is like, oh, I, I need to see when somebody tags me and, something, and I turn that shit off. Like, I don't give a fuck. No. Yeah. yeah. I, I My phone like, does not notify me about shit when every, it comes to Facebook. Every single time, like, something like that happens, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, fuck, why? Why? I mean, um, not even not even our like whatever show page yeah. notifies me because I'm. I like, do I do keep that one on. I do. Keep, I don't. But, but I'm I use such the, a dick. I use the Pages app. Do you get uh, the, there's a Pages app? Yeah, I use so Pages. I use Pages. Um, but mostly the one that I matter that matters the most to me is our our um Twitter page for the show. Because yeah, that's the I, only I one I actually much care prefer about. the Twitter one. Yeah. I right, so this messenger is, only on Facebook. Dude, I don't even have your phone number. Like, I only get a hold of you through <laughs> Facebook, Facebook Messenger. Yeah, yeah. I. Yeah. All right, so that's uh, 30 minutes did, of bullshit. I don't even should know how we, we got about, on that tangent. Should we talk about the uh, Survivor Series? We're going to talk about one match from Survivor Series. We're going to talk about the, the why, Goldberg. Why not, two? why not two? I mean, they did make history that night. Did at they? Survivor Series. Did they? No, they didn't. Never mind. Canceled that We're idea. still talking about Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Hell in yeah. a Cell. Yep. Hell in a Cell is in my Ryan's mind. Ryan's drunk and we already talked about Hell in a Cell. So. Yeah. Well, Hell in a Cell is in my mind. Like, so that's episode 16. For those of you following along at home, Ryan got here a little bit earlier. Um and uh, the Raider game was still on, and we watched the last quarter of the Raider game, which apparently meant Ryan had to drink three beers to make sure his team I won. I think there was how many minutes left in the Did fourth I, quarter? There I'm was pretty four, sure. 
There was all like of the fourth quarter. All of the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, we watched, we watched like the last 30 seconds like of, of the that. third quarter. I think I think watching Raiders games is just like you drink. That's just the thing you do when you Dude, watch the Raiders Dude, I was thrilled. Play. I was excited. <laughs> all right. I was screaming. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we did not um, actually make history at Survivor Series other than Brock Lesnar um, getting, getting, <laughs> getting absolutely crushed in a minute 27 seconds. Yeah, the so- intros for both superstars coming to the match actually took longer than the match itself yeah quick recap um basically the way it went down is uh they came out they got the big intros um we had two spears and then a jackhammer and i think that was it yeah there was a little bit of a a little bit of offense from lesnar at the very beginning because he kind of picked uh goldberg up and threw him in the corner but then after that it was it was over oh yeah i mean it was an absolute like traditional classic goldberg squash if you ever watched wcw back in the day yeah you have seen this a million times and i honestly Here's the thing. I'm not just a wrestling fan because I like watching wrestling and everything. Like, I'm kind of, I'm not going to say I'm an insider to the business, but I get how the business works. And this was one of the smartest things that WWE has done in a long time. Well, you know, we've been talking about this on lots of the last shows. I've been, I've been saying, you know, repeatedly, I don't care about Lesnar. I want somebody to take him down just because they're building him up to be this thing that just isn't interesting to me at all. And I thought that this was uh, almost a poetic way to do it, especially because at the time we watched this, um, this was billed as uh, Goldberg's last match, yeah. and we really thought going into this, uh, if you go back and listen to the show that's never going to make it to air, uh, you would hear us say over and over again, wow, that's a fantastic last match. This is a great send-off for the guy. Uh, we, this is the perfect way to happen, for it to happen, um, and and uh, we we were totally wrong, as it turns out, because it looks like we're going to get some more Goldberg stuff. So Yeah, the, the very next night on Raw, actually, he came out and announced that he is actually going to be in... Uh, the Royal Rumble match and my understanding of the contract that he signed uh, for the extension it's a paper appearance deal okay so they're not just giving him some money and he's going to show up occasionally like every time he shows up on TV he's getting money rock yeah um but he also told Vince that during the time period this contract is good for which we're it's undisclosed at this point but I'm relatively certain it's through Wrestlemania um why he is. He told. He told Vince that he is willing to come in and work as many matches as they're willing to pay him for in between, which is that's awesome. awesome that's I think. great. Uh, yeah, I think that could be a big in for a lot of a lot of different reasons. Number one is uh, Goldberg's got some old fans. Like, uh, so this is one of the matches that I watched and I was excited about because I when I was watching wrestling, you know, a long time ago, Goldberg was a big fucking deal. Um, and so Goldberg's been out of the business for a, lo- a long time now. And now when I watch wrestling, basically the only guy I recognize is Jericho and then Rhino. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, Triple H. So, yeah, Trips but, is still there sometimes. Oh, uh, that's... Orton. I haven't seen I haven't seen he Triple was, H. He was out before oh, Orton. Oh, he was came out in. before Orton? Okay. Or, or or he was there at the very beginning of Orton's career, but I don't uh, think he watched very like much. Ten minutes before Orton came in because I never yeah. saw I'll Orton actually wrestle. Me and Vey, you watch Orton matches, but I don't remember you ever talking about him, so I think you were kind of no. out of it by that time. But uh Triple H and Triple H I haven't seen in all the wrestle or the pay per views we've watched so far and, and the stuff that I've caught here and there, I haven't seen Triple H do anything the, except the one for match a that tiny he was involved in, you weren't there for. Perfect. Yeah. Um, 
No. So anyway, bringing Goldberg back is kind of like a, a uh, pretty great move, I think, for the WWE. Because number one, it gives them a, a reason, a, a plausible out for how they take down Lesnar. Because uh, one of the things that they've done now, having built Lesnar so long, is kind of establish that none of the guys on the main roster these days are are capable of taking down Lesnar. Like, you put basically anybody else in the ring with him, and, and you just know how it's going to end, for the most part. Um giving Goldberg the win I think opens the door to actually you know letting some other guys win beat Lesnar and actually kind of uh take over that that, that top spot so to speak which uh um I think is a good thing because like I said I, I just don't care about Lesnar at all and I, I guess that's you know with all the history that the last I don't know four or five months of watching pay-per-views can bring but um yeah I, I just I still don't care about him and um here's the problem with Lesnar too and and you've said this uh a few times that you don't care about Lesnar. Here's why Lesnar's contract. He signed a three-year deal, but it's so limited in his appearances that he's not on the show enough for anybody to really care that much. No, and if you're not, not a regular watcher. So for example, you guys mostly only watch the, the pay-per-views. I think Ryan, I try, occasionally to, on, on I Hulu. try to catch up as much as I can on Hulu lately. I've been a little busy, so I fell way behind. So right. telling a cell, but I try to keep up, and you're right, Lesnar, as far as, like, a frequent viewer, why would you care? Right. It's just like The Rock. Like, yeah, you're excited that he's coming back. He's a big deal, but... See, but even why then, care? like, which The Rock can work at Mike. Like, he, well, there's a lot yeah. of reasons why you can enjoy The, the Rock coming back. <laughs> well, but. here's the thing, though. Paul Heyman can also work at Mike, and Paul Heyman is wonderful. And if, if like, there's one good thing about Lesnar showing up on TV, it's that you get to hear Paul Heyman talk. talk. Yeah. Because that's what Paul Heyman's good for. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about the rock is what they did perfectly with the rock when he had his rival Ruasina is he actually came back. They put the belt on the rock. He lost, uh, or he won the belt, I think at Royal um, Rumble, Royal Rumble against, from CM Punk, uh, CM Punk and kept it through mania when he finally lost it again to the flaw that they did Cena. there. The, the thing that they did wrong with the rock was that they didn't have the rock defend it in between the time between Royal Rumble and mania. Yeah, I, I think they could have had him defended a couple times. He should have defended but, it at Elimination Chamber is what he should have done, but, but they didn't. I mean, still in all, like he was present. He wasn't just gone between the Rumble and Mania. No, he wasn't, but... So that, I think, surprised everybody. Like, with Lesnar, you don't get that. Like, he shows up, and, like, you might see him come face-to-face with the dude, like they did with Goldberg and him uh, on the Monday before uh, Survivor Series. They were face-to-face in the ring, and shit happened. But... He's not wrestling matches he's not on really TV working, most working. of the time. Like yeah. he's he's basically coming in and only working during the pay per views. And other than that, he might tear the stage apart on Monday Night Raw the night after he loses or something like that. But that's about it. And that's why nobody cares about him because he's. We know as an audience that he only cares about the paycheck. And he's only doing the absolute minimum See, that he has to do to fulfill the terms of his the contract. The thing is, I don't even know that, or I didn't know that until probably this last couple of weeks. But I still feel that, like I, when I watch yeah. it, it's just it's so clearly like I don't get why the WWE props him up so much and get, gives him such this this position because he it just it it looks very much like that, even if you don't know the backstory. Anyway, that's that's a long way to say that uh, Survivor Series uh, Goldberg took down Lesnar. And and uh, now apparently we we're gonna get some more Goldberg matches because uh, he's been said he's said he's coming back. So yeah, we will keep you updated on that. The next Raw pay per view is actually two weeks from the time that we're recording this. Um, 
and it'll be Roadblock, um, which they added a new tagline to the end of that. It, the, the official I name of the pay-per-view is Roadblock, is. end of the line. Interesting. End so, of the line of what? Yeah, nobody knows. That brings us to tonight's event, uh, which was the WWE, the WWE TLC. The SmackDown uh, pay-per-view. The SmackDown pay-per-view. Um, we had some good matches that I didn't see, uh, unfortunately, and then we had a couple of matches that I did see that were also pretty good. So uh, why don't you guys open it up since you, you actually were here for this? So first of all, I'm going to tell you this. It's only been two weeks in Survivor Series. The SmackDown crew really had zero time to build any kind of storylines yeah. for this. So a lot of this is, is matches between people that we've seen wrestle each other before. That being said... Uh, I think Ryan and I were both presently surprised by a couple of the matches, actually. They were a lot better than they um, really should have been, given the amount of time that we had for preparation. So, uh, What was the first match? Um, uh, we're not talking about the kickoff the, match. No, not the kickoff match. I can kid. Yeah, no. Uh, the Don't very first that. match was the... Oh, it's the tag title tag match. Tag title match. Uh, the, the Wyatt family versus Rhino and... Heath Slater. Heath Slater. Yeah, you boys cor- uh, correctly called that. Uh, White, White, the White family went over Heath Slater and Rhino, yeah. which was um, um, I don't want to say an upset, but uh, you know they, they they took the belts on that one. So yeah, so here's the thing: um, Rhino and Heath Slater don't really have a ton of uh, of gas behind them for this run. Yeah, uh, it was Heath Slater was pretty over when he was you know doing everything you could possibly do to land a contract and winning the titles with Rhino was the only way he was going to get a contract with SmackDown. Um, the audience was kind of invested in that, but ever since they won the titles, it's been kind of lukewarm. I feel since then. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the other thing too, is that Bray, uh, Bray Wyatt has been uh, kind of in need of a, of a big push from the company for a while now. And I think putting Orton in with the Wyatt family Oh, Orton's in with Wyatt now. Yes, Orton is actually he part of the Wyatt with, family now. Uh, he tagged Wyatt, with Bray right? tonight. Yeah. yeah, he tagged with Bray tonight. Um, so that's given Bray a little bit of a rub for working with Orton, and also uh, lights the fire under them a little bit. And I think the audience cares about them a little bit more just because they're the number one. It's Randy Orton. Yep. And two, they're so invested in the Bray Wyatt family. The gimmick like, behind the, the, gimmick the Wyatt behind family. It, like, yeah. It's very uh, the first thing I saw, or the first time I saw Bray Wyatt come out, I was like, "Oh man, he he must be a real big fan of Taker because like they're clearly you know trying to trying to and, glom on." And some honestly, of they tried that they, the year after Taker lost to Lesnar at WrestleMania to to for to hand him his first loss at Mania. They they put him in a match with Wyatt the next year at WrestleMania, but again, it was kind of lukewarm. So. What they're doing now is they're 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 lighting a little bit of gas underneath them and seeing if they can you know push them a little bit more. And I think the tag titles. I don't know if they're going to make any more money with the tag titles because usually you don't. I mean, but. they're the tag titles, and I mean for giving somebody a push, it's a great start. Right. For somebody that needs it and something that the fans are egging on to have. My and prediction is there's going to be a little bit of turmoil in the Wyatt family, and at some point there's going to be a pretty oh, yeah. well, big divide between Bray and Orton. Who, yeah, and it's going to push. Maybe it's going to push Bray as a singles. Is it better, Bray? I think. Maybe it's Orton and what's his. Well, there's already tension between uh, Orton and Luke, and that's what I was saying. I was like, I saw that, and I was like, there's tension there. So I, say, I see that more of being Luke. Harper kind of having to go off on his own, and then the 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 breakdown in the Wyatt family is actually going to come down to Bray Wyatt and Orton, and that'll that'll solidify Bray Wyatt as a singles competitor. Okay, that's just my prediction. 
and it I could take a year to get there. I mean, I could see but, uh, going either way with Luke Harper and Orton either taking the aggression. Say Orton is trying to get in, and Luke's just not having it. And Orton's like, you know right. what? I'm going to turn against you. But being Luke Harper, being like an original one, an original member, Bray Wyatt could be like, no, I'm going to side with you. Now I'm going to face Orton. I gave one point two fucks. So we both we That's, Ryan you Ryan did give I, a fuck then, right? Like slightly. Ryan and I both called that Nikki Bella was going to come out um, and go over on Carmella. Actually, this wasn't a bad match. This is the because she totally took the fire extinguisher to her and just like took it to her. I feel bad for Carmella. Like her ass had to get thawed out by the end of that match. Nikki Bella seriously like had the fire extinguisher like sprained for so long that the nozzle to the fire extinguisher was completely frozen over. Yeah, and wow, and Carmella's pants had the solid ice chunks on them. On it, yeah. It was, so that's not going to be the first, uh, you know, so, uh, pants wardrobe, or that will be the first pants wardrobe malfunction thingy of the evening. Yeah, but not the no last. Holes, no holes in the mat. In yeah. the pants no holes for this. So unfortunately, um, but yeah, Nikki went over on Carmella, and it, this was the blow off to their feud. So I kind of expected and that. Matt and I are guessing that Carmella. Matt pointed it out. I didn't notice it at first, but. Carmelo was wearing a lot of makeup. Her that face is tonight. fucked up. She had a she had a shiner on one side and then just giant bruises all the way from Not, the cheek up to the yeah. forehead on the other side. There was an interview he had me watch on his phone that Carmelo was coming to the arena or whatever, and her face without makeup was just fucked up. She looked like she was in a UFC fight. No we, joke. Our, so is that is that uh, in ring or is that something spec- else? I, I I I haven't seen any of the scuttlebutt on the dirt sheets or anything like that, but I would suspect they were probably at a house show. Uh, last night, mm-hmm. and something went wrong. Okay, that'd be my guess. Took a bad bump or something. Or a couple things. Yeah, maybe in progress. I think some of those bruises, like on her left cheek, were probably still healing. Like they could have been practicing for this match. Okay, and yeah, well, shit could have gone wrong. Yeah, she was she was definitely bashed up quite a bit. Okay, but um, the next match was the IC title match. And probably the best match of the night, I would say. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna easily say that this was the best, the match of the night. Um, and this was again Dolph Ziggler and The Miz for the IC title. Um, I'm kind of sad to see this this rivalry go away the way it did. Um, Dolph definitely probably needs to be given a belt at some point in time and something hold on to it. Anything like what did he have? Like maybe a two, one, two week, run? three weeks. I think he, he ran with the IC title. Okay, because. We've been saying for a while, Dolph Ziggler needs a needs a run, needs a push. He needs something. Dolph, Dolph, really, I don't understand the hesitation about giving him a title because he really kind of embodies a younger Shawn Michaels, like a lot. And Mister Perfect, I see Shawn and Mister Perfect so much in this guy yeah. that why don't you throw a belt on that? He's one of the dudes, one of the only dudes um, in the business that really sells. Like I'm, mean, and there's guys that sell. Dolph really sells. Yeah. Like if I had to, if I had to say that like the top guys that can sell and the the current product right now, it'd be Dolph Ziggler and probably AJ. AJ is really good. Like I, we saw that I think a lot in the match tonight. AJ's, AJ AJ's worked a, the Indies and some and over in Japan and stuff like that enough ROH. to yeah. Like that guy, he really he's probably the preeminent pro wrestler out there right now. Yeah. Mike's skills are a little lacking sometimes, but I mean his in ring performance, his, you're never Mike's gonna be disappointed. His skills have never been on par. Like they've been decent. They've gotten him there. Yeah. But they've never been like anything spectacular. He's not the rock. Yeah, he's not the rock. <laughs> he's not he's damn sure not a triple H on the mic. <laughs> See, That's like, just 
that, ridiculous. It's he. He's one of the guys though that I think if he could get that, like he would be probably one of the premier superstars. I mean, he is the premier superstar. I, I'm going right to say, now. like right now, like there's nobody probably better than AJ to work with just because he's so phenomenal. And I don't mean that no pun intended, like that's kind of his gimmick, but like, (laughs) but I mean that I felt that way about him since before, like they tagged the phenomenal AJ styles tagline. Like I've watched him in ring of honor. I've watched him in TNA. Um, I even, I, he wrestled in WCW before the WCW got bought out and he had one match in WWE, like one match way back when, like in a dark match. I I don't even think it was dark. I think it was on TV. Was it on TV? Because I know well, Samoa Joe was actually in WWE at one point, and he did a, I think it was a dark match against somebody. Yeah. And he's coming, by the way. Job. I hope he, so. He dropped the title at about 4 o'clock in the morning yesterday in Japan oh, to damn. Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, damn. Because NXT did an overseas tour, and they went to Japan, and, and Shinsuke went over him. So That's Samoa good. Joe, is he's on the way. I don't doubt it. So I kind of hope that they do have Samojo go to SmackDown and they have somebody that can go up against AJ Styles. Samoa Joe versus AJ. AJ Styles. Number four. Number four. Hopefully it happens before WrestleMania and we get maybe a 60 minute Iron Man match because I would lose my fucking mind. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan just if, squeed a little bit. If you yeah, it's watched, a mess. If you watched those three matches they were over an hour long, and they kept the entire thing completely entertaining. The pace of the matches, everything, just you kept guessing. Yeah, and they were yeah. over an hour long, all yeah. three of them. That's that's actually one of the one of the points I'm going to give tonight's pay per view is the matches that we were wrong when on our predictions. We were pleasantly surprised. pleasantly surprised by I, as much as I wanted Ziggler to, to retain or to get the title back tonight. Like Miz worked his ass off in this icy title match, and he surprised us, and really did surprise me. Yeah, quite with, a bit. And I was just like, you know what? I don't have a problem with this. No, and I, I can't. Mean, I can't have a problem with this and right with now. With somebody that works <laughs> as safe as Miz does, he took some pretty brutal yeah, shots with those ladders. And some of the spots, this was a ladder match, by yeah. the way. <laughs> TLC, I think that. Yeah. yeah, well, People we know how we know. feel about this. But those anyway, gimmicks. so yeah, um, match of the night goes to the Miz and Dolph Ziggler. They did; they both worked their asses off. Um, I kind of three quarters of the way through, I, I looked over at Ryan and I was like, "I don't think Dolph's gonna get the title. He's he's gone yeah. up to the ladder like three, four times at this point and been rejected, and it just seems like one of those moments where Miz is gonna have to come out at the end and surprise everybody. And he did. He did, and I had the same feeling as well. I agreed with him. Like, Dolph went up one too many times, and we were like, he's not going to get it. Yeah. Like, he's just attempted it too many times, and usually that's what they do. Yeah. With the people that you expect to get it, but they don't. Yeah. And next match, was that Kalisto and Brian Corbin? Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin. Yes. I got close. Um, Nobody that I... I don't think anybody in the arena cared about this match. No, I didn't hear any big pops, but from but, what from what we I mean, we didn't really even we weren't that invested either. Here's the thing though. But Baron Corbin's like six six, six seven. Kalisto's five three. And it was a chairs match. And it was honestly not a bad match. It's it just wasn't. there was nobody that I know that was invested in this match because the characters don't mean that much to anybody at this point. No. Plus it followed that IC title match, which was gonna be hard to follow anyway. You and had to so, do some spectacular shit. And when you put somebody in a match, like a chairs match, how do you go up against something that And what the fuck up? is a chairs match? Right? 
like we discussed this before that you told me there was a chairs match and I looked at you like wait what is that yeah like, this is that's, this is that's a hardcore match that's this a is count anywhere over match. the that's over a, the last couple of years like and it's and it's basically like there's no count outs because they were outside the ring a lot of the time yeah um but like supposedly the gimmick is that the chairs are legal and other things aren't like if he'd have brought a sledgehammer like that wouldn't have been legal would he have been I don't disqualified? know qualified yeah. like I doubt it yeah, how do you okay. do that? that so, that's kind of a dumb gimmick, I it's, think. It's not like the first person to get hit over the head with a chair loses. You it's know what like, I mean? Like, say ladder matches. You have a ladder match. Okay, are they only restricted to ladders to use? Right. No. No, we've seen several chairs in ladder matches. People go through tables. The, We're going to come back to that, I think. Well. Yeah. Well, well, I guess that was a TLC match. Yeah, so. yeah that, there's a subtle difference, but and we can okay. we can talk about the history of the TLC match too when we get there. And so the short side of this match is essentially that uh, we got two characters that nobody really cares about using a gimmick that nobody really cares about, and then the match was over. And it was a decent match. It was actually not that bad. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. It's it was just solid. I still no, don't give a shit about it. All right, like nobody cares. Other than but, the fact that the guys worked hard and did a good job. And that's I think that's the biggest thing out of that match to come out from is the fact that they worked their asses off to try to prove a point that hey this is still a good match following the shit right. that everybody just saw that blew everybody out of the water for the rest of the night yeah we, we just still... we just need we just need those characters uh to to come out on tv week after week and make us care and then yeah. by the time the pay-per-view hits then then we'll care again yeah right? and i think four seconds of the match we're like Brian, baron corbin's gonna win yeah because yeah, well i mean Come on, we it's a chairs Vince. match. Kalisto's 5-3. Not only that, we know Vince. We know what he looks for in championship-styled guys. Now, I will tell you this. Kalisto, for, to his credit, he took a lot of bumps tonight. Oh, yeah. A lot. So, But do you think that he had to? I mean, given the size that Kalisto is and... Barry I think Corbin, in order to sell it as a decent match, he did. Yeah, so. I think so, too. All right, so our next match was Alexa Bliss uh, going against our champion, our women's champion, uh, Becky, Becky Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, and this is another match where we were wrong. We were. I um, yes. We called this for Becky Lynch, and so spoilers, um, Alexa Bliss took the win on it. And, uh, um, you know, I I was saying I don't really care too much about Alexa Bliss, and I think you had a really good point, which is that she's a really good heel. Yeah, and, I can talk for days about Alexa Bliss and, and her just natural heel tendencies yeah. in the ring she's she's got that like tiny blonde thing uh which i think makes for a good you know like when you're talking about look it, it she looks like a heel yeah. like yeah. uh so that worked out i think fairly well in that and um you know i don't know any of the backstory here um other than they've I been think feuding these, for a while i, I think so. these two have been feuding uh, like since the last um the last uh they were supposed to have a match at the last smackdown pay-per-view for the women's title but becky that was the one where ended um, up having to undergo yeah. surgery not related to the ring and wasn't able to compete so they did their makeup match in episode smackdown episode 899 in glasgow yeah Scotland. That, that was when we got the alexa alexa That's bliss the and the naomi one too, right yeah throughout the night yeah and and becky ended up going over that match um she put her in her I can't remember her finisher. The uh, it's a, it's an armbar, uh, but I don't remember what the name of it is. Um, but Alexa had her foot on the rope mm-hmm. while she was tapping. So technically, if the ref had seen the foot on the rope, rope it would have been a rope break and match the match would have continued. continued. So that's been Alexa's beef for the last few weeks now is, hey, I should have actually had more of a shot at this. I, I would have won if the match had continued kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. The, the typical heel, you didn't beat me. Yeah, kind of. Uh, me, you got lucky. It was a fluke, kind of a thing. So, um, 
which worked out well over the last couple of weeks, and then uh, culminated in a match that was it was a pretty decent match. I, I honestly, um, I think the finish was a little rough. Like uh, it, it seemed rushed to me. It yeah. was very rushed. Like, like usually I, for a finish, you want to set up and you want to bring the crowd into it. They had this table. They started out the match. They got this table set up on the outside. They teased it. I think one time that right. I can remember. And then out of nowhere, they go through it at the end, and you're like, wait, where did that come from? Right. Like, yeah. you weren't reminded that it was there. You weren't nothing. It was just, okay, powerbomb, done. I think, they got, I think their segment got cut short, which honestly kind of doesn't make sense because they actually ended the, the pay-per-view was over at, I think, 7.38, something like that, Yeah, it, it wasn't super long for a pay-per-view. Yeah, um, they could have easily let them have five more minutes and actually gotten the audience and there. And the tease, yeah. Yeah, but. yeah the, I mean, the pacing was just off. Like, when the end it finally came, I was, it was like, it was definitely premature. Like, I felt like, you know, exactly like you said, like, where, not, where is that from? Not like, the where? fault of, of the women involved no, in this match, by all. the way. Because, and, and again, for those of you following at home that may not be familiar with the business, um, if you look at the referees, they've got earpieces, and in those earpieces is usually Vince McMahon, probably, yeah, um, or, or or one of the producers in the back, um, but or one of the guys in the gorilla. They're they're telling the ref, okay, it's time to bring it home, which is the go home cue, and so then he's got to get the the girls. Okay, they're telling us to bring it home, so finish it up, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that's essentially what happens in, in any wrestling match. Um, because when you're out there, you're not thinking, oh, I've worked for 20 minutes. It's time to go. Like that ref has to be on, on and, and telling you yeah, what's going on. This one was just a little weird. Cause the match didn't seem like it went on for very long. Like this probably wasn't even a 10 minute match. Um, maybe, but, uh, yeah, just the pacing was really weird. Like there wasn't really a whole lot of setup to that. They had a couple of small spots, I think in there. They had some and, decent spots in the middle yeah. of the match. It's just the, the payoff was really, really rushed. Yeah. It was just. Yeah. So anyway, um, next match, our, our, uh, the, the match that's going to take us home, at least on this particular pay-per-view, was AJ Styles versus Dean Ambrose, or uh, AJ Styles to retain, I believe. Was that the next match? Yeah. It was following mm-hmm. that, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's why I was like, wait, we're at our main event already? Like, yeah. what the hell? Well, I, like I said, I think the pacing of that that uh, Alexa Bliss versus Becky Lynch match that kind of threw everything off a little bit. Yeah, like, so they, the they really they, could have gone a little the, bit longer. The way that they, they the way that they cut that short, and, uh, and then of course going right into the main event, it, it seemed a little weird, a little rushed. So, yeah. But anyway, that brings us to our main event. We got AJ Styles, we got Dean Ambrose. Um, you know, a couple of I think the better. You know, you said probably the preeminent superstar in the business in AJ Styles, and I don't think I can disagree with that. And Dean Ambrose is another guy I really like having. He's just not come far back behind thing. for sure. He, he's he's solid and he definitely he's better on the mic than aj he's I better on that. the mic he's definitely a, a better character i think than aj is um uh, you know like he he reminds me a little bit of stone cold like he's got some of that going on a little um, bit of defiant attitude yeah so like i could see them if they if if uh they really wanted to they could make dean ambrose into a big thing if they wanted to kind of go you know through a trip down memory lane uh which we'll do after this pay-per-view but uh th- yeah, this was a good match, though. I, I was really impressed by this. They had some big spots in this match that were really a lot of fun. Uh, we had uh, Ambrose uh, going off the ladder, which was stacked onto an announce table right. 
into AJ lying prone on on an announce table. It was an elbow, was it not? Just a big elbow drop off the off the yeah, ladder I'm through the table. Sure. Yeah, I'm fairly sure. I mean, he wasn't quite on the top ring of the ladder, but I mean, he was probably in the third. Like he he didn't cross the step that it said, you know, don't cross this one. But yeah. uh, it was a big spot, I think. Um, there we, was a couple of other. We haven't really big... laid out the stipulations in these matches either. We should really take this a trip a back to the women's match. And... Just real quick, well, the women's match was a tables match. We didn't really specify that, but it was. So the first person to go through a table was was lost. Yeah, lost. The match. Um, I was say and then the next game. match that we're talking about now is the TLC match between AJ and Dean. It is a TLC match, which means which tables, ladders, good. chairs. It's basically a hardcore match, but the title is suspended above the ring, so you're going to need a ladder to get basically a ladders it. match with tables and chairs involved. Yeah. Yeah, which I think they just like the acronym, honestly, and then they decided to run with it. Well, it was the the, the TLC match uh, came out of so back in the day and I'm talking Attitude Era. So you're probably you were probably watching back in these days. It, uh, TLC matches were a thing when I was watching. The, the first one, I believe, was SummerSlam, right? So what um, happened is at WrestleMania, I believe one year it was the Hardys versus maybe it wasn't even WrestleMania. I don't remember what pay-per-view it was. It that was, wasn't the first one. No, the first one was at No Mercy no, not no more. No it way out. It was just out. a ladder match. It was no way out. It was a ladder match and it was with between Cash, the, it, Edge and Christian Edge versus and Christian the Hardys. And the Hardys. And the prize was you got uh, Terry Runnels as your manager sure. and $10,000 cash. Yes. And, and it then, was a best of seven series, I think. And, or best of five. I don't remember. And, and and then going into WrestleMania with the rivalry, they ended it with a TLC match. Right. So the latter match went over so well that they decided to up the stakes and bring in the TLC aspect of it. Because with I believe the by titles. the time that came around, Edge and Christian were using the concerto as as mm-hmm. a... Yep. Well, not really a finisher, but because it, 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 it would was be a disqualification just, it, in most matches. It was matches, literally but. just like a thing that they were like, you know what? Let's just do a concerto. Like, yeah, which was hitting people with two chairs at the same time. Um, the Dudleys were involved in the first TLC match because they were the tables guys. Yeah, they had just come from like ECW, and they right. were like, hey, we put people through tables, yeah. and the Hardys are known for the ladder matches. Right, so naturally. they they brought the three of them together, and it was a six-man tag match. Well, that, that really it sounds a like a three-way tag. It was a you, three-way you got, tag You got match. chocolate in my peanut butter. You got peanut butter in my chocolate. Yeah. All right. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with any of this. Yeah, yeah. let's no. do it. Um, it was a beautiful combination of just like greatness so all in one. That was the birth of the TLC match, and now there's an entire paper review named after it, which is ridiculous. But we'll talk about that on a different day. Yeah. So the Dean Ambrose <laughs> match that we're talking about tonight versus AJ Styles. Tables are legal, chairs are legal, and to mm-hmm. win the match, you have to cr- climb the ladder and grab the belt suspended above the ring. Um, so the one thing that's cool about these types of matches though, is that it does set up for a lot of great spots. Um, you know, we had the ladder into the announce table. That was one that I, that I really remember. Another one was, um, you, they set up four chairs. Uh, so two chairs on one side, two chairs on the other side. So that the, I the, think it was six actually, but yeah, the, yeah, the seats were facing each other and then it looked like AJ was going to suplex Ambrose into it. But instead, uh, Ambrose picked him up and, like, again, just speaking to the pure athleticism of AJ, um, sort of did this, like, flip in through the chairs. He took a pretty big hit on that one. I mean, you could see it. Like, when yeah. he landed, he, I mean, there's just not really, I mean, a good way to land on a, a bunch of steel chairs. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I don't care how much schooling you've been to to learn how to wrestle professionally. Uh, when you land on chairs, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, and, and I'm... I will give you these chairs are probably in some way uh, uh, gimmicked. Um, although the chairs are not, not really so the sure. Chairs are not. I think the chairs are, chairs are, are okay, legit. The, the chairs are not gimmicked. 
The tables, yeah, those will be gimmicked. Sometimes they'll gimmick the ladders, but the chairs, no. Yeah, those, you'll see I the Rock, Kane, Undertaker. They'll fold a chair over somebody's Honestly, back a gimmick and, chair is is more dangerous than one that's not gimmicked because when you do spots like the AJ spot you where throw, he went through the six chairs, if those had broken the wrong way, he could have been injured badly versus see, the chairs that just kind of naturally and, bend. And when I say gimmicked, that's mostly what I mean. Like the, the, I, the only thing I would suspect when they gimmick them is making it so you don't literally like take a steel shard to the kidney or something like that. If you, if you don't land right, um, even still though, when you're landing on this, this material, like there's no good way to make that feel. It's you know, metal. I mean, yeah. it's your flesh. Landing yeah, on it's, metal. it's probably not steel, landing but it's definitely being hit. It's aluminum. Yeah. Thick aluminum, but taken into perspective, like there was an incident with William Regal and Triple H in a match where it's the first time Triple H they had a gimmick sledgehammer mm-hmm. and it was a rubber head. And Triple H, knowing it was rubber head, goes, Okay, well I can put more power into this. He does he shatters William Regal's nose, one of his best friends. Yeah. And so say you gimmick a chair, right? Knowing that it's gimmicked, you're like, Okay, so I can throw more into this. Okay. What is the likelihood that you're going to injure this person more? Probably pretty high because you're thinking, okay, this is a gimmick. I can put more power into this. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I'm going to swing this chair at this dude's head. I might injure him. Whereas you throw an actual metal chair at the person, you're like, okay, this is probably going to fucking hurt. So I should probably pull back. Yeah. And what's crazy is, is, I mean, if you think back to um, the early days of ECW or even the late days of ECW um, in like late 90s, WWE, early 2000s, there were guys that took full on chair shots to the head. Like they had no arms, nothing, just just took it. Mick Foley. Mick Foley, Al Van Dam, Chris Jericho, Dudley Boys, Hardy Boys, Edge, Christian, Chris Benoit. We used to have a lot of guys God. taking full on one chair of, shots. One of head. those people murdered their entire family. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Uh, Concussions are real, kids. Yeah. Don't do this at home. Yeah, definitely not. Um, so, the, 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 like I said, lots of big spots during this match. Um, the, there was a really a couple of good ones. Uh, one of the other things they did was set up a couple of tables on one side. So you had two tables uh, parallel to each other on on uh, one side of the ring. And that got set up early in the match and just didn't get touched. So you knew that had to play off big at some point. Yeah. And did it that, totally did. Did that get set up or did they set that up or was it already set up? I know they set it up, I think, early in the match. I don't recall for sure. They, I think they did it early in the match when we weren't paying a whole lot of attention. Because I felt like, because I've seen TLC matches where they have the tables and stuff like that set up on the outside of the ring already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because on the other end of that, the ring, they had the same setup going on. That, that, that reminds have. me, and I'm going to take us back to the Kalisto Baron Corbin match for just a second. Was that not the funniest thing you've ever seen when Kalisto came out and started looking under the ring for the chairs, only right? to turn around and realize they were all set up behind him already, and he was like, oh, and just started throwing <laughs> him into the ring? Kind of, I wonder if he, like, did his roll, slid out of the ring, because I mean, he didn't look at the chairs when he came out. No, like, no, he, he slid out. He just slid out and was like, looks under the ring for the chairs, and he's like... Wait a minute, there's no fucking chairs here. And he turns around, he's like, oh shit, they're all right like, here. Like, I gotta believe the timekeeper was, like, leaning over the wall going, dude. They're behind you. Yeah. You're a fucking <laughs> idiot. Turn around. Yeah. yeah. Um, he starts hucking like all the chairs, but like maybe four of them. In right. The it was, it was really kind of, uh, kind of took me out of it for a minute. I'm just like, <laughs> dude, they're, they're, they're back there. They're right there. <laughs> yeah. Just turn around. But, Take a second. But man, um, 
so the finish the finish of this match was kind of interesting so um i again having only watched the pre-roll for this match um i'm not really familiar exactly with what the rivalry is but ellsworth has been involved james james ellsworth yes. yeah and he's been primarily first off if you don't know ellsworth he's a tiny tiny little guy with no chin uh he, <laughs> his, his finisher is no chin music yeah he's not exactly so like michaels would miss he's not exactly like uh he's he's just a gimmick guy like they've had these types of guys in the past where he's not really one of the main roster dudes and he's there James Ellsworth got brought in as what's called enhancement talent yeah which is basically to be squashed and in his particular case he was squashed by uh, Braun Strowman on Monday Night Raw for the Mm -hmm. first time and for some reason he was really over with the audience and so they brought him back Mm -hmm. and he was really over and so they brought him back a few times, and he ended up in this big angle between uh, Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles on SmackDown with uh, Dean Ambrose basically ensuring that Ellsworth has three wins now over AJ Styles as the champion. Yep. So the interesting part of this match is essentially um, Ellsworth comes out, and you're like, oh, I know how this is going to go, and uh, then it doesn't. Uh, Ellsworth, uh, Ambrose gets a pretty big spot off of uh, AJ spot AJ. I can't remember which one that was. Um, he beat the shit out of him on the outside of the ring. And then uh, Dean ended up throwing AJ off the ladder and he rolled out. And there was no way he was not going to get the title. And then oh, you see yeah, Ellsworth yeah, yeah. In, the, in the ring pushing the ladder over. Yeah. Yeah. So Ellsworth comes in, pushes the ladder over. Ambrose goes over the top rope out outside of the ring into the two tables that we set up earlier in the match. And that gives time uh, for Styles to come in and climb and grab the belt. So Yeah. Courtesy um, of James Ellsworth. So. Yeah, so that was a little weird. Uh, I, I'm curious as to how they're going to set this up. Um, maybe one particular angle would be that Ellsworth has a guaranteed shot at the belt, I believe. He does. Through a stipulation from an earlier match. And now he's got three wins over AJ Styles, so maybe he's hoping that, uh, or not realizing that the reason he has three wins over AJ Styles is that uh, Local Ambrose gave, it, gave, gave Dude, it he's got Dude, he's got to know that Ambrose gave him all those wins. <laughs> You know I, I, I really mean? hope like, so. I don't, I don't know how they're going to play the angle out. But yeah, neither do it, I. It's like, that that at least is one curious part is you know what what angle are they possibly going to go with because there's no way that Ellsworth can't know that the only reason he beat Styles is because uh, uh, that and then secondarily like I just don't know how you put Ellsworth in the ring like in an actual match with uh, AJ Styles and keep that fun. So. It, that's got to be a gimmick match. It's, yeah, it's going to be a slugfest other, otherwise. So I mean, I'm guessing uh, that's fine with the slugfest. Uh, no, that's that's got to be a squash, like ten seconds yeah. in the ring, and then that's over. Like that's that's basically what Ellsworth does, I think. So well, and I think AJ needs that at this point because Ellsworth. I mean, even though the audience knows that uh, Ambrose kind of handed him those wins, like that's still three losses that our champion has suffered to a dude that really shouldn't even have a contract. Yeah, WWE. So, <laughs> yeah. um. I, I kind of like what what uh, Ellsworth brought to the table for a little while. I, I I have to believe that knowing the WWE that they're gonna abuse it and overuse it, and people are gonna be absolutely thoroughly sick of him before everything's over with. I'm kind of already, and I don't watch enough I of it. I feel like they're gonna yeah, Zach Gowan the, the guy. Like Zach Gowan was a, around for a little while. Yeah, but they were just like, you know what? You're kind of like a disabled person, so we're just gonna beat the shit out of you. Throw we'll put you in a match Lesner, with Lesnar. Yeah. Have Lesnar F five you into a turnbuckle post, wreck your only leg you have, and then we're done with Yeah, you. Zach Gowan has one leg, people. Okay. That like, makes yeah. they yeah. put a one legged man in a in a match against Brock, Brock Lesnar. Lesnar. Cool. And that was Lesnar in his prime. Yeah. Like when he was Lesnar with less flab. Yeah. 
It was like Lesnar just is, is scary. Is he on our same beer diet? Lesnar is on the don't give a fuck diet these days. <laughs> Lesnar is on a he'll drink any beer that you hand him diet. Like he potentially is never going to be in UFC ever again because of his suspension with the failed I UAs. Really, nice. I really hope so. that he does go back to UFC, but you know. All right, so um, I think that runs down our TLC coverage. Uh, not a bad night overall. Nothing no, that blew me away, overview. but I missed. I missed you know a good half or more of the pay per view. I'm so. glad that it went the way it went because, like the hell in a cell, I guessed what all of them except one match that you guys yeah. swayed me on. Yeah, yeah, and that's what you're going to claim. Sure. What's nice is I go into this pay per view. And I guess a match, and I don't get it right. I was thoroughly surprised. I, I enjoyed that. A you lot. and I, you and I actually guessed the same for all of these matches, and yeah. uh, were wrong on half of them. Yeah. So at least they're keeping them interesting. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, for somebody that understands how things work as as well as we do, like that's good. That's props to SmackDown. Yeah. Hands down, like they kept me guessing. Like I had no clue. Who would yeah. win some of these matches? And the, uh, the you know, the, there were some legitimately good matches too. Obviously, we, I missed the Ziggler and uh, the Ziggler and uh, Miz match for the IC title, but I did catch the the penultimate match of the night, and it was a really fucking good match. Yeah. So, uh, solid pay per view, and we'll be back for the next one. That's going to be in two weeks. Two weeks, and it's going to be WWE Roadblock, which is going to be the Raw pay per view. Cool. Don't know what that is, but we'll see in two weeks. Yeah, it should be Armageddon, but it's not. <laughs> so, um, in the meantime, Eddie and I, like we talked about earlier in the show, like we toyed around with the idea of, of maybe uh, doing some classic matches. Because Eddie, uh, I, I caught him watching the WWE Network the other day, and he was he was reliving the glory days of the Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon rivalry. And yeah. I was like, hey, why don't we just like pick a match sometimes and just talk about the one match on the show? And yeah, so. so um the, you know, I only want to briefly go over that, but I will say a few things. Number one is they did some really amazing stuff in those days. Like uh, there, there was a. Um I don't want to say it felt like they were just hungrier. Like they went for bigger shit. Like, they were hungry. They yeah, were hungry. That's, the thing is, is, is WCW was an active company at that point in time and had legitimately beat the shit out of them in the ratings for like eighty-seven weeks straight or something like that. I don't oh, remember yeah. the exact number, but it was insane. But. Anyway, this is sort of one of the golden eras because they they were definitely, you know, I guess now very clearly very hungry uh, as a company. And so they had a lot, a lot of big spots like the Stone Cold McMahon feud. Um, I happen to watch the thing on the network. They have this nice little collection of, of uh, the the major highlights of those things. And they did some really, really uh, rough shit uh, that they probably won't even do anymore. Like there were a few different matches where I was just like, oh, they wouldn't even try that. Uh, yeah, these days. Vince, nope. Vince was a bloody mess by the end of it, and he came off the cage oh, yeah. and threw a table, and not in a healthy way. No. And this was the old school cage, right? Where it was just like... This this was before like they went with the chain link. Welded on steel. Yeah, they, yeah. These were just the big, solid bars. Yeah, yeah, this was just before they changed the cage to like the... Uh, so- the, the the cage match was uh first off that was probably one of the bigger matches that I, I did watch there was one where we had um Steve Austin versus uh McFoley playing dude love so yep. and yep. that was a really fucking cool match too actually um you could already see like uh this, this was pre um some of the, the you know the the one that everybody thinks of with McFoley is him going off the top of uh the cell in Hell in a Cell I think 90 Eight, maybe maybe 99 i can't remember for sure um was it 98 uh, i was thinking 97 
I was gonna I say think it might Mankind have been, Undertaker. I think it's ninety seven. Hell in the Cell was ninety seven because but that 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 I think is probably one of the bigger spots that I mean that just of like singular spots in the thing that is probably one of the biggest ones they've ever done. Like that that they play that big role in front of absolutely every single event that they do anywhere tangentially related to a cage or Hell in a Cell. Um, but there was some big stuff in that that little uh, pre run too. So you could already see some of that stuff with um, the Steve Austin Mankind or Dude Love fight. And that was the other thing too. Like by the time um, I really got into wrestling, you didn't see Steve wrestle very often. Um, there was a couple of good spots too where he was in the Royal Rumble. Uh, there was a Royal Rumble match in there, and uh, it was ninety eight, by the way. Yeah, McMahon was actually entered in that Rumble, uh, and I think so. that was probably ninety six or ninety seven as well. And uh, uh, that was a fun match too because you really got to see Steve work uh, for you know a, a big portion of the match and really just kind of own dudes. So that that was fun. Uh, but yeah, the the penultimate was that cage match against McMahon. Um, that was really impressive for a lot of different reasons, but, you know, primarily was simply the one that, and maybe this speaks to, you know, how hungry they were at the time, but Vince took some big fucking bumps in that match. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm pretty positive, you know, he must have gigged, he must have gigged for that match because he definitely got a ton of color by the end of it, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and the thing about that, too, is is um, the they named that pay-per-view St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Yeah, because it, it did happen to take place on on Valentine's Day. Vince McMahon, uh, contrary to what anybody believes, uh, and maybe not contrary, but like, here's the thing about Vince: he might be a billionaire. Mm-hmm. He might have everything he could ever want. It's not good enough for him. No, it's not. And he's going to work his ass off to give what to give people what he thinks is the absolute best that they can do. Now he's not day to day anymore because the dude's seventy. Two, 71, 72 now. He mm-hmm. just goes with what's safe now. But but at the time, Vince was hungry, and Vince himself said, he's like, look, I'm not going to tell my boys to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And yeah. so that's why he got in the ring so many times. He gigged. He fell off cages. He did all this stuff. It, he, it's, it's the same mentality that his son uses to this day. Yep. Is just, I'm... I was just going to say, like, absolutely sacrifice his body to make sure that the match is everything that it can be. That that was actually the comparison I wanted to draw. Having just watched, um, it must have been Survivor Series. Yeah. Yeah, Survivor Series when we had that big uh, tag match um, with Shane in there. And Shane also took some pretty big bumps in that match as well. Um, you know, there was one, I think it was on the table. He landed on a table. And, and, you oh, know, he did the elbow. Yeah. Onto the table. Yeah, there's the there's the part of the table, um, you know, the middle part of the table where you, you take that fall and it's not going to hurt so much. But you could see when he landed, he landed kind of on the side. And it was sort of a, a you know, like it didn't just it was collapse. the hardest part of the table. It yeah, was, it, yeah, it didn't just collapse. Like he landed, bounced a little. And when he came back down, the table collapsed. So, you know, he took some big bumps in that match. And, and just having watched that one and now watching Vince go through the same thing, you could see that some of that was just purely like, you know, they both and, you know, probably a little bit of familial pride in the business uh, because they're both willing to do shit that like Shane they just was, have no necessi- it's just, it's ne- necessity to do whatsoever. Shane was not, also in a Hell in a Cell yeah. match against The Undertaker at the last WrestleMania and he came off the top of the cage and went through a table well, off the top of the that. cell. So it's I mean, you should watch the Kurt Angle versus Shane McMahon King of the Ring match. That is one match that I always go 2001. Back to. Yeah, I think. Shane McMahon in that match gets his ass 
handed to him through glass through glass yep. get, the bumps that that guy takes in that match are so intense that I'm he also like, climbed 60 what? feet up a up a pole one time and and dropped an elbow on big show from like was that at a no it wasn't 60 feet it was like 30 feet though it, it was, was like it was 30 huge. feet was it a wwe pay-per-view or yeah. wcw no it was wwe wwe which yeah. one was that i don't remember but he he, he had a, he had a legit invasion. rivalry going with i know it was in the invasion with, with show period I don't remember which pay-per-view it was, but yeah. So anyway, um, there was a lot of cool stuff in there. I, I just, if you have the network or you're thinking about it, doing it, um, that would be one of the reasons why I would go check it out. If you miss any of this old stuff, or even if you don't like, uh, honestly, I think I put it on cause I was like, well, fuck I'm bored and I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, except for not listen to this Metallica record. So, uh, <laughs> or I guess Avenge would probably be better cause Avenge. I actually did listen to some of the Metallica stuff, but, um, yeah, if you're just going to not do any of the things you're supposed to be doing, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll throw this on. So I threw that on and, and, you know, it wasn't like I was sitting there for like two hours and I was like, well, shit, <laughs> you know, it's been two hours and this is all really, really good. So, uh, that that was a lot of fun and that's one of the things you can check out is just there's a ton of old stuff on there and uh wwe if you want to sponsor um questions at whatever.co uh we'll, yeah we'll, just let us know yeah we'll actually we'll i think we have a sponsors you. at sponsors whatever at show. whatever.co yeah see that's a sad statement i think we, we do i don't we, know we do we have that we have that email as well yeah um, we have to sort through hundreds of emails a day though so if it takes us a little bit of time to get back to you <laughs> or or if it takes us that long to remember the login information for that particular email account (laughs) (laughs) all right so that's our wrestling talk for this week uh we'll be right back with a whole bunch of cool nerdy shit and more beer yeah all right so i know we're an hour and 20 minutes in but we haven't even stopped this train keeps on rolling folks we have an actual show to do we have an actual show there's some big shit that happened this week the cw universe um which is home to four of our favorite dc shows uh uh out of, I think, the five that are actually airing, uh, four of our favorite DC shows, Supergirl, The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. And to be and, fair, Arrow barely qualifies sometimes. Yeah, but this week, we had a four-episode crossover, sort of, because Supergirl only had about a minute and a half of that. So, yeah. Um, all right, so Ryan didn't watch Supergirl, because I told him he didn't have to. Well, that, but, and I just, I haven't watched, I've maybe watched four episodes. Yeah, he's he's season. not really been a big fan of Supergirl since it, it came out, so he, it's not one of his regulars. So, um, here's the thing. I really feel like the Supergirl episode was probably, um, I don't think the Supergirl show was going to be part of the crossover originally. I think this was planned before the acquisition was, was done between CBS and, and CW, I think it, you know, I don't know how that that is a thing because she crossed over into the. Well, I don't know. I guess there wasn't anything that was no in 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 the Flash show. She did have a pretty significant part, but um, that was an episode. Yeah, no, that's that's true. But uh, the thing about this is, guys, essentially the the Supergirl episode. You know, as much as the CW build uh, this is this Fortnite crossover event, you can't miss any one of these episodes. You totally could have missed the Supergirl one if you, all you were interested in was this the crossover because it was literally like the last maybe a minute total of the episode. Yeah, uh, that somebody actually crossed over. So there was two breaches during the show during the actual course of the show where nothing happened, and yep. then there was the last forty five seconds. Yep. And that was it. It wasn't a bad episode of Supergirl, as far as Supergirl's concerned, but it wasn't relative to the crossover event in any way, shape, or form, other than there was a couple of breaches that showed up. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it it felt very, like, afterthought, like they were going to do a crossover at all, because the, the breaches showed up, and then that was, like, it until the very end. And, of course, every time, it was almost like a cock tease. Like, every single time one of the breaches showed up, I was like, this is where it happens. Barry's going to be here any second now. It's going to be so fun. And then nothing. And we still didn't get to see what we've wanted to see since last season, which was when and Cisco occupy in the same room. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, but... All in all, the Supergirl um, episode wasn't a bad Supergirl episode. It, Like I said, it just wasn't really relevant to the rest of the crossover at all. And if you had any doubts that you needed to watch the show, when you watched The Flash the very next day, uh, you found out you didn't because those 45 seconds that ended the episode of Supergirl were actually just cut and pasted into the Flash episode. Oh, Thank yeah. Thank you, Matt, for saving 45 minutes of my time. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of funny because I was a little bit behind. I had only watched, I think, the first half of, half of the Supergirl episode before the quote-unquote crossover episode. So I marathoned through that, and then I watched the Supergirl episode right before watching the Flash, and I was like, well, I didn't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, could have just watched the Flash. I mean, we, we did have some uh, cyborg Superman action going on. Um, which is weird because it's the Hank Henshaw cyborg that is not the Martian Manhunter. And for some reason, he just dubbed himself Cyborg Superman. Yeah. Like, he could have called himself Cyborg. I'd have been okay with it. He could have called himself a lot of things, but he was just in the middle. I'm Cyborg Superman now. With absolutely no relation to Superman whatsoever. With no, you know, he's just like, I'm Cyborg Superman. They must have been like, you know, this is a character in the comics that we could use. Let's not come up with any plausible reason for him to have a backstory that makes sense for this. And let's just call him Cyborg Superman. Hank Henshaw is Cyborg Superman in the comic books. I mean, that's old news, but yeah. It it just it's really ham fisted to just be like you know what this is who I am yeah you don't get to do that it wasn't good it wasn't good so uh just you know maybe don't do that next time when you're trying to name a superhero yeah or at least have some kind of relevance to it yeah and so I, I um normally we'd talk a lot about Supergirl I think because that's one of the shows we watch and like and this show wasn't bad I I enjoyed it uh there but was some I, there was some hot lesbian action or yeah. HLA as they used to call it in the WWE <laughs> nice. Uh, but let's get to the meat and potatoes. Let's get to the crossover, starting with The Flash on Tuesday uh, night. Um, this episode I thought was amazing because um, – and I was talking to uh, to Ryan and, and Eddie about this before we actually went on the air. The two shows that handled the crossover, I think probably the best as a crossover episode, were Legends and The Flash. And it's because Legends is an ensemble cast already. And so adding a, a few new pieces to that puzzle isn't really a big deal to them because they're already used to handling it as an ensemble. The Flash's cast is a set cast with Barry Allen being the centerpiece, but the other characters in The Flash are are important enough that that show is kind of an ensemble as well. And so it really just felt natural for this crossover. So Kara uh, being there, not a huge deal. Ollie's been there before. Felicity's been there before. All these, all these characters. It's just like, oh, my family's all together again. It it just felt like that to me. Yeah, actually, this is kind of fun because um, quite a lot of the cast actually came from Flash. Um, so you know, at least in the case of Stein, uh, you know, he came directly from Flash. Um, there was some other crossovers. You know, that was the fun thing about this crossover in general was most, especially with Legends, all of the characters from Legends, with rare exception came from one of these two shows um and so that was fun seeing them all get back together again um but there's just so many good spots in this like there's so many good parts where they uh really knew how to do a crossover well for one almost nobody is annoying 
Um, and the one character that I found annoying uh, with the 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 uh, um, that was Cisco actually, ironically, um, who's Cisco, usually not annoying. Yeah, Cisco, and even in this episode, he was not <laughs> annoying. There was there were some funny parts that, and funny lines that Cisco had, um, but. Uh, he was the only character that I found annoying, and that was fine because they wrapped it up after three episodes. We didn't drag it on for like a season and a half. Arrow writers talking to you, uh, right? So um, that was kind of cool. Uh, Guggenheim. Then, yeah, we also got we got we got legit Hall of Justice. Like, come on, yeah, the, that was oh, the Hall of Justice. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, we got the Hall of Justice in in the guise of a Star Labs uh, hangar or something like that that yeah. apparently Barry do, owns. Dude, do, do you know what a nerd my wife is these days? What's that? So we're watching this crossover, right? And they they pan over and they go to the hang- the the airplane hangar and stuff like that. And my wife is like, "They got an airplane hangar, you, invisible you, jet." You, you'd, you'd think maybe they'd bring in, you know, Hal Jordan or something like that. And I was yeah. like, "You're not wrong." <laughs> yep, I, I think- thought the, I thought the same thing when I saw the hangar. I was like, "Maybe no." They've been teasing it so many times, and it's just it's not going to happen. No, the, it's not. I read an article recently where uh, I think Wendy Miracle. Um, who's one of the main, I want to say producer for Arrow, um, has pretty much stated, no, that's a fan nod. We're not doing it. Uh, so, yeah, there, there you go. Crush they that boner to, for you. But they should. Yeah, they they, they, they should. should. But I, I honestly don't think, especially Arrow at this, at this point in its juncture, I don't think that Arrow could get DC to sign off on that right now. Arrow can't handle it. No. I think I saw a scene in Arrow, I think it was last season, like early on, like he was at a bar. Or whatever. Yep. And you, you saw this, Jordan's flight jacket. The Hal Jordan. You saw the yeah. Hal Jordan flight jacket. And I was like, Ayo. That's That was the fan nod, though. Like, And they'll and never do they it. They never did it again. Like, yeah. it's, it's just, but I mean, seriously, guys, come on. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in this. So, number one, uh, bringing Supergirl into the mix was a lot of fun because she still feels entirely like her character, which is a little bit different from the rest of the, the ensemble. I really like putting her next to Ollie, especially because yeah. Supergirl is as much as Barry is like the, the bright spot. Supergirl's that to the end. There was, degree. there were some moments in legends that we'll get to that are, are pretty memorable, you know, between those two. But what, honestly, what I liked is we finally got closure on the whole, like uh video from future Barry that the legends found that they actually talked to Barry about on the flash episode, which is like, Hey, this guy who was you says we can't trust you who was also you. Yeah, did we get closure though? I mean, I mean, we got closure in that we know, like the, everybody else knows about it now. Yeah, that's the closure I meant because before it was just kind of like uh, the two the two members who make up Firestorm, you know, Jackson and Stein. They were just like we can't tell anybody, and then yeah. they were like, well, we should tell him because it's him yeah <laughs> and so they did and then they told everybody and then well, oliver every- oliver was like i'm coming in too so yeah oliver's just like yeah yeah try kicking me out it's fine yeah go for it but uh kick all your asses yeah, yeah so so we did we did that and then barry went into his whole speech and they're like wait a minute like and here's this is what i don't understand john was so upset diggle about not having a daughter and he's like but I didn't kill your kid. Yeah. Your kid is now just a dude. Yeah. And you didn't know any different. So why are you really mad? See, like, that's the whole thing that bothers me about this is like everybody. Uh, this is a TV show created drama because essentially uh, nobody really would have any investment in, or n- nearly the amount of investment that they would in this. I mean, maybe there's this slight sense of violation because you, you know that something isn't quite right. Cisco has a legit beef because like he kind of does, though. I, 
He's never known no, any different reality. The, the, the only I beef can, that he I has... I can kind of sympathize with that as far as losing a family member. So, say... But, so, that's the thing. He, um, This is the thing that I guess sort of bothers me, but not for the the right reasons, um, if that makes any sense. Uh, Cisco does have a legitimate beef because he knows there's a possibility that his brother could have been saved, and he knows that possibility is through Barry going to time travel, and Barry said, no, can't do that, can't possibly do that. And now Barry comes to him and says, hey, so, by the way, I totally fucked up our universe, and your brother was alive in my universe, but uh, I had to go back and save my mom. You know that thing I told you I couldn't do? Uh, yeah. So that's the part that that's, I get. That's Cisco's beef, and I, and I totally understand but, but, it. Yeah. The, the the other thing though, like the whole thing with Flashpoint that pisses me off about everybody else is not Cisco as much, but especially like Dig is like you've never known anything different. Like this is yeah. never like it's like Matt. What if hypothetically Natalie was a boy? That's the entire thing that Dig is supposed to be pissed off about. Uh, so it just doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. Pisses like me you off. could tell me right now that you had time travel powers and that you went back in time and changed things and that uh, Natalie used to be a dude, and I would be like weird. Yeah, that's strange. Okay. Guess that doesn't affect me at all, though, because I can't possibly remember anything to do with that. Right. And even though you're the audience and you've seen that, it doesn't make any difference. I'm not going to look at you and be like, you cost me a son. You son of a bitch. Yeah, no, uh, I don't, yeah. fine. So like, that that part kind of gets on my nerves, especially because that was one of the sort of themes of the crossover is like, hey, let's all shit on Barry for doing, doing the time. And again, this is one of the things that I like about having these crossover things is it's like everybody's finally written the way they should be. And so Ollie comes in being the voice of the reason because he's sort of the leader in the group, which is the way that I think that this should play out because let's face it, we're just doing Justice League light and Ollie's Batman in this case. And he kind of says like, no, dude, a, a fucking course you went back and tried to save your mom. Every one of us would have done the same thing and everybody giving you shit is just being an asshole because every single one of right. us would have done the same thing. And I, I really dug the part too where Barry was just like, so here's the deal. Um, I'm not going to be your leader and they're like and Cisco was like Oliver Oliver should be the leader and like Oliver's like nope yeah not doing it without Barry Barry Barry's the guy that brought us together so he's the leader and Cisco's like whatevs yeah like, that was the only, <laughs> like, the, only, the only part that um Okay, so there was a lot of camaraderie between Ollie and Barry uh, during that thing. And there was one point where I think Oliver or Barry said, I'm not going on this mission. Oh, yeah, that, that's what it was. That yeah. was during the Flash episode. Barry was like, I don't think I should go on this mission. I fucked everything up. And you guys should all go. So take Supergirl, the whole team of legends, and basically everybody but me and Ollie. So him and yeah, Ollie. Because Oliver was like, if Barry doesn't go, I'm not going. And they're like, that's fine. You should stay here with him. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, whatever. You just shoot arrows, dick face. Uh, and so they took off. Um and of course, that leads to the 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 way that we get probably one of my favorite things ever, which is the Supergirl Flash race. Uh, yeah. So the Dominators, which we haven't mentioned at all yet, and talking about this crossover, the Dominators, which is what the crossover is about. Yeah, the aliens that come land on Earth, uh, and presumably in order to take it over, the Dominators. It showed um, up once in what nineteen fifty one. Yeah, in Redmond, Oregon. Yep. <laughs> which looks suspiciously like Vancouver, BC, but I'm not complaining. No, it's fine. Um, I'm okay with that. So the Dominators come to the Earth, and they're trying to take shit over, and uh, so all of our heroes go off to fight the Dominators or, or find out what exactly they're doing, except for Ollie and Barry, and they all end up under mind control. Um, yep. So that gives us a great MacGuffin so that we get to see Ollie fight his whole team, uh, the OG team even. Uh, we get we get uh, Diggle and uh, Thea as Speedy, and... Um, I, the, the thing I loved about this too is yeah, like and Sarah Lance Speedy Speedy yeah. was totally just like yeah you're wait there's aliens invading you're gonna go help Barry I'll come yeah and he's like but you don't want to do this anymore she's like yeah but how how 
She was literally like, but aliens, but aliens. But aliens, why not fight aliens? Come on. I kind of think that that might have actually been how uh, real life, uh, what's the Israel real name? Um, Willa. Yeah, I think that's how Willa was like, yeah, I know you said you're not going to put me in the suit again, but if you don't let me fight fucking aliens, I'm off the show. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, whatever. Um, They all go off and fight. They get under my, they get mind controlled. Uh, So we're left with Barry and uh, 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 Ollie to fight our, you know, other heroes. Because, of course, whenever you have a superhero crossover and you get all these powers together... They have to fight. They have to fight each other. Uh, so that, But this was actually really fucking cool. Because, number one, we get an answer to the question, who's really faster, Flash or Supergirl? Flash owns her. Like, it, there's a few cases where there's some close calls, but Flash is way faster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and... The other piece that we get to and that we haven't mentioned is we get Wally a little bit and Wally actually yeah. gets kind of hurt and Ollie mm-hmm. has to kind of protect him at the same time as trying not to get killed by the by the Yeah, you know, that was actually really funny too because people. Wally's like uh Wally's like, Oh, you guys gotta train me. I wanna be a superhero, let me fight, it'll be fine, no big deal, don't worry about it. And Iris and Joe Barry are like, does it. Iris and Joe are like, You can't you can't fight because you're gonna get hurt and you could die and Iris is like, Yeah, don't do that. And they lie to him and they don't you know, tell him that he's actually totally fit in fighting condition and he's like, No, I'm gonna do it anyway. And then he runs in, hits a couple guys, and, and then gets immediately hurt. gets hurt and incapacitated for the rest of the episode. Uh, so that was funny and also kinda sad. Um Yeah, but I mean it it just it, it added to the drama a little bit. It added here's, to his inexperience of being able to save the day, yeah. essentially. Here, here's the one thing that I thought was ham-fisted about the episode. So they find the device that's mind-controlling, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of just finding it and destroying it like Barry can, because he's fucking Barry Allen, because yeah, he could have exploded that Vibrated shit. his hand through it or something like that, yeah. He has to set up this elaborate trap to get Supergirl to fly through him and destroy the crystal and then not See, be mind controlled anymore I'm the like thing, the thing here is though as much as that bothered me as like a con- stupid contrivance I was like oh I'm all for this because this means we get this cool ass scene yeah like, no I I totally get it but I was just like like it made no man. sense it was like okay I was just like the the um, like we don't need this MacGuffin straightest to line and shortest route seems to be the probably the best option but I guess if they want to do this yeah whatever um I think uh, at one point when I was watching this episode, I tweeted something like, am I really watching this on TV right now? Like, there there was a lot of aspects of this that I, I felt like... Do you like, have a Twitter? Maybe. Yeah. Weird. Uh, yeah, I think I do. Oh. At Charles E. Smith, and just in case. Okay. I do not. As occasionally, I tweet, I, I tweet to Matt, who's at the brittle one, uh, B-R-E-W, in brew there. And um, and sometimes I forget that I'm not signed in as me, and I answer <laughs> as the show. Yeah, and I'm just like, well, this so, seems really and weird. And occasionally, you can find Matt talking to himself on on the uh, show Twitter <laughs> slash my Twitter. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, I, I I think I tweeted something along the lines of like, I can't believe I'm really watching this on TV right now because this definitely seems like it should be the plot of a big movie. And when I was watching this, I was like, you know. I really would have liked for Batman versus Superman to be a little bit more like this and a little bit less like a brood fest uh, with, you know, even shittier contrivances uh, for why our heroes have to team up in the end. Dude, and this is totally unrelated to the Flash uh, crossover event thing, but my wife sent me a picture the other day. Um, I think it was a little video that she sent Go me. Go on. Oh, um, it's getting we, hotter. No, we FaceTimed uh, oh. me and the kid. Oh. Um, oh, the kid. Now it's getting weird. I figured out what Zack Snyder's problem is. Go on. He's using the front-facing camera on his iPhone when he's shooting Batman versus Superman, which is why the color saturation is so fucked. It can't. It can't just be that. It um, looked. It looked exactly like a Zack Snyder film, and I was like, "Well, 
he just needs to use the rear camera then. Like, you sure he just hasn't gone like uh, Snapchat filter crazy? Like, in the next, if the next episode, if the next movie, if Justice League shows up and everybody has the stupid dog face thing, the, the deer, the deer, we're ears. gonna know. We're gonna know. We just need to take Zach's phone away and like hand him an actual camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it, though. I think I, I think I finally cracked the code. Yeah. What if he just has bad taste? Meh. Uh. I'm, I'm I'm going with front facing camera. Okay, solid. Um, all right, so uh, moving on in our crossover, uh, of course, uh, Barry and, and, and Supergirl race, and it eventually culminates in our heroes being freed, and then we kind of move on to our next episode, which is... Well, uh, they get everybody but um, Barry and Supergirl basically gets uh, beamed up and kidnapped at the end of the uh The episode. Flash episode, yeah. which, which takes us to Arrow, and Arrow was the best Star Trek episode I've ever seen. Uh not exactly, but th- it was sort of a similar They were definitely in a holodeck. Yeah, they were in the holodeck, essentially. So they get beamed up to the Dominator ship, which we don't find out until way into the episode. But the short of it is they get beamed up to the holodeck, and they get to experience like an the, alternate reality. An alternate reality where everything goes the way that it should, um, I guess, is one way to put it. Although that's not even entirely fair, because Diggle still gets totally fucked over in this one. But that's mostly because they needed somebody to be the Green Arrow. Somebody, somebody had to take the fall. Yeah. Um... So this is also era 100. So uh, when Matt says that the Flash and the Legends were the best, you know, quote unquote, crossover episode, that's because those were the episodes that really actually were a, a big part of the crossover, and probably where 90% of the plot happens for the overall crossover as a as a whole. Yeah. Um, the Arrow episode is sort of like a. Um, because it's the 100th episode, it is basically a trip down memory lane slash, you know, like, look at all these characters that you love and uh, so, sort of thing. It was kind of like um, when you used to watch TV shows back in the 80s and stuff. And, like, when they reached milestones, they would just do a show full of clips. Only in this case, there was about 30 seconds worth of clips at the end of the episode. But everything else was still super n- nostalgic because some of the people that were in the show are dead. Yeah, so one of the characters they brought back that was dead was Moira Queen, and also Robert. Ollie's dad. Moira and Robert. Yeah, Robert Queen. Uh, so Laurel Lance. Laurel, Dinah Laurel Lance. That was actually one of my favorite calls in that episode. Because he, he called her by her name. Yeah, he said Dinah Laurel Lance. Uh, anyway, and, and I gotta love that they opened. The, the way that this episode opens, actually, is Ollie, I think, is he proposing, or is he just saying... They were already engaged. No, they were yeah, they were talking engaged. about the wedding or something like that. But this episode opens with with Laurel. Yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, this episode opens with him and oh, Laurel yeah. being like, you know, clearly loving each other and, and all that. And uh, as we go through the episode, that's one of the biggest themes. And, and, and in fact, that's probably the one that I want to hook onto the most because it just felt right. Like, I'm not a shipper. It doesn't bother me so much that they put uh, Oliver and Felicity together. What bothers me is how long they stuck with it and how contrived they made that. Um, what And the second part of what bothers me is they have the fucking Black Canary and they decided to kill her because you can't possibly tell any more stories with the Black Canary, even though immediately the comics do that. And then the second they put them together in the 100th episode, I'm like, wow, you guys fucked up. And you're like, this is the best fucking episode of the show in two years. Yeah. Is it wrong that the most romantic Isaac Hayes song that I know is Chocolate Salty Balls? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sing it to Casey tonight and see how she feels. I mean, if you get laid, then I, I guess because not... I was totally thinking like, oh yeah, when you were talking about Laurel in the shower and stuff like that, and then like immediately chocolate salty balls popped in my head, and I'm like, I doubt Oliver has chocolate salty balls. 
He's pretty white. Just saying. I, I, I'd say we're on even. He's Canadian. For whiteness. Yeah. Like he's as white as you can get, actually. Yeah. He from likes the great hockey. White North. He likes Unless hockey, so he's probably whiter than I am. Um, yeah, that's true. So Eddie's Irish. Hi, uh, lad. Uh, so anyway, th- this uh, again, I don't want to stick with the shipping, but I'm really disappointed in the way that they handled Black Canary as a character, and I really think that if you want to do a ship, if you want to do uh, anything like that. Uh, Oliver, the Green Arrow, and uh, uh, Dino Laurel Lance is the Black Canary. Like it immediately fit for me. Like Im- immediately, I'm sure that that's uh, fa- you know controversial to some small band of idiots. But uh, for me, that was like, oh yeah, now they fucked up. Let now- like I think what I said, I I, I might have texted you. I don't remember if I did, but I think I texted you during the episode. Like I really don't care what MacGuffin or contrivance they have to use to get them back to get to get. Uh, Laurel back into the show, but they need to do it. Like, Dude, it's easy. They don't even have to. No, like, they, here's the thing. Like, it's already there. It's already set up. There's the League of Shadows, and there's a Lazarus Pit, and nobody even has to know. Like, for all intents and purposes, like Laurel could not be in that in that grave right now because the League of Assassins kidnapped her immediately after she died. See, and I don't even care about that. I literally don't care if Oliver says if if the next episode he wakes up and he goes. I had the worst dream, and Laurel's right there next to him. Like, I really don't give a shit how they do it. Doing doing this kind of thing. Yeah, but they but they <laughs> fucked up. Like, like just admit it. Admit it, Googie, you fucked up. Like, you shouldn't have done it. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, killing the Black Canary, really not a great move. Um, I'm gonna concur with that. Yeah, and I think uh, Kreisberg yeah. and and Berlanti even were like, "Well, Laurel's always been the soul of the show, and uh, of course, the, Ollie and Laurel, you know, have this great relationship together." And they were like, "You know, like, there's a subtle subtext of like, and how the fuck did we kill her off in the show?" Berlanti's funny because he kind of oversees the whole thing, um, and and I don't I don't want to say he distances himself from it because I mean you can definitely kind of see his influence on on shows like Legends and, and The Flash and whatnot, but like. Um, Kreisberg is actually the one who is like legitimately the heart of some of those shows. Kreisberg was actually the main writer in uh, The Flash up until season, or no, sorry, no, Arrow up until season two. Kev, Kev Smith actually talked about Kreisberg a lot and how influential he is on the set and things like that when he's there. Yeah, and then he moved on to do The Flash, um, and uh, he oversees parts of, I, th- I think, Legends now. Yeah. But he's the main writer for The Flash, or one of the main writers for The Flash. And uh, quite honestly, his absence drastically shows, uh, especially in Arrow. It, after Season well, 3 was I the mean, first non-Christberg. Not, not to beat a dead horse, but I mean, if you look at the shows that he's actually actively involved with, which are Legends and The Flash, and I believe Supergirl. I'm not sure he's, he's 100% involved with that one, but like when you look at those shows... Supergirl, The Flash, and Legends, they all have heart to some extent. Like, you're emotionally invested in those characters. And I guess you kind of are in Arrow, too. But, like, unless you have an Arrow, an episode of Arrow like we had with this particular one, which is episode 100 and part of this crossover, like, it's really hard to care about them. Unless they're in those situations where you're just like, you know what? So this is what I miss. That's kind of the thing about Arrow, though, is, like... um I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, uh, having watched season three and season four, uh, and season five actually now being pretty good. Like, I'm actually enjoying season five, and especially episode 100. This is probably my favorite episode since anything from season two. Um, I keep waiting, and, and I'm sure next the next episode I watch of Arrow, it's just going to be like, 
how did they kill Laurel again? Like, yeah. what what were you thinking? Um, how did that possibly be a thing that happened? Um, and I'm going to be pissed off when they go back to, you know, Wild Dog being a thing. <laughs> like, uh, uh, that was also kind of a funny scene when uh, Wild somehow Wild Dog and Supergirl get... Uh, Wild Dog, Supergirl, and The Flash get paired together. Yeah. And, and Wild Dog's being all, like, uh, basically racist. Like, I don't trust you because <laughs> you got powers. And they were like, yeah, we used to say the same thing about black people. Uh, nope. <laughs> uh, no, they were like, uh, yeah, but we use our powers for good. So you're kind of just being a dick right now. And Kara's um, like, well, here's the deal. The only black man I trust is a Martian. Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's be honest. Who's stealing whose hubcaps here? Yeah. Uh, okay, they didn't say that at all. No, they didn't. Uh, but this is Trump's America, damn it. Yeah, no. we can go full oh, racist boy. now. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're protected by the Constitution or some shit like that. I don't know. They, they say something else every time. But uh, so the thing is, like, as I was watching that apart, I'm just like, wow, Wild Dog. I don't fucking care about this guy at all. Like, I know. It's just, uh, yeah. why are we still dealing with I like this? Ragman. He's the only one of the new cast this year that I'm just like, I care about him a little bit. Ragman's and like. Mostly that's because Felicity nukes his family. <laughs> Yeah, right. he's got a little bit of interesting character backstory, like, in, in that he nuked his family, and already I think they kind of fucked that up, because the, she he's sort of quasi-over it, and, like, on the other hand, it's kind of like, you know, I get why you should be over it, because statistically you're thinking, you know, like, well, she saved millions, but from she was like, From a, a standpoint of pure logic, like, it was the best of all the possible scenarios, unless there yeah. wasn't a in fucking which, empty in which desert somewhere nearby. Writing, in which they were writing a show in which Felicity was going to get control over a nuclear weapon, for God's sake. I sakes. don't understand why the target had to be a city. Yeah. I don't understand why the target couldn't have been an, a completely empty plot of desert somewhere. Yeah, she's like, I keep desert. swiping to the or right, but ocean. it just keeps swiping to a different yeah. city. Or ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was... You, you know, know our planet's mainly made up of water, but I have to hit this one city. It's like the fixed points in time that Legends has to go by. They're like, yeah, we can't do that because it's not a fixed point in time. Which is just like Doctor Who, and that's that's code for uh, because the plot demands it. Because you know, like, because if we don't go to a time when something's happening, then it won't matter to anybody. Yeah, basically. So it, It's just, like I said, it's just code for the plot says we have to, so we're gonna. Something yeah. Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Anyway, which uh, we'll talk to Ryan about how Eddie and I probably aren't going to go see that movie. I'm, it's yeah. iffy. I want to <laughs> see it at some point, but I'm I'm definitely thinking this is like a wait for DVD movie. Yeah. But anyway, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, and then finally, we, we finish up on Legends of Tomorrow, which is just basically a big extension of the Flash and Arrow because they definitely took home the show on the on the Legends show. There was some good moments there. Um, I I did like how they handled the Stein the uh, Ollie slash Supergirl. His daughter thing. Uh, interaction actually yes. came during this episode, which was really good because Ollie really got Oliver after was, after Oliver he escaped from the dick. Dominator. He was like, "So here's the deal: my one experience with aliens, not positive. So go fuck yourself and don't come." Yeah, and she was like, "Um, I like coming." <laughs> <laughs> phrasing um anyway yeah that actually pissed me off like i think i tweeted when that came out like what are you doing like that's the best example you can, or that's the best reason you can come up with to keep supergirl out of this like i get the whole contractual real world bullshit of just like uh we, we can't put them all together in the same episode we got to let this be a little bit about it, the legends or whatever it, it it's it's the whole normal thing and like that's Ollie's having a real rough time grasping normal, and he doesn't always. And that's the thing that, like, when they when they do these things, I'm just like, oh, yep, contrived. 
Yeah, because it's it's absolutely fucking retarded. Because you take literally your biggest gun. Like you, you just imagine sitting around the Justice League table, and they're like, "Hey, Superman, we don't really need you right now because you're an alien. That's weird." Dark side is actually gonna invade tomorrow, but you're an alien. Yeah, and so... that's creeping me out. I mean, I'm just Batman. I only fight, you know, guy. I, I I fight a guy who can turn himself in any shape he wants, made out of clay. But you, the alien, is weirding me out. Like that's what Ollie's doing right now, and it was just kind of like. Are you fucking serious? Like, yeah. Again, I what mean, are you doing? Just right now? All, that was, all that was was season. to give them that moment toward the end of the episode where it was really touching. Yeah. You know, when they were talking about it, he's like, I, I don't apologize. But no, no, that was Wild Wild Dog said that. I don't apologize. Yeah. But all he was just like, you can stay. I was, I was pretty wrong about you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that pissed me off because it was it was literally like you were talking about like the contrived moment you hated. This to me was like literally the most contrived thing that happened over yeah. the whole course of the, the uh, thing. Because you know what anybody else says in that situation? Fuck. I want Supergirl on my team. Like she gets picked first every goddamn yeah. time in like, any she's sort never, of team She's up. never the one that isn't getting picked for dodgeball. Yeah. Like maybe if they have a trivia night, she doesn't get picked first because obviously that's Cisco. And, and of course, they actually set up a pretty good dynamic between Cisco and Felicity being the whole nerd champs there. Um, I love those two, and them like taking control of the Wave Rider enough to save the rest of the team when they were back in 1951. Yeah, which also again set the stage for Cisco being like, you know, I just tried to go back in time to change the past, and, and I fucked I'm it kind up. of a dick because that's what I'm mad at Barry for. So I guess I'm not mad at him anymore. Yeah. That was a l- not quite ham-fisted. I actually kind of like the way that they did this. It was this. on the on the border, but yeah, it it was I, I it was it. yeah, it it rode the border fairly well, and I I actually ended up liking it. I think in the end, um, mostly if nothing else, because it was done smoother. We didn't stretch this out over a whole season. Like I'm hoping that we go to a semi-normal dynamic between um, Barry and Cisco this I, next episode. I think but... for the last portion of the season, we are like we started out with a little bit of turbulence between those two. And then they resolved that within a couple episodes, which again was relieving. And then all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute. Maybe I'm the asshole. When I said I didn't want to know about what happened in the alternate universe, and now you're telling me, now I'm mad at you again. Yeah. You know? I don't know. We'll see. Now, but, at the end of this whole thing, you have all these teams. And I feel like, because of all the previews I've seen after these events, they just kind of go into their normal shebang like nothing really happened like the aliens aren't mentioned it's not really a big deal they're like oh whatever it's just see, a I, normal day in paradise they'll whatever. mention it i think they'll definitely mention it it'll definitely come up but they really cannot spend a whole lot of time on it just for pure you know real world reasons um well i guess that's not true they they could do a little bit more than they did they, i don't know we'll, we'll have to wait and kinda, see it's kind of a cataclysmic event it, I mean, it really is, and take we, it back to Marvel to Chitari. Like they, it's been years, and they still revert back to it because, as normal people, yeah, we may have like Iron Man, Captain. America, that was the example I was thinking of too Hulk. with Agents, uh, Agents of Shield. Of course, um, they 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 had a similar thing, you know, where um, you know they started on the heels of the Chitari event, and then uh, when Winter Soldier came out, that was really when the show tied. I think best to the movie universe. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, we'll have to wait and see. I don't think the plot's going to center around it. Like, you know, even though that uh, uh, the whole... Um, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see the Dominators until next season. Yeah, I, I really don't think we will. I mean, that that's just... They, they per, um, purposefully make the... Um, 
crossovers, especially this one, this one had to be a big deal. This one had to be larger than the normal shows. I honestly mm-hmm. thought it was going to end up being a bigger deal than it was. I, I so thought so I. too, and I think that's we. I guess we should probably not skirt around that any longer. Um, Matt and I have both have been saying like this has got to be the event that they use to get Supergirl into their universe, like bring the whole Supergirl. Which I mean, in a roundabout sort of way, they did. Sort of. Um, they you gave know, her the device. They gave her a device that allows her basically to jump whenever she wants. And which talk to them if they need help or whatever. Yeah, she needs help. Uh, and you know, I guess the real reality here is we probably should realize that that's all she really needs. Um, yeah. You know, like Ollie and Barry have existed in the same universe for the entire run of both shows, and they've only crossed over like a, a not even a handful of times, two, three episodes, I, I think, think all together. Um, yeah, yeah. And they, they they've had their crossover event for two in both seasons now, and then we had another one where Ollie showed up uh, to help fight uh um reverse flash and i think that's it so well barry started out in season two of arrow he was in three episodes i think two yeah three I, episodes, I guess that kind of counts which then led directly into the um they they actually showed barry getting hit by lightning and whatnot in arrow and then again they they revisited that origin when they started the flash and stuff so yeah. since the flash has been a thing like there have been crossover episodes but it's been like Ollie seems to be the consistent piece. Yeah, it's not like every other episode. The the shows really blend together all that much. There's like, occasional guest stars, but that's about it. I, I think episode one of The Flash, Ollie was in last year, and then they did their crossover kind of mid-season. Yeah. And then this year, they didn't necessarily do that with The Flash, but they did definitely do it in Legends because Legends started out with Ollie being in that because uh, the new guy on Legends, and I can't remember his fucking name. Nathan Hale. Yeah, Nathan found Ollie and was like, hey, so you're the Green Arrow, um, and you're going to need to come help me. Yeah. And Ollie was like, so if I'm the Green Arrow, how come I'm not shooting you between the fucking eyes right now? Like, And he's like, I don't know. You probably should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, last bit to wrap up our crossover event. Uh, the other fun part here is um, we eventually come to this realization that the reason the Dominators have come after Earth is that uh, Barry fucked everything up. <laughs> like, yeah. And they find metahumans a th- threat especially yeah. ones at, with the powers that barry has to travel at, back at in time some point the shit. metahumans on other worlds have fucked up the dominator's whole world so they're just like so we can't let that happen again which i'm just like hey you know what fuck off dominators like when we leave the planet like maybe that just makes them kind of but, sound like assholes in a sense of like hey I, I, these metahumans have fucked that up, was that was what have we done to make them i almost get it over? because i almost get it because they're like Hey, so Barry, you did that whole flashpoint thing, and now none of us can see the color blue anymore, like or something right. you know along those lines. Like, I get where they're coming from a little bit, but it's kind of like the dominators the are like Earth. before flashpoint, we had penises. Yeah, now we don't. Now we don't. This now, isn't nearly as now good. we're fucking Ken dolls. Yeah, <laughs> and we hate you, and we have no clothes, and we yeah. look horrible. So what I think this is doing though is this is going to set up our um the. You know, another big theme in the Flash. Um, one of the big things this this season, of course, we've got Savitar going on, and we've got the whole alchemy thing. But I think one of the bigger themes is going to be like Barry dealing with the ramifications of Flashpoint. Um, and I think that this crossover event was sort of even playing that up a little bit more. It also kind of shows you who the darling of the CW universe is, because when it really comes down to it. It's Barry. It's Barry. Like, uh, as much as they, they, they occasionally pay lip service to the whole Ollie started everything, like, there was a line very much like, oh, hey, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't all be here and blah, blah, blah. Um, 
Barry, Barry, the Flash is clearly the crown jewel of the CW verse. Um, the Flash is the crown jewel of the CW period right now. Like yeah. it is, it is kind of the be all end all of of shows on that on that network. So, of course, they're going to treat him with some a little bit of reverence and whatnot. I, I honestly, I dig how they're they're bringing everything together. They they Supergirl's got her device now. She can go place to place. The thing that I thought, and we talked about this before, that was the funniest though, is which le- with Legends of Tomorrow, where this show ended up, is the the show was not headlined by the Legends. It was headlined by Barry and on Oliver. Like <laughs> they they closed the show by sitting at a bar and drinking. Yeah, I I think they obviously wanted to give Legends a little bit of the bump from uh, the Flash and get more people involved in Legends. Um, but I'm not sure if the best way to do that was to just basically make it a continuation episode of Arrow and Flash. Um, I think it was. I, I, I think they got enough of a rub from the rest of them to actually handle it. I kind of really hope well. so because I want to see Legends continue. It's not a bad show at all. I do too. And we talked last episode, which I don't think we actually... I don't know if this part made... Did we talk... Was it the last episode that we talked about this? I don't remember. About them getting extended from... uh... It was probably 61 or 62. Okay. But anyway, um, yeah, Legends, I think it still does need to improve a little bit because as many times as we talk about shows on this this, uh, podcast, quite often we're saying, oh yeah, but we didn't watch Legends Legends this week. To me, it's about timing though. Timing is some of it. It's not about how good the show is, but I guess if the show was like the be all and all of shows on TV. Like I'm just saying time it, for it really doesn't matter what night flash was on. I would watch that shit. See, and I don't, I, I usually watch the flash the next day. Wow. No, I, don't even, I don't even know. You. I don't have a choice. No, here's why. Um, my kid really likes Supergirl, but it's on at eight o'clock and she's four. So her bedtime is eight o'clock most of the time. So yeah, we watch Supergirl the next night. Also uh, Tuesday nights. I do trivia at the Schmitz public house. If you want to sponsor the us, aforementioned, yeah, um, that's sponsors. I, I, so I, I do that, and that, that starts at eight o'clock, and it goes from eight to ten o'clock. And so usually we watch Flash the next night, um, and it's because I'm disciplined. Like I, I cannot be on social media, and I cannot look up shit and have what's, that shit spoiled for me. What's that like? Uh, dark and cold. Yeah. Okay. But that makes you sense. Know. <laughs> but far more fulfilling. Yeah. Um, so whatever, dude. And that's the thing is because my wife's schedule rotates and whatnot. Some nights she's in bed earlier than others, and and so like I, we just watch the Flash when we when we can watch it together. Um, although she told me that if I went to trivia last week that she was going to watch the crossover episode whether I was home or not. Did she? I, I would have. She mentioned actually, that's fair. Me that's actually fair, so. oddly enough, the the group that I normally go to trivia with decided they were going to try trivia in Albany instead, and I was like, "Well, fuck that," because that's like a good fifteen minutes out of my way. <laughs> okay, so, so everything worked out for the best then. Yeah, so I stayed home and watched the Flash. All right, so closing out on the the crossover, um, I'm excited for next year. Like they, hopefully, they can only go up from here. I want to say that that's the only possibility, but um, you know, and again, the 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 thing I said earlier was. W- uh, probably the thing that best encapsulates my feelings about this crossover, which is I can't believe I'm watching this on TV. I am so happy about this being a thing. So here's my here's my prediction. If Legends of Tomorrow continues and gets renewed for next season, Supergirl stays in her alternate reality. If for some reason Legends gets canceled and there's only three shows on the CW... You better bet your ass that Supergirl will be actually in 
the See, regular. I think even if they canceled Legends, it's not going to be the worst thing in the world because I think a lot of characters will just gravitate back towards to one other, of shows. other shows. I, so I don't want to see Legends canceled though. I really, I, I really this don't. year especially, I really like it. I really don't, but I definitely don't see them giving up Adam, and I definitely don't see them giving up uh, uh, Sarah. Uh, White Canary, yeah. and Sarah Lance. I, I think I think that for all the um, talk that we gave Casper Crump for being an amazing Vandal Savage from last year. Mm-hmm. The season's even better, and he's not even involved. And I'm not saying it's his fault that the season is better than it was last season. I'm just saying. Well, that's kind of the rub there because they gave us villains we're already invested in a little bit. Yeah, um, like Damian Dark, for all intents and purposes, he's worst a much, thing that could have happened to Arrow. Not a bad choice for Legends, but though. amazing for Legends, and yeah. we get to see the Reverse Flash again. Like yep. he's constant in Legends now. So, all right. You haven't watched it this season, have you? No, now you guys have me highly interested. Yeah. <laughs> you need to go watch it. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, now I need to get caught up. Damien yeah. and Reverse Flasher yeah. in Let's... Oh, my God. Yeah, buddy. Like they're um, they're working together. They have the weirdest bro, bro relationship ever. Yeah, because they really don't like each other that much, but... Yeah. At the same time, like, usually what I'm just like, well, but if you help me do this, then, you know, I can be a speedster and change things for you. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. We got some move on to more DC news, actually. Um, We've got our next topic, which is a new villain for Supergirl in 2017. And that is, spoilers, Mr. Mitzaplik. Yeah, Mitzaplikstick. Yeah, you can't really say the name. No, never, never have been able to. Everybody reads it differently in their head, too. I'm sure everybody else is like, how are you? How are you saying that? I want to say it's Mixes Pitlick. Mixes Pitlick? Everybody says Mitzaplik. Yeah, Mitzaplik. Whatever. <laughs> he's going to be the villain for Supergirl? And we're talking... Is that going to be the show? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be like uh, a prevailing thing, but I do know that um, he, we're seeing him this year. So That's dope. I Actually, I'm, I'm really excited about that. He had um, one episode in Smallville where he was around, but like again, Smallville didn't necessarily have the opportunity. I mean... Yes, it's easy for me to say that. They were around for 10 seasons and whatnot, but like some characters, like Mr. Mitzblick. I'd yeah. say Mitzblick. You don't get the opportunity to really explore that character a ton if it's not going to be over with the audience See, right away. So, And he's typically a Superman villain, but I think this will actually kind of work for Supergirl because there's nothing particularly that ties him specifically to Superman. No. Um, you know, this is kind of where Cyborg Superman pissed me off. It's because, like, you know why there's a Cyborg Superman? Because there's, there's a, a Superman. Superman. Yeah. yeah, like, he makes sense as a Superman villain, but not necessarily as a, a Supergirl villain. So, right. whatever. Um, Anything else on that one? No. That, right, that was cool. just... A, a neat little tidbit that I ran across. Yeah, yeah. Um, next up, I want to have a very brief discussion uh, about Suicide Squad because I finally watched it. It, it. I finally was uh, able to catch it. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh. Man. Okay, so number one, everything I said about Jared Leto and his Joker leading up to this thing, completely correct. Yeah. Uh, I said leading up to this thing, I'm sure Leto is going to do a great job because he's a good actor, but his Joker looks like shit and sucks. Yep. And uh, that mm-hmm. was not changed at all by having watched the movie. Um, yeah, Joker still sucks in this movie. Um, here's the funny thing. Joker's so my brother, relevant my, in this movie. No, my brother texted me the other day and he was like, so do I have to watch the extended version of Suicide Squad? And I was like, well, I've seen them both and I honestly can't tell you what the difference is. <laughs> <laughs> there are I a lot of movies like, that I, do that, actually. Okay, I tried to watch the extended version on a uh, pub film, and I just passed out, so I got bored, like, halfway through. Like, I didn't see any different footage. It's There's 17 minutes difference, but I don't know what they are. 
<laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. At that's least kind of the thing BBS, for me. I could I'm just tell like, what was different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you what's different in this movie. Oh, yeah. So overall, the plot in this movie not a bad movie. Um, Margot Robbie obviously steals the show as Harley Quinn. She she does. Um, that's actually probably my one disappointment is um, she could have been like she could have gotten more screen time. Like her her Harley is really really good. I thought. No, she is super good. And here's the thing though that I mentioned that I in in my spoiler free recap for Eddie. Um, I talked about Will Smith and how I was actually pleasantly surprised by the um, range and character development of Deadshot in this movie. And what were your thoughts on that now that you've seen it? I agree. He was mostly Deadshot and not entirely Will Smith, which was... It didn't turn into a Will Smith vehicle, which is what I thought it was going to be from the previews. It didn't. First off, this this was not like, oh man, Will can Will is just a chameleon of an actor. He can be anybody because no. he was still definitely uh no. Will Smith playing Deadshot. Uh but they Talk about a hypotenuse. Yeah, they definitely didn't let that steal the show. Um in which I thought they could have more um but I am a little disappointed because I think they could have gotten a lot of different actors and it would have been a completely different and probably a little bit better uh film. So, um and that's, you know, sorry but Will Smith is kind of Will Smith in most movies he's in now. So I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, having watched the movie again, I'm, I'm not unhappy with the movie. Uh, I would have actually been way happier if the Joker just wasn't in this movie. Yeah. I don't think that the Joker added anything. And if anything, it only detracted from this particular incarnation's uh, uh, potential for Joker. I, I think there was a couple more minutes of Joker in this movie and the extended version of it, which is one of the things that Leto was pissed off about was that a lot of his scenes ended up on the cutting room floor. But at the end of the day, dude, it's not your fault. It's just the way the character was written sucked. So it didn't fit in the movie. He no, like I said, Jared Leto did a fine job, except for um, they kind of decided that if we just change the Joker to make him look like a Hot Topic threw up on him, uh, it's not. It's going to overshadow the fact that he's basically doing most of the same things that Ledger's Joker did, uh, which to me just it, it played that way uh, way too much. Like, um, and first off, I don't mind that. Like, I just don't think that like they they needlessly tried to differentiate when they didn't really need to. I really liked Heath Ledger's Joker. I think I really would have liked Leto's Joker, except for there were some of the things that were just so retarded about the direction they decided to go with this Joker that didn't make any sense. Number two is he almost didn't matter for the film at all. I mean, he sets up a little bit of Harley backstory, but outside of that, uh, they could have easily cut or changed the story a little bit so that he didn't have Any, to be in it. Anything in the present that the Joker was in in this film was completely irrelevant. You didn't need him at all. Yeah, basically. I mean, the only reason they... I think everybody says, oh, you're going to do a Harley Quinn movie um, or a movie with Harley Quinn, you've got to have the Joker in there to set up the backstory. And I don't really think that's true. I, um, I think you could have done it in a way where the Joker was never on screen. I, I think so, too. Mm-hmm. I think just having a good, solid voice, like, fuck, they could have gotten uh, um, Mark Hamill to do some voiceover work, and that would have been probably perfectly sufficient. And probably given me at least half a boner. I was yeah. going to say, like, hearing Mark Hamill, like, if you didn't see Jared Leto as Joker and all you heard say, like, you had that door, you see her go in there, and then all you hear is Mark Hamill's voice and a, like a little bit of a conversation that they're having. Just a tiny little bit of laugh. I would, or, yeah. you I know, would when, be like... The way he says Harley. Yeah. I would just be so thrilled. I'd be like, all right, I'm in. Sold. Yeah. 
So, um, and then of course there was it, this movie's share of contrivances as well. Like number one, uh, so that the, the, uh, spoilers, 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 um, the main plot of this movie is essentially Enchantress uh, uh, is the baddie. Here's the thing, man. You're the only person that hadn't seen this movie until like last week. Yeah, okay. Nobody's, nobody's spoiled. Nobody's spoiled. So <laughs> the thing that pissed me off, though, is they're fighting Enchantress, and Enchantress is like, you know what I need to do? Rather than using my powers to just turn them into you know blended mash, I'm going to go in a hand-to-hand fight? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. So there's a lot of stuff like that. There's just a lot of parts of the movie that's just like... You know, maybe if you thought about the thing you were writing right now, this would make a little bit more sense. Um, and and maybe yeah. if it wasn't clearly like, or even like clearly like a studio is like, no, we got to have a big fight scene. Upon rewatch, one of the things I was really impressed with was the um, the uh, penultimate fight scene between the Enchantress's brother and Diablo. Yeah, who that was cool. Was yeah. a character that I wasn't really that invested in originally because I didn't really have much backstory on him. I'm still not because that's um, another weakness of the movie is that they don't do a very good job uh, characterizing most of. I them. was kind of surprised about how much screen time they gave him during that, and yeah, so and pleasantly surprised because it was a, it was a fun scene to watch. Yeah, um, the things that stood out in the movie to me were the scenes that we actually did get some backstory on how they got arrested and whatnot. So we got some Batman cameos, not not just one but a couple because um, the Batman cameos are actually really fucking solid. They were good, and so was the Flash cameo. I think actually, you only had yeah, two. Did you only have two Batman cameos? I think we had two Bat cameos because he's the one that brought down both Deadshot and the Joker and Harley Quinn. Yeah. Um, and he and then the Flash brought Flash down Captain Boomerang. Boomerang. I feel like I could have went with having Batman have taken in more of them. That way they all had some kind of vendetta against the Bat. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's probably just the, all the budget they had for Batman, that, that one, <laughs> that movie. They're like, we we can only afford Affleck to be in a couple of these scenes that are actually in the movie and then do a stinger. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there's a stinger. Yeah, so the short of it is basically the things that everybody was saying about the movie were entirely correct. It's pretty hit or miss, but I didn't hate it. Uh, and that's it, I think. Marvel News? Let's talk Marvel News. Sure. Um, we've got some new de- details about a Generation X book. And when I first read this, I was like, Xbox coming back? But no, we're talking about Generation X, which I'm guessing is an X-Men title. This article actually is about a few different upcoming comic book events um, that actually uh, involve more than just Marvel, but there's some DC and stuff. So real quick, um, one of the one of the topics in this is uh, the Watchmen uh, angle from the whole DC rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to actually see that connection made early 2017. So we're getting close, guys. Yeah. So. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, the Marvel News. Um, yeah. Generation X is a book that was out in the 90s, um, and it focused around a team of students, um, kind of similar to how the X-Men originally started as students of Professor X, um, only the school was led by uh, Emma Frost. Yeah. And, uh, God, was it Banshee? I think it was Banshee. They were the headmasters of the school. Um so they're bringing that back. Um, after, this is going to follow the events of the um, Inhumans versus X-Men. Um, and we're going to get a whole shitload of X-Books launched um, after that. We've talked about this a little bit before. But Generation X is going to be one of those. Um, and it looks from the cover, Jubilee, going to be front and center. Ooh. And Jubilee looking like classic Jubilee, really. Yeah, which is crazy because she's a vampire. <laughs> what? <laughs> so um, there was a... a a big series called House of M, wherein um, 
Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, okay. basically said no more mutants. And when she did that, she depowered like a whole bunch of mutants that already had powers, and then no new mutants were around after that. Wow. Jubilee was one of the uh, the depowered mutants um, who ended up getting bit by a vampire and turned into a vampire later on. So um, that was kind of in one of the Marvel's like horror genre books that, yeah. that happened. Only now she's kind of been brought back into the X-Men fold. So it'll be interesting to me how they handle her because she's not a mutant presently, but that doesn't mean that she won't be by the yeah. time everything's all said and They're done. They're just like, well, here's our uh, uh, non-vampire mutant shot. You just give it to you. It'll be back to you know, back to normal. Well, here's the thing. Um, I'm I've been old. One of the books that I read regularly is Old Man Logan. Yeah, and uh, he just went to Transylvania, and he's gonna fight Dracula, and it's because <laughs> Jubilee's missing, and <laughs> that's awesome. So we'll see. That's may or may not have something to do with what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Next up in our news, we've got. Uh, hold um, on. Hold on. There's what? more. Oh, I'm There's sorry. A bit more. I'm sorry. So also the X Men Blue Team. Uh, it looks like it is the original core team. That's cool. Um, so we have they're they're all present in the modern day continuity right now because they were brought forward in time by uh, older beast and whatnot. And I do remember that. I think that was in the um, all new X Men. Yep, that yeah. is the all new X Men, and I believe uh, that they're going to actually end up being the the permanent X Men Blue team. Uh, in one of the current issues of All New X Men, I think the annual or something like that, um, he's talking to Cyclops, young Cyclops, and about why he can't figure out time travel. And it turns out Beast, um, Beast actually ended up going back to ancient Egypt with um, the young clone of Apocalypse, and almost dying there. Mm-hmm. And when he got back, um, one of the things that he realized was that the whole trip to Egypt and stuff like that was prompted by magic, and so he kind of went balls deep into um, finding the connection between magic and hard science. And so when Cyclops said something about time travel, he was like, no, I figured that out as soon as we got back from Egypt. I've just been doing this because I have to. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, time so, travel, that's easy. Yeah, yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see where they where they get to this particular point um, where we have the new X-Books and whatnot. But um, I read X-Men uh, or Inhumans vs. X-Men number zero. Mm-hmm. earlier this week i did read death of x but i haven't read inhumans versus x-men yet so there's just the one book it's the zero book and you're gonna really dig it cool so read it okay and we'll talk about it when we talk comics next week sounds good uh all right so now we got some spider news uh andrew garfield opens up a little bit about amazing spider-man and its issues uh and i actually kind of feel for the guy because uh he's kind of in line with the rest of the audience basically saying yeah we had a lot of missed opportunities there was a lot of opportunities that uh, um or a lot of ways that this movie could have been better and he's not wrong yeah he kind um, of felt like his peter parker was more shallow than he should have been yeah um you know the one of the things uh he says, you know, specifically to the shallow things is he said he called the, he called the movie shallow and lacking of depth, uh, quote, no matter how much depth depth was attempted. And really, that's kind of how the movie felt to me, too, especially uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, that was where they where they kind of went a little bit. 
uh, you know, they had some great stuff doing the death of Gwen Stacy was, I think, a ballsy, ballsy maneuver that if it were just in a slightly better Spider-Man movie would have been a much bigger deal. Um, but they kind of killed it because they they just didn't handle that very well. So yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I, I feel for you, Andrew Garfield. It's a little unfortunate because I, I don't think he was the problem with those movies at all. I actually liked his Spider-Man quite a bit. Um, I no, liked him. I, I, I no, thought he was fantastic. He was great. I liked him better than Maguire. It's just that when it comes down to it, um, Sony doesn't know how to make a good Spider-Man movie. No, just the brief moments that we saw Spider-Man in, in Civil War, which wasn't that brief, actually. He had quite a bit of screen time, but like... I mean, for a, for a the movie, way his character not was about written, Spider-Man, but yeah. The way his character was written was fucking fantastic. Yeah, and, I was like, oh, that's Spider-Man. Like, oh, finally, we've, yeah, we've got wait, Spider-Man on screen. Wait, there was other guys that were Spider-Man before? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, and as much as I was like, I don't know, Tom Holland, he looks kind of, I don't know, whatever. And then, of course, as soon as he was on screen, I was like, nope, I was wrong. There you go. That's the Spider-Man we want to see. Um, next in our spider news, spider wings. You didn't read this, did you? I just clicked a, okay. a really quick, and uh, the short of it is, if you guys go back to the original, the early Spider-Mans, one of the things you'll see is that, uh, depending on which exactly, you'll often see that he has like sort of spider webbing under his arms, uh, you know, like armpit wings. webs. He has armpit webs, essentially. It's it's really dusty in there. Um, he has armpit webs. That's a thing that's appeared in some of the earlier cartoons, especially, and it definitely goes back to his early comic book roots. And apparently, that is going to happen in Spider-Man Homecoming, which I... I don't know how they're going to do it. And I don't care. I'm just excited because that's a that's a pretty nice nod. That's actually like Bailey and I were talking about this before uh, you got here. And we're I, just like, yeah, this is going to be cool. Yep. It's going to be cool. I feel like they need to be transparent. I don't like somewhat transparent. Like you should be able to notice them. They can't be the focal but point. But they of the can't costume. be the focal point. I almost kind of think this is going to be like um, not quite. It, it's going to be fan service a little bit. Like it's probably going to be like one of the early iterations of the Stark tech talk, Stark I, tech. Costume I think Spider-Man like homecoming is going to be our star Wars episode seven of the Marvel universe when it comes to Spider-Man. Cause this is going to be like, okay, this is the Spider-Man we should have given you the entire time, but yeah. Sony had the rights. So we're sorry. They screwed you. Yeah. I don't think Even the wings are going to stick Sony around, but still I still has the rights. Yeah. They've got distribution rights now. They're they're in no control when it comes to the no. actual movies. I feel like Sony is giving full control of this movie over to Marvel. Like Kevin, do what you want to do. I, I think that was kind of the deal. I think they were just like, look, we can pull this out of the shithole that it's in, but yeah, it's gonna they, be they, us. They, Marvel was yeah. just basically like, would you please stop? Like, if yeah. you're gonna rape our character in front of us, at least have the decency to you know hand Sony, me a blindfold. Sony, hold out your hand. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> bad Sony. Yeah, bad Sony. Uh, so they probably did the same thing to Fox when yeah. it came to that shitstorm of a Fantastic Four movie that they tried to release last year. Yeah, or even every other X Men movie, essentially. Every every other. I feel other, like yeah. Fantastic Four is gonna have their rights reverted back to Marvel, though. And well, if they don't make At a sequel point, by next year, that exactly. they will. So. And I don't, I'm honestly not sure that Fox will. I mean, as much as I they're trying they're to hold on to this property, I, I don't think... But I do think guys, they've they got to realize at this point that they can't make a decent movie. But do you guys really think that they're going to hand the rights back over to Marvel for free? I don't think so. No, that that's the thing is under the contract, though, like if they don't make the movie, they automatically revert. So yeah, I, I, I don't... And that's what I'm saying is like, but why would Fox, knowing that, want to 
not make a movie because why would they keep the rights to a character or to a series of characters that they fucked up totally to the point where and people won't three times. pay to go see it? it's it's not only not going to make them money but it's it's actively going to lose the money at that point like if they're going to decide to make another movie they're almost basically committing to throwing 50 million dollars in the shitter because yeah. and that's that's a low budget low low budget superhero movie but they would basically at this point be committing to throwing 50 million dollars in the shitter because there's no no way that they're going to get an audience after their you know third at, for their third outing on this on a even, reboot and even if the rights revert a- back though like I don't think Marvel's gonna touch those characters for at least a couple years and fucking the actors that I don't played, know maybe because- the actors that played in the movie aren't gonna go see a sequel so even if they wanted to make a sequel that's not gonna put asses in seats I like- mean maybe maybe you can use Galactus maybe you can use Surfer because he's not been around in a long time but like you're not gonna use the actual Fantastic Four for a few years just so people get that fucking terrible taste out of their mouth. Yep. No, I, I think re- really likely re- rights revert back to Marvel, and in say twenty twenty three or something like that, we see a good Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, I, we we could see it by twenty twenty, but that's I'd say highly. I, unlikely, I say but it's more likely we see some cameos in other movies before we actually see a full on. That's fair. Movie. All right. So. so- Next up in our Marvel news, we have probably one of our favorite pieces of the Marvel segment. Speaking of ensemble casts. Speaking of ensemble casts, I am Groot. Uh, God damn it. Yeah. No, we've got a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 uh, trailer, and it's fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, I don't even want to talk about this because I don't want to spoil anything for the, the fans. If you haven't watched this trailer yet and we're just now popping this news to you, you should probably go watch the trailer and just enjoy it, it for what it is it's because so it's great. pretty fun. It's, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, it, this I, isn't this isn't a trailer that begs for me to dissect it and go over and over on it. I think it's I just, texted Eddie what yesterday. Yeah, and I was like, hey, this is this has happened. You yeah. should watch this. Oh, so great. It's very enjoyable. It'll be in the show notes if you want to go check it out, or you know you can Google it because there's probably like 80 million hits. Whatever. Um, yeah, it just go watch it. It's. It's honestly quite a. It's, they call it a teaser trailer, but it's like two and a half minutes long. It's yeah, it's a decent trailer. I don't know how they decide what a teaser is anymore because I feel like I, a I assumed, should be like forty seconds long. A trailer is like two minutes. I assumed when you put teaser in the show notes that you had just fucked up. Um, <laughs> sorry, but I assumed when I read that and I, and I clicked open the link and I was like, well, that's two and a half minutes long. Maybe Matt doesn't know what a teaser trailer is. Uh, but it's it's actually called. Teaser trailer. It, it turns out Marvel doesn't know what a teaser trailer is. It's two and a half minute long, it, minutes long, and it's what a trailer should be. It doesn't give out big points to the plot or anything like that. It's just a cool fucking trailer that gets you interested in the movie, and that's perfectly fine. And I'm just saying Dave Batista for the win. Dave Batista for the win. Now do me. Do me next. Yeah. Do me. Do me. Yeah. Uh, okay, should we talk video games? Yeah, but I want another beer. Yeah, so do I. We'll be right back. All right, we're back with video game news. Matt, tell me about your experience playing Arkham Knight this week. Um, so Bailey and I talked about this earlier in the week too because he's he's played it as well as have you. Um, so while I feel like the Batmobile is a welcome addition to the Arkham family, the game's reliance upon the Batmobile to just leave it open, dude. The game's reliance on the Batmobile to complete things is a bit overwhelming, and I think it's too much, especially. When you've played Arkham Knight, or I mean Arkham uh, Asylum and Arkham City both. And uh, Origins. I don't count Origins. You, I don't count <laughs> I played Origins, and you don't rely on... It's the same Origins isn't a shit game, 
it's just not a great game either. Yeah, um, I just it, don't count it. It, it. it almost feels like a DLC pack for Arkham City or something. Yeah, right. that's 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 kind of yeah. how I look at it. But um, when you've learned to play those other games and you realize that there are ways to to get through levels that don't require the Batmobile, you like you realize that every time that you're having to use the Batmobile in a certain situation is literally just for the sake of using the Batmobile. Yeah, okay, so that's not an unfair criticism because um, and the Batmobile is hard as fuck to control a lot of the time. So I don't. Yeah, I, it's I control is shit. I didn't. I got sick of the Batmobile. Uh, quite honestly, I think a lot of people did. Uh, the the Batmobile things that that you do are kind of a good like one trick pony for me. Like uh, it wasn't bad the first time or two, but obviously they spent a lot of effort in the Batmobile too. So like particularly when you go into the like battle tank mode and you have missions that are basically battle tank mode. I mean, I don't mind blowing up the drones every once in a while and shit like that. It's See, it's it's like. The Riddler missions are all driving. It, yeah. It's and just overkill. And then you have the, the see, main the, story missions. Some of well, there's quite a few of them that are reliant on the Right. Batmobile. You're just like, and okay, so why like, do I have to pull the wall down with a winch when there's a ventilation shaft over there? It just isn't playable in game. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> come on, guys. There, There's some parts that, um, I don't know. I guess the short of it is, while I think it's a welcome addition to the game and its uh, mechanics were actually pretty good, I did get sick of it. Like I, 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 it got to the point where I was like, ah, oh, Batman. The, the problem Fuck. is, is Arkham Knight is like the finale to the Arkham series, and if they wanted to do a game where the where the Batmobile was that involved, like they should have introduced us and given us small taste of the Batmobile in Arkham City. See, I don't even. No, I just, I just think I just, it's overused. But I, but I, or, I still just, think, yeah, Batman just does not, not rely on the Batmobile. It's just not a gameplay style that I enjoyed. Like, um, even still, like, after as many games as, uh, you know, they've had, I still like getting in a big fucking brawl with a bunch of bad guys. Yeah. Um, I will drop yeah. down into a, a pit of, like, 15 dudes yeah, and that's beat the still, fuck out of them all. That's still fun. And I fun. have fun doing it. That's still fun. Um, but the Batmobile missions, by the end, I was just like, yeah, I don't I don't fucking care. I don't, I don't want to do a Batmobile mission. In fact, uh, I'm, have you, you haven't beat it. No, uh, I'm, I'm. 12% into the game. But let's just say there's a sizable end game. And so when I got to the parts where like you have to do a like the Batmobile stuff, like I've been putting all that shit off because I don't, just don't care. I don't want to do the Batmobile stuff anymore. Yeah, like Riddler missions are optional at this point. So I'm just not doing them until I get done with everything else and I yeah, so I'm, I'm playing the, through the like, main story. I beat the game and I'm just like I don't fuck the Riddler missions. I don't I care. did the first one. I did the first one because I was just like at, at one point, like, you go to, um, like, the GCPD, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, there's these things happening as well. And so I'm just like, well, I'm going to go take care of all these things before I progress the story. And then I'm just like, where are the rest of the side missions? That's See, that's the one thing I don't like about Arkham Knight, too, besides the Batmobile. So I guess the second thing I don't like about it is in Arkham City, the side missions are all, like, they're out they're there. Weak. Like, you can go get them anytime during the game that you want. Like, you don't have to wait for specific times. And at this point, like, I did the, the three side missions that they told me about at GCPD, and I haven't apparently done anything that has triggered anything to tell me that there's other missions out there aside from the Riddler stuff. See, what I... What, uh... Okay, so while we're complaining about the game, the other thing that I didn't like about this is that um, the the missions that I really enjoyed in Arkham City and uh, were the ones where um, it's sort of like quasi stealth mode Batman. 
Um, right. Not the all-out brawls, but like the ones where you flip up on gargoyles and get under the floor grates and find out creative ways to take down dudes. Like that's absolutely my favorite did, part of the game. Did you actually play Arkham Asylum? Pretty light. Um, I played Arkham Asylum very briefly. So the whole like I own it on Steam. I just haven't played it. The the whole uh, gargoyles thing is really really a big part of Arkham uh, Asylum. Asylum. Yeah, and. Arkham City is where they make it a little bit harder, and like if you get caught on a gargoyle, like they'll mine them and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I love that whole stealth thing. Like I just, I just finished. Like Bryce was here last night, and I was showing him the game. Um, yeah. So the the gargoyles in the mines. I just, yeah. I, I just took on a whole bunch of dudes where like I was trying. It was the clock tower when you're supposed to get uh, meet Gordon at the clock tower. Mm-hmm. Toward the beginning, you know. 10% of the game or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, I can't go to the clock tower until I take out these guys. And so you're just like, okay, so I guess I'll go do that. And like that whole thing is, is predicated on stealth. Like you can't just jump down there because they're all heavily armed and they'll kill you in three shots. Yeah. So the one thing Bryce mentioned, but cause he's an outsider, like he's not played any of these games so far. And he's like, well, why can't you drag the body into the grate? So nobody knows he's missing. And I was like, shut up. that's what the developers said too they were like "Eh, we didn't code that so yeah off yeah pretty much yeah but i was like you know that makes sense (laughs) yeah um no those are my favorite i think that that it's sort of weird how this game like my two favorite play styles are such a dichotomy like i really really enjoyed the missions where we get to do that sort of classic arkham city uh arkham asylum sort of play style you know do the stealth missions from the gargoyles and find hiding spots and find all these creative ways to take down dudes which um arkham knight does expand on pretty well um they give you a a few different options as far as how you can take down the dudes and then um you know, the second part, you know, the complete opposite side of that is just the big knockdown fucking brawls yeah. that you can do in the, in the game are a lot of fun, too. So, well, it's funny because like Arkham Asylum, you fight Bane fairly early on in the game and this and the tactic that you use to defeat Bane is kind of the overall theme through the rest of the game, because like the the super Joker serum or whatever it is that he yeah. beats people up on, like they all attack you in a similar fashion to Bane. And so from that moment on until the end of the game, when you fight like jacked up super Joker, like it's the same tactic through the whole thing. Um, City kind of builds on a little bit and it's not necessarily that particular tactic, but like there's the Ra's al Ghul level where you have to do the gliding and you have to beat the timer. Yeah. um, Through that whole level. Fucking hard as shit, but it's nothing that you can't actually accomplish with a little bit of practice and whatnot. Like I feel like the, the shit with, um, the Batmobile and Arkham Knight, like they rely on it, but they also make it incredibly hard to master because that vehicle does handle like shit when you're, yeah, I, when I, you're I hate, I, accelerating. I, I just straight up hate how the Batmobile hand, handles. Yeah. Like there's no part of it that I like. like. Like I'm not good at driving games to begin with. And then when you give me a, a fucking vehicle that like, I'm going to miss my turn nine I'm, times I'm out of 10. Fine. Like in, in a lot of other driving games, like I can corner like a motherfucker in GTA five, but, uh, in, in Arkham Knight, I really just from f- front to back, I just did not like the driving. Yeah. Like I eventually kind of got it, but it never feels, it never feels good. Like it never, even when you hit everything just right, it never quite feels good yeah. because I just don't like how the car drives. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, anything else on Arkham Knight? No, I, I'm going to say I bought it on a black Friday deal. I paid 10 bucks for the game. 
And I, it's a phenomenal you, deal for that. Can, if you price. can get get the game for that much, then it, it's awesome. Go for it. Um, I I get it though. Like why so many people were pissed off at the initial PC release when it was so resource demanding, myself included. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I played it on a PlayStation Four. Um, that's how I eventually got to play the game. Was uh, buying it for PlayStation Four. And you bought it on PC, did you not? I did not. No, I I had my wallet out like I was just throwing right. the money at the screen when it came out. But um, almost immediately, like people were like, even though you have a fairly recent card that can play, you know, Skyrim on high settings uh, or on ultra high settings, not you, good enough for this game. Not good enough for this game. You're gonna you're gonna see you know less than thirty frames, and you're probably gonna have frame dropping all the time. I was like, well, fuck, you know, like my card wasn't even I think on the list of supported cards because the list of supported cards on that at that time were like mostly cards that were four hundred dollars. I had just up. built my machine like six months before this game came out, and it, yeah, top of the line, and and e- it it was barely good enough to play the game. E- even on even on systems running eight hundred dollar video cards, it, it was not good. And so, uh, it had so many Steam refunds. This this is actually around the time I think maybe in response to this game, Steam introduced the refund policy, and this game had so many refunds that they eventually pulled the game from Steam. Um, so uh, the developer pulled the game completely for a while. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't actually buy the game uh, on PC, even though I, I was really desperate to play it. I, I waited, and I think I eventually picked it up for a birthday or Christmas or something like that, uh, um, and played it on the PlayStation Four, and it was fine. Um, I mean, I would have rather played it on PC because, generally speaking, PC means you know all the all the graphics and shit like that, which are really, really very good. I think in Arkham, the Arkham games um, are better. Uh, but yeah, I played it on PlayStation Four. I'd say if you got it for ten bucks, that's a fucking steal. I'm, I'm like, actually happy with the with the graphics performance and stuff like that on the PS4. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, I, if even if you could get the game for twenty bucks at this point, if if you can find the game for twenty. 20 bucks 20 bucks is the regular price now. it's still it's still an amazing game like i would still totally recommend that uh you buy it even at regular price for 20 bucks so the nice thing about it is too is i got lucky when i bought it because i went to gamestop on black friday and the the copy that i bought was actually their last copy it was a display model nice that they'd literally had since the game released so when i opened it up it it actually had all the um the three like uh pre-order wow dlcs still in it so i i totally have those that's cool i'm actually kind of jealous there yeah uh all right so moving on from arkham knight i want to talk a little bit about the elder scrolls online so uh elder scrolls online it was also a black friday deal that uh, my wife actually picked up for me so she went black friday shopping because she's crazy um i was like don't fucking do that and she's like no i'm gonna and i was like but it's dumb and she's like no but still so she went black friday shopping actually on thanksgiving uh at like 11 30 or something like that and one of the things that she picked up while she was there was a game she thought i might like which was the elder scrolls online and so when i got the game i was like did you save the receipt um because basically everything i've heard about the elder scrolls online up until this point was uh it kind of sucked when it came out um it was kind of like it's trying to take all of the things that you loved about Skyrim and turn it into an MMO, but it basically failed on pretty much all accounts. It wasn't a good MMO. It wasn't a good Skyrim, you know, thing, and uh, that that was the consensus. Um, I read a little bit about it, and there were a lot of people, and I watched a particular YouTube playthrough that was like, um, as as he started the game, he was like, "Wow, uh, you know, this is not at all like how the game that you know that I I played the first time was." They've done a lot of different changes and stuff like that. Um, the other thing I was really turned off about the game is I thought, and it started out this way, um, I thought it was a subscription based game, uh, 
it's no longer a subs- subscription-based game. Uh, so that's the, that's a good thing too. You can just go buy the game and then you have it and you can play it online and all that stuff. Um, they do have another monetization model, which I'll delve into briefly later. But anyway, the short of it is, game's gotten a lot better. Um, the the game is actually totally playable. Uh, I have sunk quite a few hours into it this week um, because it's actually kind of a lot of fun. Um, it it is very Skyrim esque in a lot of respects, and there's actually parts of it that I like better than Skyrim. Like the combat system, I think is a little bit better than Skyrim because there's just more flexibility in what you can do. Um, I'm playing a mage-ish character. Um, because they have they have you know all the different classes sort of you know non classes because in Skyrim you know it's all based on skills etc you know like what kind of character you, you are is based sure. on what skills you decide to ve- to develop so I've gone with mas- basically magic stuff uh, for the most part um, and you know all of my points have gone to magicka not to health and and stamina uh, and I've had a lot of fun um, and the the combat system like I said is a little bit better because it's a little bit less boring like you don't just spam one button like that the, with Skyrim it doesn't really matter I think what kind of character you have um, the the basics of it is like you spam left uh, left mouse button for a while and then you hit right mouse button for you know a brief time to block or heal and then you hit the left mouse button a bunch of times and you strafe around the guy and whatever um, this game I, I like a little bit more because you get a lot more flexibility in combat um with the quick bar settings and stuff like that. So you can cast different spells and do things that weaken your opponents and, you know, keep them in place and so on. It, it's just a little bit better fleshed out than I think Skyrim was. The other, the other thing that I really enjoy is that, um, and I'm kind of surprised about this because uh, one of the things I said when they announced that they were going to do an Elder Scrolls online game was like, how many Thanes of Whiterun can you have? Uh, because the, the, the essence of Skyrim is that you get to eventually very quickly become this like super badass character. Um, like you're the Thane of Whiterun, you know, like this big important character, like within a few, few levels, you know, like a few hours of playing Skyrim, um, you know, maybe within the first hour, depending on which trip, you know, route you take, um, this game manages to accomplish that fairly well. I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but I think what happens is that your quests are sort of separate from other players. Um, so, like when you're doing, um, when you're playing through, you can see players completing essentially the same quests, but you can also see players that are clearly like on a different level of quests. So, like sometimes you'll go into an area that's contested by whatever bad guy. And there's other players that are just basically kind of chilling while you're getting aggroed to shit. Like, uh, so I think what's happening is, you know, they complete quests and, you know, the, the, the surrounding area basically changes a little bit from them for them. The other thing that's kind of cool about that, though, is there's a lot of times when you'll hit an instance and uh, there's a lot of other players hitting, hitting the same as instance. And so you can even if you, you're not intentionally co-oping with them, like because you can group in the game. Um, but most I haven't ever done that actually so far. It just occasionally there's been one or two times where it's like, well, it'd be a little uh, nice if I had a little bit of help with this. So I just wait and some other dude shows up and then we, you know, kick the shit out of that guy. So um, that's uh, Ryan was talking to me about this game earlier and he played uh, um, earlier I played like the first week and a half. And I could not fucking stand this game. But that's one of the things he noticed about it too is like you were saying, like you haven't really ever grouped with anybody, like and he he didn't either. Like, he was like that was just I, I that got, was what he hated about it is actually. I, I hated See, it that's funny because that's thing what thing is it's like when you play an MMO, you I feel like you go into an MMO to be a team. I was a ranger in this game. I didn't need a team. I walked into a 
a dungeon, I was like, okay, you're all dead. I don't give a shit about you. You're, I don't need a team. Yeah. Like, I didn't have to rely on anybody. See, I guess it depends on probably a little bit your viewpoint because on my end of things, like that's one of the things I liked. Like for me, one of the things that's hard about doing anything MMO related anymore, especially like World of Warcraft, I tried to get back into World of Warcraft four or five years ago. But the thing is, is that like at, at a certain point, it's like you can't really progress without either grinding your nose to the fucking stone for hours and hours and hours or by grouping and going after all the best quests and shit like that. And I could never commit very much, you know, to like a specific time to get groups together and stuff like that. And so that was kind of the thing with Elder Scrolls Online is I was worried that like if it's a straight up MMO, it's it's going to turn me off to the game pretty fast because there's not a lot that I'm going to be like. I just I don't have the time and it's not important enough to me that I'm going to make the time uh, to, you know, do the groups and the instances that way. So I actually liked it from the fact of like, I just treated it basically like a star, uh, a Skyrim expansion. Like, and, and if you play it like that, I think it's fine because uh, then you don't really get the, the um, you're not super disappointed in the MMO aspect of it. Um, you're just, you get a lot more than you get with a Sky, well, with and you got to take into consideration too. Like when Bailey played it, it was like super vanilla. Yeah. And like yeah. there's been updates now and there has and been and like for me going in that that aspect hasn't changed. I I don't think I like I'm on I, I've only hit level 10 so far. Um and that's level 10 is honestly probably one of the earlier ones because that's where you first get a, the option to do PVP. Um I think I made it to like 20 something. Yeah. And I was just like and I, the entire time well, I played by myself, I don't think I played yeah, but one you, time. So far, anybody. so far, I have not, I have not had any real necessity to group. Like everything that I've thought that I would need a, you know, a group for, I, I've basically just adjusted my tactics slightly, and then here's, I've been able to do the thing. The thing yeah, about MMOs now, is that at some point you get to a point where, like, there's always going to be like diehard fans of certain MMOs, like. Me? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, there's, I'm a there's WoW guys. guy because WoW is the first MMO that I was really introduced to besides uh, EverQuest. Yeah. And there was there was so much more to WoW than there was to EverQuest that I was just like, oh, yeah, like this is this is kind of my jam. But like there are people that still legitimately like pay monthly to play Final Fantasy XI. Okay. What? It's still up. Servers are still running. Like people play it still. I, mean, um, I guess. Whatever. And 14, I think, too. Like. I, I imagine eleven probably lost quite a bit when fourteen came out because fourteen was kind of like oh here's the new Final Fantasy MMO. Um, I don't know, man. Like there's there's people that dig that kind of stuff. Me, I would rather if I'm playing Final Fantasy, like I just want to play a Final Fantasy game where it's just me. Yeah, see, that's the thing for me. Like, um, and maybe it's different because I also said like five seconds ago I didn't understand how they would do a a Skyrim extension basically and turn it into an MMO. And in a lot of ways, I don't necessarily think they did. Like, there are other players in the game, and you certainly can group and and you know I imagine if like we all played like if you guys all regularly played the game, there would probably be nights where we'd be like, hey, uh, you want to group for a while? I'm gonna go do some shit, um, and that'd probably be fine. But uh, you don't have to so far. And actually that's for me, that's a plus. Like I, I don't, um, I, I like games where that I'm not reliant on, you know, certain stuff like that because it, it basically comes down to scheduling and all that kind of shit. Here's, which I just but can't then commit at that to. point, why don't you just release a, a solo game? Here's, here's the thing Scrolls? though. This is the thing about MMOs. 
Like that that was my well, main complaint. Well, in this particular case, the reason I don't have a problem with it is because this is going to allow them to fund content for longer. And and, and I don't I think first off, I think that my vision of this game is colored a little bit just for the sheer fact that I haven't played it long enough, like being only level 10 or whatever, I think I'm level 11. Uh there's there could be parts where I get to where you need to do more group instances and stuff like that or there's bigger rewards for group instances, but I just I haven't hit it yet. So this is this is the thing though. MMOs are strange, and gamers are even stranger. So gamers are a fickle lot, and yep, and yeah. it doesn't matter how much into a game that you think you are. Like I've got a buddy that's always trying to get people together for um, tabletop role playing games. Right? Yeah. The problem so he I- runs into is that his his people that show up every week are not the same people and sometimes he gets nobody yeah and i have the same problem it's actually the same thing with an mmo like unless you're the kind of person that's literally going to develop acne and just sit there 18 hours out of a 24 hour day and and play this game we're always going to find something different to do at some point. Mm-hmm. You know I, what I mean? And I that's, that. that's what's hard about the group mentality of an MMO is because like we could, we could, I could convince you guys both right now to be like, Hey, pick up a subscription to wow. Like we'll, we'll start playing wow. Like, you know, we'll do it this night, this night and this night. And then at some point our wives are just going to be like, you know what? We're going to do this this night. And so then I'm going to be like, okay, I can't play tonight. Cause we're going to do something else. And then the next night Eddie's going to be like, okay, can't play. Cause we're doing something else, you know? And then Ryan's gonna be like, Oh, I can't play. Cause we're, you know, and that's that's the nature of people who like video games, but also have a real life outside to live. of that. Yeah, you know? that's kind of the same problem. I, I'm actually trying to do the very same thing. Um, I have a friend who's also into tabletop RPGs, and I'm into tabletop RPGs, and I'd like to play. But the thing is, that requires scheduling. Like, and mm-hmm. and it, especially you know, like it'd be different. I think maybe if I had um, a job that was you know, like say nine to five, Monday through Friday, or something like that. And I'm sure Bailey shares the same you know sort of problem I have, which is we don't. Uh, no. I, I go to work when I have to go to work and that's essentially whenever the fuck they tell me to go to work. You, so you have, I have the most consistent schedule out of the three of us. You're probably next because typically you have the same days off as me, but you do and occasionally that, have to like, trade things. I don't have the same days off for most of the day, most of the next month or something like that. So. But like he's on a rotation. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he works four days. He has two days off. He works the next four days. So like his days off are different from week to week. Yeah. Every so time. And that never stops. I'd, I'd like to have that sort of uh, um, experience. Like I, I really wish that I could play an MMO the way it was meant to be played, you know, and have those group adventures and stuff like that. But the real world, even with consistent scheduling. days off, though, even with consistent days off, like things real life, real oh, life changes how you do things like kids, man. Well, I've got kids that don't live with me full time. So some weekends, like, I'd be great. I'd be like, yeah, we'll play. Yeah. But then other weekends, I'm like, no, I got all the kids. Like, a very real scenario, even with Elder Scrolls, is because because with Elder Scrolls Online, you can't pause. Like, you're still existing in the world. You right. can't pause. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this sort of scenario pop up all the time where I'm, I'm trying to play, and the kid fucking punches the other kid. So 
they can't pause I'm in the middle of fighting a guy so now most of the time it just means I don't play when the kids are around like I play when the kids go to bed or when they're in school or something like that on my days yeah. off and blah 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 so anyway that's a long digression to talk about uh, why MMOs are difficult for real adults yeah. and when I say that, real adults and- I just mean basically people who can't commit to a schedule so. no I mean that in the most insulting way possible because I mean yeah. hey I, fuck you everybody else <laughs> well here's the thing I know a guy that does tabletop role, uh, RPGs like he does it more regularly than anybody else I know. Here's the thing: it's Bryce, and it's because he doesn't have a he doesn't have a a, a a significant other or kids or anything like that. So like he he literally can be like, yeah, on Saturdays I will do this. Yeah, lots of not not the demand on schedules that we have. I, but even sure. even him, I've got a buddy like, that does tabletop, and he plays WoW on a consistent basis. But the thing that he he doesn't have children, he has a full time job. But the thing that he has. That none of us do is a girlfriend that's gonna help like do it with him. Like his girl plays WoW with him and does the tabletop. I see that's like living the dream. Like good like, on you, buddy. Right? But she doesn't have a job at all. Like Yeah, yeah. See like and, that sucks, but the the thing about it is 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 even with Bryce, like when he was like when he agreed to go because he was doing this regularly and then their group kind of disbanded because their I think it was their GM like moved to a different state and whatnot. And so mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're not going to do this anymore. And then they're like, well, we can Skype. Yeah, Roll20.net, bitches. Well, yeah, they're just doing it via Skype, I think. And so, um, like, they all get together at one location, and then the GM guy is at his location. But, like, yeah, they, they still can do it. But when, when they decided to, to get back into it and stuff, he even told them, like, when he first started, he's like, so here's the deal. There's going to be weekends when I'm not going to do it because of yeah. this, that, or the other thing. So even for somebody who doesn't have other obligations outside of going to work Monday through Friday, he still is just like, yeah, I'm not going to give every Saturday to it. And that's that's just the thing. It's like, it doesn't really matter. Like, gamers love to game, but at the same time, we also, we like pussy too? I mean, come on. <laughs> okay, that's a nice segue. Um, non-segue into talking about the Nintendo Switch. Speaking of pussies. Yeah. Yeah, let's... Let's talk about Nintendo a little bit. Nah, we're not talking about the Nintendo Switch. I did put a link in the show notes to a uh, video, actually, of the next v- Zelda game. Yes. A little bit of a gameplay uh, slash just trailer trailer. I have such a mega boner for this. Here's like, the deal. I'm not going to tell your wife this. this. I'm not going to tell your wife this because I know that you're going to want to buy a Switch at some point. But they are making this game for the Wii U as well, which I know you already have. Oh. Okay, well, if I have to play it on the Wii U, I will. Uh. Uh, man, I just, I really... Uh, All I have is a first-gen Wii, so, like, if I want to play this game, I have to buy a Switch, and that's the story that I'm sticking to. See, if you have, if you buy a Switch, though, I have to buy a Switch. Like, we were just <laughs> talking about this. You bought the big phone, I have to buy the big phone. Um. Anyway, yeah, there's a new Zelda game coming out, and this one looks really cool, and I'm really excited to play it. And, and it's if, open world. If, and, if I only uh, have to play it on the Wii U, that's fine. I'll do that. Um. Although I kind of think it's maybe a little bit of a dumb move on Nintendo's part not making it uh, Switch exclusive because well, I, they don't a have lot a release of... date for the the Switch yet. Consequently, like if you go to the pre-order site, like you can only pre-order the Wii U copy. So I think that's probably what the deal is. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like if if it were, if I were Nintendo, I would hold the Zelda game until I was ready to launch the Switch because a Zelda game. That's what sell... they did with the the. The first Wii, uh, well, no, they didn't no, actually. They did they, they ported nope. Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess was uh, it was a GameCube, GameCube game. game. Yep. Yeah. And then they cross-platformed it with the Wii. Yeah. Yep. And then so they did. Uh, if I were Zelda, what or was the if next I, one? If I were Zelda, if uh, Wind Waker. Yeah, the Wind. 
Was it Wind Waker? No, Wind no, Waker. No, it was wasn't Wind Waker. It was. It was uh, uh, Wind Waker was the one I was thinking of because Skyward they Sword. didn't. They didn't. Yeah, Skyward, Skyward Sword. Sword. Yeah. They yeah, because that was release the Wii, Wind Waker yeah, flippy thingy. It was they didn't Sword. release Wind Waker until uh, the Cube launched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with the release of Wind Waker, they also put in Ocarina of Time with it. So anyway, if I were Nintendo. I would definitely hold the next Nintendo game until the Switch came out because, quite honestly, that would sell a lot of Switches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think they're just not confident that they're going to get the Switch done in time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's done. I don't know what they're... I don't, I don't fault them this for that. Is, this, just... is, this is the period of time in gaming um, or with any electronic device that I don't understand. They're just like, okay, so it's done. Here, you've seen it. We put it in commercials. We've showed you how it works. But we don't know when you're going to get it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it takes time to manufacture. I get that part. Well, it's not that. It's not really done. Like, th- that's the thing. Like, um, this is, I remember the story they tell about the first iPhone demo. Um, the first iPhone demo that they did in, like, 2006, Steve Jobs uh, was, you know, practicing, and, like, half the shit did, just didn't work. So bug-ridden. Like, there was no guarantee that some of the stuff was going to work on stage. And so that's probably the state that the, the uh, uh, Zelda game is in right now. Like, they've got a lot of decent shots that you can show in a trailer and stuff like that, but not necessarily a solid product they can sell yet. So that's fine. That's kind of a normal part in the development cycle. Um, but I'm just saying, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that it's going to come to the Wii U because the Wii U is just a dog. Like it, it's not going anywhere as a console. Um, I, I, I'm sort of surprised that or maybe, the maybe the they tablet just... aspect of the Wii U I thought was fucking genius. It's cool because like my kids always want to play the Wii U. And the problem with, you know, that is that normally with any other console, they take up the whole damn TV and nobody else can use it. And so that's what's cool about the Wii U. They can still play the Wii U games uh, um, without actually monopolizing the TV. Uh, but that's also kind of its downfall, too, because it, when it comes down to it, it is, it is just a, a little tablet with the fucking, you know, controller on it. So that's, I think, where the Switch is is probably a little bit of a step ahead. You get an option to do either method, and it actually expands that. Because, like, my kid can't play in the kitchen because it's too far from the wii base console. Um, so, you know, doing this, you know, where they can play anywhere, it's it's actually kind of doubling down a little bit on the Wii U, which also kind of makes me sad for it because it makes me think that it's not going to do so well. Like, I really think that one of the things that Nintendo's missing the boat on is the sheer third party uh, um, aspect of this. Like, Nintendo first party product properties are great. Like, all of the Mario games I've really enjoyed um, for the Wii and the Wii U. Um, Mario Kart obviously is awesome. Zelda's awesome. Metroid's awesome. But Pretty much, Wii U doesn't have the software support that other consoles have because yeah, it's so yeah, fucking hard to write programs just for. Pick any game and it's going to be supported on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. And the Wii U is not even close to being mentioned because it's not even running at this point. It's not running on last gen's hardware. It's running on like a gen before that. So they just, you cannot make games at a similar fidelity it was like that too even Which for a while not what was intended with the wii u like the wii u like when it first launched they were like look we've got arkham city the armored edition like this is yeah but even then like go look at what arkham city looks like on a wii u compared to what it looks like on a playstation 4 it's like practically a cartoon drawing like yeah no um, i don't i don't i'm not i'm not saying that's not the case i'm just saying like when they first launched it like their intention was to have like an actual like yeah. grown-up console and they didn't do it 
Yeah, so I don't know. Like I, I'm hopeful for Nintendo because Nintendo is kind of like one of the one of the companies that pretty much always will have a soft spot in my heart. But um, I'm a little nervous because like if they're sticking with that same strategy of like you know, well, we're just gonna make really great first party titles and then everybody else can fuck off. Like I think it's where Nintendo for really them. is its bread and butter is the 3ds at this point in time. And so oh, yeah. if they take the Switch and they just say, see, I think that's an even sadder proposition because if you talk about the 3ds, like you know what, I think my kids would all be people that like 3ds's, but you know what they like better? iPads. iPads. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if that's their future, like just put a bullet in them because they're done. Like, it's all about proprietary things and stuff like that. But I think if they, I think if they were, if they were to, to release a switch and then within a year, stop making the 3ds so that like, I do think that that's a possibility. One of the podcasts I listened to this week <clears throat> talked about that exact thing. Um, the yeah. 3d, the, the switch could be like this blend between the 3ds and the traditional console. And I think that it would cover a lot of markets, you know, fairly well. So like the people that used to buy a 3ds could buy a switch cause now they can take their, uh, switch with them. And the people that used to buy a, a Wii, you know, can still keep buying the switch because it's still going to be, you know, a, you know, what console would be, power level that they're used to. What would be amazing to me is if they made the switch, uh, somewhat backward compatible and it could play 3ds games as well like if if i could just buy a nintendo switch and have both a system that i could play as a console at home and also have a portable system that i can just take with me and play fucking pokemon or whatever you know well, that's what they're billing it as I, I would be really kind of surprised to see that they didn't actually go that direction so uh, in fact they may already be honestly i should go watch the video again but i kind of feel like the switch is gonna do some of those things so yeah yeah, but you know the downside. The downside remains. In either case, um, it's just underpowered, um, and, and they're asking for a, a specialized proprietary thing. Like the you know the one thing about making an iPhone game is that there's millions and millions more customers uh, than there are for a Nintendo platform because it's a specialized device. Nintendo, you know, the, the Nintendo platform is a specialized device strictly for entertainment. Whereas if you buy an iOS device uh, or an Android device. Um, you know, there's lots of other things you can do with it. So just, you know, because of that, there's a lot more of those sold. We have millions and millions and millions more smartphone smartphones sold every day than we do game consoles. I think Nintendo recognizes that. I think actually, well, Mario this, Run. Yeah, yeah, this month Mario's coming out for iOS and Android. So we'll we'll see how that goes. iOS actually. Is it just iOS? It, at least for a, a, an early period. It'll Casey, probably come to Android at some point. But Casey was looking at it and she was like. I'm I don't like mobile games but I'm excited about this one. So Same for me. Like uh the the thing that I will give Nintendo is they know how to make a game. Like uh that's what really kind of keeps me interested in Nintendo as a platform. They really really know how to make a game. Just pick any of the platforms that they have and there's always a standout, you know, 2 3 4 titles that Nintendo has produced for those t- those uh platforms. And I don't think that this one's going to be any exception. I I really think that a Nintendo properly throwing its weight behind a a phone or tablet game could be amazing. Um so I I anxiously await and I'm I'm for sure sold on whatever it is they release on December 15th with the uh uh, Mario Run game. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll grab it too. Yeah. Um. Next in the the show notes, we have just a link for you to watch. It's a Majora's Mask uh video slash kind of short movie. It, it's a little yeah animated movie kind of thing. Vignette uh made by you know just like seven dudes or something like that. That's yeah, there's really like cool. seven seven guys. It started out with two dudes in the studio, and 
I read an interview and these guys asked him a question like how long does it take you and how many people do you have behind this or like we literally have it's like one people. guy who made it while I was in the can yeah um, no it's really good actually um, so check that out I'm gonna watch it again I think uh, probably this evening when I get home like when I first saw this I didn't watch the interview or anything like that I just right. kind of like ran across this and was like holy shit, this looks like something like Pixar or Disney would do. Like, the quality is that good. Yeah. And the setup to the story behind Majora's Mask and the darkness left me being like, I want a full fucking film. Yeah. yeah. Like, I want a full goddamn film, like, I now. anxiously await the possibility of Zelda live-action anything. Well, and, and yep. just the link between, like, Majora's Mask and then, like, Twilight Princess and stuff like that, like, with the darkness and all that kind of stuff yeah. is, is really cool. Here's, before we get off video games, um, and... and we um, have another well, video game. We do have another video game to talk about. Before we get off, like, Nintendo and, like, Zelda stuff, um... I think it's important to point out that one of the franchises that Nintendo has kept relatively relatively consistent over the last 30 years is Zelda. And granted, we're way above like the uh, top view Legend of Zelda graphics and whatnot, but like playing a Zelda game still feels like playing a Zelda game. Oh, yeah. It's really weird because they made that transition so well. Like I remember when Ocarina was coming out, Everybody was so fucking excited about that game based off of the the super, super, uh, I can't even remember what it's called, um, whatever the super version of um, uh, Zelda was. Link to the Past. Link to the Past. Everybody was so fucking hyped about Ocarina. And of course, Ocarina came out and sort of changed the paradigm entirely. Um, and now we've had just a string after string of, you know, like basically amazing games. I remember when... Um, uh, Wind Waker was coming out, and people were like, "What the shit?" This have looks you seen like- uh, Hyrule Warriors? Yes, it's not really a Zelda game, though. No, it's it's more no. like um, it's what, uh, Dynasty Warriors, Dynasty yeah. Warriors, or Warriors Orochi or whatever. But even it though is still like at its core, kind of Zelda. You know what I mean? And like, like I said, N- Nintendo knows how to make a game. Here's the thing: the point I'm the point I'm I'm driving at here is like the the folks at Square can learn something from this because like honestly the most recent releases of final fantasy and granted i haven't got my hands on 15 yet so i haven't really checked it out and i kind of want to but anything after final fantasy honestly nine really because 10 was great but it wasn't the final fantasy that i final grew fantasy up with it was like the last one i played so so I think I tried to play 12 and 13 and 13 too and i was just like i have 13 and it was all right, but it's so linear. Like, like it is compared to like Final Fantasy seven or eight, where like I can just wander the map and maybe yeah. I'm not supposed to be here yet. And the creatures that kill me will tell me that I'm not supposed to be here yet. But <laughs> you know, at least I can go there. Yeah. Whereas like Final Fantasy thirteen and um, you were on such a directional path. Yeah, that. like you can't do anything that isn't just a straight line outside of the wheel through the story. You know. Uh, I don't like that. And but with Zelda, like it, it feels like Zelda games. Like it, and from the original Zelda, like it didn't matter. Like you could go into Castle or not or Dungeon Number Eight, and you might get your ass kicked, but yeah. you can go there, or just couldn't get very far. You yeah, know? and honestly, like my brother was one of the ones that always went to like wherever you get the Book of Magic, whichever okay. one that is. Like I can't remember which 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 level that was but like he would always go there like first and 
because he could get to it without being able to beat the rest of the dungeon. Like he could at least get there, get down to the book of magic, grab it, and then do whatever else he needed to after he got the book to open up the game. Like he, my brother was a genius when it came to playing that game because he played it so much. But like you can do that kind of thing on Zelda, and it like it doesn't ruin the game for you. In you can just play. Yeah, um, I, I think. Ocarina and Majora's Mask are a little bit more linear. They are a little more linear in a but, sense of like you need to hit certain checkpoints and with Ocarina order to move further. With Ocarina, the biggest like, yeah, sort of like the biggest thing I remember was like you could get to a lot of different areas, but you'd eventually hit some snag in that you didn't have the piece of equipment necessary to you know like um, like the slingshot thing or something like yeah. that. You, you couldn't grab the thing, so you couldn't go any further. Um, but you could still travel a lot. But of it still feels places. like a Zelda game. Yeah, I mean, know? like yeah. you could go to high. Hyrule Lake or you could go to like another big one was like say after you got out of when you were young and you got out of the main like Hikari Village or whatever Mm -hmm. you couldn't go past that without beating the Deku Tree yeah and getting the forest stone or whatever yeah but then you had to hit you had to get the next spiritual stone to move forward in that right and it was just like this progression of just like you hit these certain checkpoints in the story that you couldn't get past without the next yeah. piece. Like I was just I was telling him earlier, like I've got on my Wii, my original Wii, like I've got the virtual console editions of Zelda, Link's Adventure, uh Link to the Past, yep. Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask. I've got all those. Like I can just boot up my Wii and play those whenever. And I do from time to time. It's just one of those things that like the Final Fantasy franchise would that was so great and honestly my favorite game series of all time really but like every time i see like a new one coming out i'm like this still isn't my final fantasy yeah seven's amazing seven seven and eight both are just two of the games that are just like i think that's no. a very big divide for a lot of people seven and eight yeah yeah now think nine was fun now nine going, was actually fun too but now, now going back to the majora's mask like video snippet i sent you guys Tonally, what would you rather see, like a version of Ocarina of Time? Because I've seen, I've heard several different versions. Would you rather see Ocarina of Time or well, Majora's see, Mask? My, my... honestly, if we were ever gonna do a, a Zelda movie, I'd want to see like the original story done, like Link versus Ganon, Triforce, Princess Zelda, just the original story, and then after that, probably Ocarina. Yeah, Ocarina for me is like probably like this. This colors my decision because Ocarina for me is probably like you know. There's a few things that you remember. Like if you're a gamer at all, there's a few games you remember playing. Mm-hmm. Like and they are just one of the things that shapes gaming for you. They're just one of the things that makes gaming something that you really want to do and be a part of. And Ocarina for me is one of those things. So Ocarina was probably the first Zelda game that I really played. I mean, like I'd played some of the other games on Super Nintendo and even regular Nintendo. Um, um, but I'd never really gotten into them, especially because when it, re- you know, Zelda was a thing on regular Nintendo. It just wasn't a thing I got at that age. Like I was probably like seven uh, or something like that. But Ocarina, when Ocarina came out, I remember me and my buddy got it and we uh, basically just played it through. Like every day we'd get a home after school, we'd uh, go sit down and we'd swap the controller back and forth and just play that shit until we beat it. And it took us about two weeks. And to this day, that still re- remains one of my like favorite memories of gaming just and in general. First of all, the game you got to ride a horse. Oh, yeah. 
Um, that too. And just three dimensional. And it, it just, was the first Legend of Zelda game. It was three. Every everything yeah. uh, everything about that game to me was sort of like the penultimate of gaming at the time. It was and, very, and because it, it was during my formative years, I have a lot of nostalgia coloring it. But yeah, so for for, for me, that's an easy answer. O- Ocarina, because that's the one I know. That's the one I love. No no question. And back to your thing with the original story of Ganon, Ocarina of Time is that game that you could put those elements yeah. into it with the Triforce because it is that game is highly derived. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but like for the same nostalgic reasons that Eddie has for Ocarina, like that was me and my little brother, like because my my dad bought a Nintendo for my brother the same year that he wanted to buy one for me, but my mom was so anti-video game, like she just wouldn't let him do it and whatnot. So like every time I went down there and and spent time with my dad and my brother and, and my stepmom and stuff, like it was at, at the time my stepmom worked graveyard and my dad was at work. So she was sleeping all day and I was, and me and my brother were awake while my dad was at work. And so like, we would just sit there and like Eddie said, for hours at a time, like, pass the controller back and forth and just play like the original Zelda game. Like that was, see, that's the other thing that I liked about that. Um, and I don't know if it was the same for you, but like even not having control of the controller, even at that age where I was so fucking impatient, like I could just watch that game. Like there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's a few games that are that good that like, you don't care if you're the one playing or not. Like the original tomb Raider, one of those games, like we, we bought that. Oh um, yeah. When that game was out. yeah. Yeah. Like, and we would, in fact, we went through two copies of it because there was one level that we had a hard time passing, and and the dude that bought the game originally like was so upset that he destroyed the disc. <laughs> but yeah. but that was uh, the huge benefit of not having a cartridge because like after he destroyed the disc, like me and my other buddy went out and like we chipped in and bought the game and like took it back and like because we had the memory card on the PS One, like we're just, you like, could actually still play. Hey, it. look, yeah. we're in the same game. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. But yeah, no, I, I I think Zelda is one of the few uh, games or game series that like really withstands the test of time and like still holds true as a Zelda game. Oh, See, yeah. and there you go. You made my point for me. That's why I, I think that Nintendo should just hold Zelda until the Switch is ready. And on that news, we're going to move to our next piece of video game topic, and that is The Last of Us. Zombies. Uh, the Last of Us zombies, sort of, not quite, sort of. but yeah, basically, uh, a little bit, not really. Uh, <laughs> the Last of Us Part Two has been announced. Naughty Dog tweeted just a basically a single frame that just says The Last of Us Part Two in the Last of Us title credit style, and for a lot of us that has us very excited because although I haven't beat the game, mostly because this is another game that I don't want to play in front of my kids because it'll scare the shit out of them. And B, um, it is a frustrating game sometimes. Um, like it's one of those games where like. Um, you play a level over and over and over again because there are so many different and new creative ways to die. Uh, I haven't beaten yet, uh, but this is a game I'm really excited about because this is also another game that I, if you wanted to say, like, is video gaming an art form or is it just a mindless waste of time and blah, 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 I would hold this game up and say, or this would be one of the games I would hold up and say, yes, no, video games are an actual art in much the way that movies and TV are. So... This game and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, mainly because I wanted to listen to ska music uh, uh, over and over again. And skate on a video game underneath the Burnside Bridge. And because I can do like a, a uh, you know, like four 1080s in a row or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And grind for five hours. Yeah. 
You want to so, grind? I can grind for, you know, at least three miles. No, this is pretty cool. The Last of Us is is definitely one of those games that, like... It, have you played it? Um, I have not actually played played it, but I have watched it. Okay, so played. we're getting to the point now where this is another game that uh, is on sale more or less constantly, or is becoming cheaper and cheaper just as a norm. I think, like, the normal price for it now is 20 bucks, and I think this is another, like, game that I saw $10 on Black I'll, I'll probably deals. check it on the PlayStation Store. Yeah, if you can pick it up for anything less than $20, I'd say probably definitely go for it. As much as I haven't played through the end, because uh, unfortunately real life, uh, I it's 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 a fantastic game. Like I was immediately gripped by this game uh, within the first, say, 10 minutes of gameplay. So Yeah, so I have an advantage that you don't have, and that is uh, my older daughters are older than all of your kids basically yeah and and so like i'm starting to get to the point where like i can start watching things and play things on tv that like normally would scare kids but my kids are like oh that looks really gory let me sit down and watch it yep so um yeah no i'm excited like i'll i'll definitely uh at least watch some vids of this game until i can get my hands on the original i'm i'm, I'm a completionist kind of guy though so like i absolutely won't play this sec the sequel until i actually have played the, play first, the first one game. And, and play it yeah. through but that's just me. Yeah, this is a game that, um, you know, like I have a friend, uh, a friend that uh, talks about like enjoys the story of games, and so a lot of the times he'll just turn down the difficulty setting so he can get through and see the story. And this is a game that I probably feel like is that case. Like I'm, I'm thinking about doing that myself. I'll probably turn the difficulty like basically all the way off, just so I can, or you know, as low as I can get it because the story is so amazing in this game. So, yeah, uh, yeah, check it out. All right, so let's talk about some more stuff. And first up, let's, we're going to talk about. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Before we what talk about we music, got? yeah. Um, I read an article today that I did not put in the show notes, but be- that's because I, I, I tossed around the idea of not putting in the show notes. But then I've been reading uh, this particular comic book for so long that uh, I can't not. Uh-huh. So I, I, I texted you earlier and told you that I'm, I'm actually I just finished Spawn number forty. You right. did. So, uh, interview with Todd McFarlane, uh, just recently. He is definitely trying to move forward with a new Spawn movie. It is not going to be a sequel to the Spawn movie that already has been out. Yeah, just forget that existed, probably. He wants to do a Spawn movie that is actually more of a horror genre movie. That would be awesome. Yes. Um, Here's the thing, though. Him directing the movie... Is, I don't know about that. ...is a deal breaker. Like, he, he spent so much time on this that, like, he's not going to not direct it. So... What he wants to do is find a, uh, a studio. He wants to make it for around $10 million. And Wow, that's a crazy low budget for this type of movie. Well, that's, that's, that's his thing, though. He's, is he's like, I can probably get a studio that will give me the $10 million to do it and let me direct it. He's like, I'm not going to find a studio that's going to give me $50 million to do it and then let me direct it because I've never directed anything before. So... I mean, that makes sense. In, in the genre of horror, I think you can get away with that. Oh, and yeah. I think with the story of Spawn... Um, I, I think you can do it as a horror movie, and I think you don't have to have a, a huge budget to do it at this uh, point. I think as long there's as you so many visual effects of, things that are available for no cost now. I think as long as you keep it out of hell, you're okay. Yeah. Um. As long as you keep it yeah. out of like an other dimension other than Earth, 
you should be fine. Yeah, that's that's kind of his his whole thing like though. That is that like that ten million really dollar budget can now. all go to spawn and maybe it, the one villain he's going against. You know, against. I'd really want to kind of see the screenplay for this because that's going to be the make or break. Because Spawn is a movie that could be served well by a large budget. In which case, like you said, they wouldn't let McFarlane untested direct it. Um, unless he had some amazingly genius vision that they just couldn't be denied, and it, which is so exceedingly rare as to be impossible. Um, but I could see this being a low budget movie, and I could definitely see this being a horror genre, you know, sort of quasi horror genre, not necessarily full on. But um, yeah, no, I'm on board. Like, there's no way I wouldn't watch it. So sure, yeah, do it, yeah, make it happen, no. Todd McFarlane. Um, McFarlane. I just look at like the Spawn animated series, which I. It's down there on the shelf. Right here. There you go. That's the box set, everybody. All three seasons. You can't see that because this is a podcast, but it's right there in front of us. All three seasons of the Spawn animated property, which I think originally aired on HBO. It was an HBO series, and, and it was fucking fantastic. As I'm told, yes. Yeah. Have you not watched it? I don't think I have. I think it's on the. Um, I think it's on HBO it. Go. I probably should then. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, if it's not, I'll loan you the DVDs. Yeah, and I'll keep them forever. <laughs> Like I do with everything else you loan me. Okay, um, maybe I'll rip them digitally and and send them. Yeah, to that's you. a solid pr- plan. But um, uh, no, it's it's. Don't worry, you get small back, Smallville back eventually. And yeah. I've only had the Black Label Society, uh, Black Label Society's D- CD for like I don't know, like eight years or something. Something like that, dude. Yeah. Uh, Bryce just told me today for Christmas, instead of like getting me an actual present, like we're gonna go to the brew shop and he's gonna buy all the ingredients for some Lando. Dude, what's Bryce getting me? Uh. Uh, he didn't Bryce, say. <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening, uh, this is awkward. Uh, so, right. Anyway, no, Spawn movie, uh, definitely in the works. McFarlane has to direct, though, so we don't know when it's going to actually happen. Yeah. That's quasi-cool news. On the other hand, like I'll wait until I see something solid come you out. You know what? So. My buddy my buddy Alex, though, is going to be on the show um, in the near future who has worked for McFarlane Toys, so maybe he can give us some insight on... Dude, what, maybe what, we could just call Todd McFarlane. Is like. Yeah, we'll just call him. Yeah. Who knows? I'm sure that'll be fine. All right, so let's talk some music. Uh, we have really one thing we can talk about. I guess you guys could talk and I could go like fuck off for a little while, but uh, <laughs> Metallica. Metallica released a new record relatively recently, and one of the uh, show's pieces of homework was to listen to said album. There was there was actually several pieces of homework because uh, we're the pretending last there was one. Few months we've had three records drop that that we talked about um, on the show that you'll never hear. But we talked about the new Metallica record. We talked about uh, the okay. Avenged Sevenfold record, the stage. Yes, and we talked about Corn. Uh, Corn. Uh... We definitely did. Yeah, I don't remember that record. I don't know, but I know the name of the Metallica album is something. Serenity of Suffering. Serenity of Suffering is corn. I was like, that's definitely not Metallica. Um, (laughs) Hardwired to self destruct. Hardwired to self destruct. Yep. And spoilers. I like this album. Um, this is actually one of the first albums. Like, I didn't really like Saint Anger as much. It wasn't as bad as I thought everybody nope, said it was. Did. Everybody was. Everybody complained about the drums, which is a totally valid criticism, and it wasn't a great record, but it wasn't horrible either. Um, I didn't really listen to Death Mag- Death Magnetic at all. Um, quite you honestly, should. you should at some point because it is definitely a uh, several steps better than Saint Anger. Yeah, but it it's not quite at the level that hardwired. But on prodding from Mr. Matthew over here, who said it is probably the best album of the modern age, uh, or going back 
how far did we go back? 20 years, I think. 20 years. So we yeah. probably went back to the Black Album there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he said it's the best album since the Black Album. I decided to check it out, and I was pleasantly surprised. Like, it is a really solid Metallica record. Like, um, it does give me some vibes of the Black Album. It does even give me some vibes of some stuff before that, like Master of Puppets. Uh, it's definitely Justice a lot of Master of Puppets. There's a, there's some justice in there, too, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, um, But we get some old Metallica sounding in there, too, but, like... Um, I don't know. I don't. I I can't expand on it a whole lot because I haven't listened to it so much that I really have a lot of deep thoughts on it. But I will say that as a sort of casual Metallica fan, um, I did get some good uh, uh, um, memory of past Metallica, but still in a completely new or, or you know good new way. Um, so. I don't know. It's a solid record. Uh, definitely a solid Metallica record, and I could definitely recommend it. I don't know that I could say that it's the best album since Black Album, just simply because I'm not a big enough fan of Metallica to make that claim. But um, it's it's good. Like I I'm am. gonna listen to it again. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I I definitely dig this album. Uh, Kirk Hammett plays some amazing solos on this record. <laughs> that for sure, yes. Uh. And and that that is for me like I'm I'm the guy that always wanted to play guitar but never really took the time to learn how but mm. I really listen to guitar on every record. That Once I you know to, about and it's, it, it, and five it, chords or something like that, you can't help but not. Yeah, hear it's it. it's super important um, for me. And like that's one of the things I hated about saying anger is there there was literally like no, no solos yeah. on it. And I'm like, why do you even have Kirk Hammett on the record if he's not playing a solo? Because that's it's a waste of talent to me. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, you know, you hear James Hetfield do like a yeah every once in a while, and that's pretty normal. Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, your Hetfield uh, is fucking solid. My Hetfield is really solid. I can, I can, and yeah. I can even end every sentence with a nah if I want to. So you know. <laughs> nice, guys. I, I, if I close my eyes, I don't even know who I'm looking at. Right? Yeah. Um, no, I, I I dig this record. Like it is to me. Like it really is the best record since the Black Album. And it, there's even some tracks on here that are probably better than some of the tracks on the on the Black Album. Because uh, let's face it, the Black Album is the one that everybody knows. But I mean, it's, it's also the one that's horribly divisive amongst hardcore Metallica fans. Yeah, because fans. it's it's where like Metallica fans are like, nope, this is where they fucking jump the shark. Yeah, because I mean that the Black Album is essentially the Metallica record where they stop being just hardcore thrash metal. Um, early, early. It, here's the thing, thrash. man. I don't, yeah, I don't think they were really ever thrash beyond Kill 'Em All, and that's that's what a lot of people don't get. Like, you listen to this shit, like like Ride the Lightning. That record is so well produced; it's ridiculous for a band as young as Metallica was at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Fair. Master Puppets, exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason a track like Orion should have been as good as it was and it's fucking amazing Orion's one of my favorite if not my favorite Metallica song yeah like that song is so damn good so like anytime they're like oh well they're just not the thrash metal we like well they were never the thrash metal that you liked unless the only album you liked was Kill 'Em All okay so that's that's what I'm gonna say about that um maybe Garage Days Garage Days was pretty thrashy in fact it was way thrashy but it was also demos for the Mm -hmm. most part so I yeah. mean, it's not going to be not. But, um, yeah, no, I, I I really dug this. I, I didn't think that Lars had uh, a super big... Actually, I will say one of the other things I noticed about this record is that um, Lars 
is one of the um, names, like if you just say drummer, Lars is probably one of the names that you might pull up in your head, but I've never liked him as a drummer. Like I've never found anything that he's done particularly interesting on drums, uh, but I actually enjoyed this record uh, from from a drum standpoint. Yeah. So yeah, no, I don't. I don't think he had like the kind of input that he had on Saint Anger, for sure. But like his his drum tracks were super strong in in the new record. So uh, I I enjoyed that. I mean, it, it, it. I don't know. I don't speak well enough in in like I don't know enough drums to really speak to the talent or anything like that behind it. But I've just never found his drum playing like particularly interesting. Um, but this album actually, I was listening to the drum tracks and he he does a pretty solid job. So, um, I, I the one track that I know that you've heard that you can tell that the drums are outstanding on is is one on, yeah. from Justice for All, and that's I mean, just mm-hmm. the the double kicks and everything like that that he does is pretty cool yeah, yeah it, it, he does a good job um the next record that we listened to we <laughs> oui. uh was avenge sevenfolds uh the stage record and this was kind of a challenge that bailey and i laid out between ourselves which was like hey this uh, was my main focus i didn't i didn't listen to the metallica record so i still need to go back and actually listen to yeah, that yeah but but bailey just he was like hey i'm not a big avenge sevenfold fan i'm like well i'm not that big of a corn fan so we kind of challenged each other to, each other to listen to the the new records from both um, and we kind of came off with the same impressions of both albums, like from either one of us, like I'm still not more of a corn fan than I was before. And he's not really more of an Avenged sevenfold fan than he was before. Um, but we can take away the good parts out of it and be like, yeah, that was not, yeah. that was great. Yeah. Like, so to me, um, the, the most recent experience I have with corn is from the queen of the damn film. Phenomenal! Oh my God, Jonathan Davis wrote and such Jonathan good Davis music for did that. that soundtrack like himself mostly. Unfortunately, the soundtrack itself is not him because that of uh, uh, between Warner Brothers, Brothers and and, uh, and Epic, uh, Epic, Epic Records, Studi- like they yeah. couldn't come to a deal. So it's David Draymond actually doing it, a lot of the songs that Jonathan Davis wrote for that. It movie. It was David Draymond, Static X, Marilyn Manson. Uh, he had a lot of guest artists, Lincoln Park. Uh, there was a lot of guest artists on that record, right. like subcontracted but to do this. The only way to actually hear the original music is to watch the film, and because he's he's in it. Or there's a thing, uh, and I'm sure you could find this on the Apple Music Store that you have, because I found it on Google Play. And if you can't, I have the CD. Jonathan Davis did this uh, alone. I play thing, and it's all acoustic, but he does a lot of songs from the queen of the dam that he never got to do live he's like i've always wanted to do these i've never got the chance but they're acoustic and they're like stand-up bass and it's just phenomenal yeah and they do some old corn songs they never do like alone i break and stuff like that it's just oh it's so money right so if you ever get a chance check out alone i play and it's it's great so um there's there's some good tracks uh on both these records. So the event sevenfold for those of you who don't know is a record that's predominantly about, um, the rise of artificial intelligence and where it's, it's taking us as a people down horrible. Right. Um, it's a good record. And, and Ryan was like, so I'm not a big fan of the vocals. Uh, M shadows doesn't do it for him vocally. And honestly, his range hasn't been the same since the sounding Eddie, come on, help me out. Avenged? Yeah, Sounding Seven Trumpet. Is that... Dude, I really can't help you. I'm not really a big fan of Avenged. Like, I'm more likely probably to listen to the Korn album at any time in the near future because... Well, I expect you to listen to both. 
I, I probably will. Uh, <laughs> that was homework. I, I didn't ever really like Avenged, like, uh, just quite honestly. Like, um, I, I've only heard a couple of tracks by him, honestly, and nothing really grabbed me. Um, so I haven't really put any I'm, stock into it. I'm a it, big so. fan of their their uh, self-titled Avenged Sevenfold record but quite I a bit. But I am right now adding it to my library on Apple Music. Um, Apple, you can sponsor too. Sponsors yeah. at whatever.co. Yeah. Uh, use your shit, dude. Come on. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to check that out and uh, also the Corn record too. So that's that's going to download in the background here while we, we you know continue the show. So um, the Queen of the Damned uh, reference that I made earlier, though, like the thing is, is the the tracks on on the new Corn record, um, kind of brought me back to that moment in time uh, for Corn, um, and then there was one standout track that I really dug, which featured guest vocals by um, Corey Taylor, Corey Taylor from Slipknot and, A and uh, World. Stone Sour. Yeah, that's that that song itself, like it it does kind of bring chills to my spine when i hear it because it's it's, it's very really queen good. of the damned-esque but there's a lot of elements in the new corn album that bring out two albums no three albums in my mind they mix they took three albums and they meshed you them can't leave one. life of life is peachy out of that equation because like the whole like uh almost rapish uh throaty yeah. shit that he does like or even follow the leader right like follow the leader to me like Aside from Adidas, was Adidas on that record? Or was no, that Adidas Peachy? was on Life is yeah. Peachy. So all yeah. of that shit to me is more Life, Life is Peachy than Follow the Leader. It's like song number six on Life is Peachy. Yeah. But, uh, it, it, like I said, I'm not like a regular corn listener, and I don't know that I ever will be, but I did not regret the time that I spent actually listening to this record. And there's a few tracks on there that I'll listen to regularly at this point. You know what I mean? So it's... Um, it's just not one of those things that, uh, I don't know. I'm just not a huge, Jonathan Davis is, is in, he's an enigma cause he's got this weird voice and he, and, and if you listen to his lyrics, like you genuinely be afraid of the guy, but then when you see him, like he's such a fucking little pussy. Dude, like, I've met the dude. <laughs> I've met the guy. Like I've talked to this dude and he's actually really fucking nice. I, I don't doubt it. Like he is like he is a genuine dude and he's like super nerdy. Like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Like he, he's uh, I'm actually cool excited dude. to listen to the court record to see because um, I haven't listened to anything. I think past not follow the leader. What was after follow the leader? Life is peachy. No, right? no, no, no. no that, follow the leader was, was follow after leader is issues. It went self-titled life is peachy. Right. Uh, I don't think I've listened to anything after Fogel issues. Leader, issues, untouchables. Take a look in the mirror. See you on the other side. Untitled. Jesus. Remember who you are. And then yeah, uh, I haven't listened to anything after issues, so I'm just curious to see how they're going to catch up from the the 90s. Uh, like I haven't listened to anything you know since 1999. So this album, maybe you're going to hear you're going to hear some common themes from the stuff that you're familiar with. Then because I, I think this was kind of uh, well, there's I don't want to say return to form, but it. Oh, they do. They've it's, they've returned to ten. Like they've, to me, they've returned it to form tenfold. Bringing back Brian Head Welsh, their former guitar player, was a huge. Oh, step. did he lose Jesus? No, he's no, he's okay. no, he's still with them. Because like he he found Jesus and he was like, no, I'm not doing corn anymore. And then okay. yeah, no, there was that whole thing for a while. But then he was like, I think I can still probably like Jesus and and still be in a band. Well, Fieldy was the same way. Like Fieldy lost his father i've read fieldy's book and i've read head's book 
and Head did it for the right reasons. I just, I just, I'm a little sad because but, there's guys named Fieldy and Head who have books that people have read and I do not. <laughs> yeah. Okay, go on. And Head did it for the right reasons, and he came back when he felt the time was right, and that I respect. And Corn, Jonathan Davis himself, he's like, this spot has always stayed open. We've never put anybody in this spot because we wouldn't have anybody else other than him here. Like, they've had guest guitarists be behind, like, the drummer. Yeah. Like, you see them on stage, but they're not there front and center. Right? Yeah. I can respect that. Yeah, for sure. Um, the Avenged record uh, that we talked about uh, just briefly, like, one of the things that Ryan commented to me was, like, he's not a fan of, of M. Shadow's vocals, um, as, as I said before. But I felt they lacked a lot of depth. But the musical side of the record, I, I, don't, I don't think you can beat the way that uh, Sinister Gates plays on this record. Like, he's so fucking good. And it's really apparent that he played his fucking ass off. Okay. Just, yeah, the guitar, not even just the guitar, like the guitar, the drums, the bass, everything. That was the first thing I noticed, though, was like listening to the record, I was just like, he's playing the shit out of that thing. Like, it's just good. Yeah. It is just... My like I just listened to it and like there was a couple songs that I just like I'm a vocal person but there was times where I was like I don't care I'm I'm also a guitar player and this is all I'm listening to right now is the guitar like I don't give a shit about this guy's vocals anymore and the last track I think is like 13 minutes long yeah somewhere it's around there. pretty long um but like you get a nice outro from uh, uh why am I not thinking of his name right now is it bill hicks now that'd be a tool no record. no it's the cosmos guy that's not carl sagan oh uh, degrassi tyson neil yeah degrassi tyson. neil degrassi tyson yeah like he he fucking does the an entire outro because what they originally wanted was to get the cosmos uh piece that sagan did and they contacted the sagan institute and they're like no that's we 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 can't even license that anymore because it's like it's kind of we put it in the hall of fame it's, it's or retired yeah. yeah and they were just like well what about neil degrasse tyson they're like yeah call him he'll probably do it and then like they tried to get in touch with him and then never heard back and then it turns out like their manager and his manager like were friends and whatnot and they're like oh yeah we can like we'll, we'll get you in touch with him and like he responded right away how the hell weird is that yeah yeah, like, so could you like, imagine like they were both at the same cocktail party, like the boys from Avenged Sevenfold? <laughs> can you imagine Neil deGrasse Tyson over there giving a, a a lesson on like how a black hole works or something? Yeah, can you imagine an astronomer that has a manager? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> I feel like Neil deGrasse Tyson is one of those guys that just has his hands in like all kinds of pots. Yeah. Oh no, well, just, like, he does. He's well, that he's that guy that knows everybody and he's all the right the gospel people. man. Yeah. Like that's his yeah, whole thing. Is it, like. The dude is a oh god. So like he does he does like a big a big piece at the end of the the record that's that's pretty cool and like I the whole record is is good. Um, I've never really been into the uh, more screamy type vocals anyway. So for me, M Shadows is never really, he, like he's never been like the preeminent frontman to a band for me. Um, but I don't hate it. It's it's be, but I think. It's like you said. It's a lot of it is because of the music, mm-hmm. uh, the music behind it, and I'm a fan of of um, Avenged anyway. Like I really like the Hail to the King record, and and uh, as I said before, the self titled record. I still call that the Triple H album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I just do. So anyway, Eddie's got some work to do because he kind of failed this. Hey, I just put it on my phone. Particular uh, only a day after the episode, you know, we were due for this homework, just like usual. Um, so next up on the news, uh, this is actually probably one of my favorite pieces of news in a really long time. And I don't know that anybody's going to care, but it's my podcast too. So fuck it. I'm going to talk about it. And I'm going to pee while you do. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so this news, actually, in the episode that you'll never hear, we talked about a little kerfuffle um, with the Hamilton cast uh, calling out Mike Pence. And by calling out, I mean politely asking that he remembers that they are people, too. Uh, we talked about that, and uh, since then, a lot of shit has come out. But one of the things that's come out is that Hamilton, the play, um, which is on Broadway, is really fucking good. So fucking good that in spite of a boycott, uh, you know, quote-unquote boycott, it's sold out for like the next year. So I'm not sure how you boycott something that's sold out for over a year, but whatever. Uh, one of the things that's interesting about this, though, is that this sort of ties two worlds together for me. Uh, one is my love of musical theater, um, which doesn't exist and hasn't existed ever but now with the interest of Hamilton I, I at least will look at that direction um, and the, the reason it ties it together is because one of my actual favorite things uh, Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss which is part of the King Killer Chronicles books um, is being made into both a TV show and a movie um, and that's going to be overseen by Lynn manuel Miranda, who is in charge of uh, and uh, largely responsible for Hamilton. Um, so previous to this week, I didn't really know anything about uh, Lynn manuel Miranda other than that he did uh, um, Hamilton, mostly because through the controversy I had seen that come out. Uh, and then I'd gone back and I was you know, reading some of the tweets and stuff like that. And it, it, he's actually tweeted back and forth with Rothfuss. And, you know, he said, you know, like, I really enjoyed the music in this piece. And this, when I did this part of Hamilton, I was trying to go for the feeling that you conveyed in this chapter of the book. And I was like, oh, this guy gets it. Because uh, one of the things that's difficult to translate into the this book, into the movie, is um, the musical aspect of it. Um, so I'm really excited for this because this has always been a concern for me. Like, how are they going to do a movie or a TV series or anything like that without getting the music part of it right? And it seems like they've probably found the best of both worlds here in finding somebody who both loves the property and has a heavy musical background so my nerd boner could not be any harder you wouldn't pull like if you could pull me out of the stone you would be the king of england um but in actuality i'd just break the stone it's so hard right now um I'm really excited about this, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, this is my favorite book series ever, and it looks like it's in competent hands. And the other interesting thing here is that Patrick Rothfuss, um, unlike a lot of books creators, like, say, Terry Goodkind in the Sort of Truth uh, um, series, which got made into the Seeker thing, uh, which was... Uh, a very bastardized version of a already not great story... Um, this isn't going to be the case. Patrick Rothfuss has a large overseeing creative creative part on this, um, which I, again, I couldn't be more excited about because if there's nothing else Pat Patrick Rothfuss knows how to do, which is certainly, uh, you know, one of the things he wouldn't know how to do is adhere to a schedule. But one of the things he knows how to do is tell a great story. And, uh, so I'm really excited about this property coming to us in this manner. Um, TV and movie also leads to many possibilities for interesting things. Um, Rothfuss, Rothfuss has, of course, built a great story in the whole Quoth series and uh, 
also, you know, a, an amazing world to have other stories in, which he stated over and over. He plans to do more stories in this universe. So, uh, yeah, go go to it. Make it happen, boys. This is the part where I emasculate, Eddie. Go on. My Again. wife says that you either can leave the toilet seat up or not put away the chairs, but you cannot do both. <laughs> okay, fair. Anyway, no, that sounds like I have no idea what you're talking about. So, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I'm you know, lost. I appreciate you letting me just talk into the microphone for the last like five and a half minutes or whatever. To be fair, I urinated for part of that. So, uh, well, we're going to count that as a win for me still. Yeah. All right. Um, last up on the docket, Matt and Ryan talk about something that I have no clue about. Because sort of last. It. I'm going to, I'm going to interject one thing and this is going to be real quick because Dude, it, we got notes like right here. You I have know. to do what they say. I know. No, I don't. You already ad libbed my show too. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. Um, Westworld. So I watched Westworld. Oh, okay, fine. We can talk about this. I watched the first episode. I've not watched anything past that. Um, but this is what I'm going to say about it. Um, I'm already 20 times more interested in Westworld than I was after I watched the first episode of Game of Thrones. Okay. That's pretty amazing because, number one, the first episode of Game of Thrones actually was one of the ones that I really, really enjoyed. But uh, I don't think you're wrong because Westworld fucking fantastic like this is currently like i was telling ashley this the other night like because right now we're recording the show and this is on the walking dead night uh this is a sunday and 90 minute episode tonight it was a bit of a kerfuffle because this is normally a show that uh both my wife your wife and all of us watch on the same time uh, at the same night uh when it comes out uh, not with necessarily our, together but we usually watch it with the our night respective of. yeah like matt and casey will watch it me and ashley will watch it and uh Tonight I was like, well, but we got to do a podcast, and uh, you know, honestly, I, I'm more bummed about missing Westworld than I am The Walking Dead. Um, the final episode of Westworld tonight, actually. Yeah, and this is the the thing. Well, that at least of season. One. Eventually, I was like, well, if I could, I guess I can do the show. Is um, because my wife and I watch Westworld together. We're an episode behind, so I still have one more episode to watch, plus the one that's coming out tonight. Ah, so you're only eight episodes ahead of me. Yeah, but I will say this is definitely my. One of my favorite first seasons of a show, and definitely one of, I think, the strongest pieces of television on today. Well, here's the thing. Um, with Game of Thrones, we we had a couple people that I recognized um, that are decent actors, and that is Sean Bean. Yep. And then uh, Lena Headley. Those are, those are the two major ones. Why well, hasn't Sean Bean been decent? He's always been good. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's, but here's the thing. <laughs> I didn't start watching Game of Thrones until I already knew he died after the first season. Oh. Spoilers. Which is a bummer because that is a really big, I think, part of what makes Game of Thrones Game so of Thrones. So, it, yeah, it, it, I'm not invested in his character because I know he's not going to be around for very long. So it's kind of one of those things where I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Um, but then Westworld, like, I, I literally, like, went into Westworld knowing only a little bit about the fact that it's, like, a Wild West simulation that people pay for um, to go into. Yeah. What I didn't realize is how much detail they go into the quote hosts yeah. and and the the software programming and the they're the fact that they're fucking 3d printed and shit like right there um yeah. i didn't know going into it um that uh uh um odin anthony hopkins yeah sir anthony hopkins is is uh a big part in it there's a lot I, of big actors i knew about james marsden and i was mm-hmm. i pleasantly surprised by his performance james marsden evan rachel wood evan rachel wood Tandy is Newton. really good in it um, the, this the cast is fucking phenomenal in this, and Ed you, Harris. you you see the cast in this, and you think, oh, that this is going to be good, and then they turn it up to eleven. More more importantly, like 
not only they're like these people well-known actors but like they're actors actors like they can act dude anthony hopkins isn't famous because he can't act like he's one of the he's one of the rare people who i think is like classically trained fantastic actor and just almost manages to steal the show in whatever he's in honestly him and, if he him and uh, fucking... sir patrick stewart are are kind of right up there ian mckellen as well ian mckellen yeah. and uh tom hiddleston is another and uh benedict cumberbatch they're all theater benedict and and hiddleston though are, are they're like new the age. new guard they're in the, they're in um, the new age but they're still christopher lee though he's, like he's he's one he's of them another one just, just right up there but it amazes i mean it shouldn't it shouldn't because anthony hopkins has a whole career of work behind, uh, uh, behind him which shows just what a phenomenal well, actor he is but even and in honestly West, like in if West you World, look at him in thor like you. his performance in thor not the strongest anthony hopkins performance you're ever going to see but like I mean, if you watch a paycheck like, movie for him probably at, like watch hearts of atlantis yeah fucking hannibal brilliant hannibal hannibal yeah yeah so um well not hannibal uh, Both Silence Hannibal and Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah. This movie or this show really is kind of amazing to me because there's a lot of different themes in here that are really good. It gets into the whole theme of like humanity as a flawed creature and what we would really do if we didn't have any inhibitions to mind. Uh, it gets into the whole idea of consciousness and when when consciousness is a thing, like what what makes for consciousness. It kind of kind of ties into the Avenged Sevenfold record that we just talked about with the AI. Oh, aspect of it, when you, know? you said AI and Avenged Sevenfold, I was like, well, you should stick around for Westworld because yeah. that that's going to be an interesting part of that. Um, and, and not only that, uh, first off, those are themes that are very intriguing to me just on its own. Not only that, though, it's fucking phenomenally well made. Uh, I could not talk about Westworld without talking about the soundtrack. Dude, Have you caught that? Dude, so we were, Bryce and I actually watched the first episode together, right? And so we're sitting there and like the, like about midway through the first episode, they're in the saloon and like, do you hear the, like the little organ thing playing? And I was like, that's Black Hole Sun. Yep. <laughs> and like, it took him and he's like, what? And he's like, so he starts listening. He's like, you're not wrong. And I was like, well, no shit. Like, yeah. No, that's definitely Black Hole and Sun. And then like the big gunfight that happens uh, three quarters of the way through, like Painted Black, bitches. Painted Black, like by Rolling Stones, but completely old westified no like honestly you guys don't even have to like anything or watch the show for that Uh, like that kind of music go hit up youtube right now and listen to the westworld cover of black hole sun or the westworld cover cover of paint it black that alone is probably enough reason to watch the show because the the music direction in the show is fucking phenomenal there's a lot of more there's a lot more nods and a lot more music uh, like that in there um and a lot of theories as to why we're hearing westified versions of say black hole sun or paint it black uh, which is also phenomenal. But as much as you have theories about shows, this is one where it gets turned up to 11 in that there are so many little things, just so many little things. You could probably watch that first episode eight or nine times and pick up a new potential for a theory theme or otherwise about what the show is. Yeah. Uh, and it, it doesn't slow down. Like we, I, I'm nine episodes in, I think, and it or eight maybe and it doesn't slow down it's it's like that balls to the wall pretty much the whole time there's there's not been an episode so far where i have not been absolutely riveted so yeah yeah no it's it's uh it definitely has me waiting to watch the next episode and i will probably watch most of them in the next few days so cool do it yeah maybe uh, so 
we'll we'll talk about it on a on a different episode. I just wanted to let everybody know that it's 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 on. Matt did a thing I said, even though I didn't do anything he said this week. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Yeah. Uh last up on the docket though, um, we have me sitting quietly, which is probably gonna please lots of you, because Matt and Ryan saw Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and they're gonna try to not ruin the movie for me, maybe please. Ryan Ryan actually saw it two weeks ago. Uh, when it first came out. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, because you were late last week as well, or last show, a little bit. He yeah, I think that's you. right. Um, so he, he talked to me a little bit about it, and then, like, the week after, um, which was the week that we did not record, uh, I went and saw it. Okay. So um, I I enjoyed this movie a lot, and, and here's why. Without spoiling anything, this is completely, like, nondescript descriptors. <laughs> Fair. Um. With the Harry Potter series, like we had eight movies, and we were basically learning um, how magic works as the students learned, as we went through it, right? And, yeah. And so with this movie, like everybody that's in this movie is already is knows a full fledged wizard, and so like when there's wizarding afoot, like it's just full on like magic spells and shit, like, and they're not saying the words, like it's just like they're doing it. Yeah, and, just I mean, you have some wizards that are doing it without wands, like. Yeah, they're just no. So it's kind of like we wished um, the Star Wars prequel trilogy would be, in that everybody's a badass Jedi. Yeah, yeah. except for they Pretty actually much. get to be badasses. Yeah, um, okay, awesome. I thought Eddie Redmayne was fucking fantastic as Newt's commander. But when is he not awesome playing like an awkward nerd? Well, I mean, yeah, but so Eddie Redmayne is one of those guys that I've seen in a couple of things, and he, I think he's kind of an. Uh, undiscovered talent like i saw jupiter ascending which was dog shit of a movie uh, uh, see i still haven't watched that i probably will though just because it has me lacunas in it and eddie redmayne that's fine you can um but you just you're not gonna get those brain cells back i'm just gonna warn you now. here's here's the thing seen, about uh, me lacunas is i would sit there and i would watch 10 hours of fucking jim beam commercials just to see, just to see Mila Kunis. <laughs> Mila Kunis. Like watching the movie for Mila Kunis is a valid pr- position, and at this point, it I can say it's pretty much the only one. Although I will say that I saw Re- Eddie Redmayne in that movie, and he's not bad in that movie any more than you can be bad in a movie with an absolutely terribly awful script. Yeah. Have you? Did you guys see him in uh, Theory of Everything? I have not seen that. No. Phenomenal movie. Yeah, like, no. Like he, he's an accomplished he, actor. He plays. Uh, Stephen Hawking to pretty much a T. Like, it's crazy. In a lot of the fan castings for the the thing I talked about that nobody else talked about for a while, with the, that's the Name of the Wind series coming to TV and movies, he's one of the top picks for the, our hero uh, um, in that. And it, honestly, if that were the case, I'd be floored. That would be amazing. Like, because he could totally fit it. The only thing I worry about now is he's a little too old for the part, but I think they could work that out. Here's here's what I... What I um appreciated about the movie is they made this movie called fantastic beasts and where to find them there's already a book called fantastic beasts and where to find them it's it's basically um a book that hogwarts assigns to students in the harry potter series right this movie is not that book like the book is essentially like a guide and this is about the person who wrote that and an adventure that happens to happen to him while he's collecting these fantastic beasts and whatnot so um it's good it's it's very good and uh the the flashes in this movie barry allen yes barry allen grant gustin nope no oh uh, ezra, ezra miller. miller ezra miller 
Okay, sorry. When you say the Flash, it, I'm always going to go back Creedence. to Grant Gustin. Yes, his name is Credence in this movie. Um, and uh, for all that the dialogue he has, he's he's decent in this movie as well. He's actually he he plays his part well. Yeah, he does. He does. You know, for all the shit we've given Ezra Miller, I've heard he's actually a pretty good actor. No, he is. He he's, is. he's very. He's very. Um, yeah, he's good. <laughs> okay. Um, the two standouts, hands down, for me are easily. Eddie Redmayne and uh, what is his name? Colin, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, yeah, Farrell's good in this movie too. Okay, so um, that's cool. Colin Farrell actually, I think deserves like he's he's another really good actor that had a very big pop at the beginning and then just kind of dis uh, you know faded from public view. But he's always I think been a pretty good actor. So. Honestly, um, I'll I'll look it up real quick because I don't remember his name, but I will give you the name of the standout actor for me in this movie. Okay, um, and it's none of the big players. Is it the big? Is it the uh, sidekick guy? Kind of, yeah. dude. He did a great job. Yeah. He, oh, he busted me up so many times. Yeah, he's he's super good. So this is definitely a movie that I should probably go see. Then, um, why not? Uh, give it give it a score out of ten because I like easy round numbers. I would give it. I'd give it an eight. All right, that's a solid. That's a solid score. Um, we go. We go to our other judges. Dan Dan Fogler is his name. He plays a character named Kowalski. And I definitely don't know who that is. Uh, no, you don't. No, and, but but he's fucking brilliant. He is amazing. Um, an eight is what you gave it. I give it an eight. I'm gonna say eight, eight and a half, easy. Yeah, it's. I I have my issues with it, but overall, as far as like going back into this world. That is Harry Potter. Without having, yeah, this, Harry, is, a, this is the first feature movie that hasn't had like an actual book that was written before it that, that they're bringing to life. So I think J.K. Rowling did a great job writing it. She wrote the screenplay, did she not? Yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah, and this is the first of I think three of these. I think five. Is it five? They yeah. plan on doing five films with this. That was before they released the movie. They're like, oh yeah, by the way, we're gonna have five already yeah. planned. So this movie sets the sets the stage uh, for a showdown actually between uh, Dumbledore and, and Grindelwald. And Grindelwald, which I am hoping we see on screen. I, we have to at some point. Because I'm, I couldn't remember. In the I mean, I don't think they're gonna be able to show the full wizarding I, duel because it took like four hours. Or something, I, but I would just watch a film with that. Yeah. Like that would be fine. So ironically, I do recognize Dan Fogler, uh, but I can't figure out why. But um, I can't remember in the time frame in when Grindelwald and Dumbledore had their battle. Was it before this or after? It was after. It was after. Yeah. Okay. In Harry Potter lore, uh, after Dumbledore defeats. Uh, Grindelwald, Grindelwald, he goes to prison, and mm-hmm. um, Voldemort actually visits Grindelwald in prison and kills him. And kills him because he's trying to find the Elder Wand. Well, he's not only trying to find it; he's trying to take control of it. Right. And but Grindelwald doesn't to, have it. And in order to have control of it, you have to have defeated that wizard right. in a duel. Right. So. so. Yeah, I think that's a fairly solid endorsement right there. Just getting me interested back in Harry Potter lore. And um, this is another one where especially my daughter is super, super interested in the Harry Potter stuff. Like, I'm going to have to go uh, figure out where I can go see this uh, because I think that's something she would totally be down with doing. So, um, yeah, cool. 
Let's it, do that. it was fantastic. And here's here's the proud uh, dad part uh, of me. Uh, you said it. Here's it was such a beast. The yeah, the proud dad in me is the guy that. So we have a little tiny movie theater here in town. Yep, two blocks from my house. We walk to it sometimes. This is where we saw this movie. Uh, my kid wore her Hogwarts like robe. <laughs> nice <laughs> to the movie. So. I mean, your kid has a Hogwarts ro- robe. Obviously, you're doing parenting right. Yeah, uh, it and it's fantastic. Like my my mom made this robe, like legit, like sewed everything and all that kind I'm of stuff. I'm not gonna lie, so, I want a Slytherin robe. After I saw the robes that like Casey showed me, if for you Halloween, bought if you bought my mom the stuff, she would probably make it for you. Tell me what materials are. I want a <laughs> yeah. Slytherin robe. Have her make me a list. Um. Okay, that is the show for this week's ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're going to be back next week. We're going to be talking about all kinds of cool stuff. Um, but in the meantime, if you want to catch up on all of our shenanigans, you can find us on Twitter at Whatever Show or on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Whatever Show. That's Matt taking the cue perfectly. Uh, you can also send your questions and comments and so forth to questions at whatever.co. We already mentioned before, but in case you want to follow us individually, I am at Charles E. Smith on Twitter and Matt at the brutal one. That's B R E W T A L O N E. Because he's a clever boy with clever wordplay. Um, um, you can follow Ryan um, on, nowhere on Facebook. <laughs> That's about it. Look up in the sky for smoke signals. He sends that amount periodically. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else? We good? Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're good. All right. See you next week, folks. Later. Later.